It's an honor to uh, be part of your learning here for your ministry and your life. We call these seven sessions that we're going to share with you a Miracle Life Seminar. Today, we're, uh, we're opening this session and we're going to read as a scriptural base from the book of Acts, the first four verses. Now, I think it's important that, uh, that these ideas that we're going to share with you, the seven major ideas for life and ministry, that they're all in the first four verses of the book of Acts. And when you think about it, isn't that where they ought to be? The ministry of Jesus comes to an end and our ministry begins. So there's a bridge of four verses there that connect us with the Jesus ministry because the object of all that we're going to share with you while we're with you here is that we are the continuers of what Jesus began. That's my perspective of ministry. I am here in this world to continue, keep doing what he did. That's why he gave me the same power that the Father gave him. With that at work in me and through me, then he believes that if I'll, if I'll accept it and embrace it, that I can do everything that he did. That's apostolic ministry. That's not just for the, the fellows and ladies whose names are known. That's for you. Don't ever let these truths fly over your head and say, that's too good for me. It's not. Accept it for you. Our, our object is to discover the kind of person God wants us to be. Now, if that's not your object, objective in being here, you might, I don't know, it might be boring to you. But I think if you've paid the cost and made the effort to be a part of a Bible school like Victory Bible Institute, I think you're serious about your life and your calling. So our objective, let's have it straight from the start, is to become the kind of person that God wants us to be. Why? so we can experience the miracle life of Jesus and continue what he began. He takes us beyond religion to God's miracle life. They're different. Everything about Christianity is a miracle. That's why we call it a miracle life seminar. 
Miracle is spelled with seven letters, M-I-R-A-C-L-E. It occurred to me to take those seven letters and, and see if I could hook them together and make an acronym out of those seven letters and tie them to seven fundamentals in apostolic ministry. If I could do that, that would be basic, wouldn't it? It would nourish us. Now this is what, this is the, the, the substance of these seven lessons is my ministry all over the world. I'll keep saying things like that because I, you haven't been there. I've been there. We have a saying, I've been there and done that. I have. All over the world. And I witness to you that with these truths embraced in your spirit, there's no country, no people, no tribe that can resist them. In almost a hundred nations, for almost six decades, I've never seen a crusade fail. Never. Why? Jesus doesn't fail. If we let him be the star, if we let him do his thing, he won't fail. If we're trying to advance our ministry and our stardom, to make, to, to count for us, then we'll probably have disappointment times. We don't need to have any with Christ. So this is going to take us, as you already know, most of you, beyond religion. When we get through with this, religion won't mean much to you. The miracle life will mean everything to you. Miracle, seven letters. Miracle, seven miracle dynamics. What's a dynamic? A great pastor in Brazil said, I don't like that word. I don't like for you to put it in your books. I have to translate it. Dr. Suarez from Rio. He said, I don't know what that word means. But when he got through with one of these seminars, he told me, he says, I know what it means now. I like the word. <laughs> Dynamics, it's, an it's energizing forces that produce action or motion. Seven miracle dynamics. Seven fundamentals for success with God. Hear me. Now, I'm talking to you. I wouldn't have even come to do this had it not been that you are people who are commit, have committed your life to study God's word and you want to reach out to your world. Otherwise, I wouldn't be interested. I'm old. I haven't got time to waste. Every day is precious to me. I wouldn't have come 
But I said to Pastor Billy Joe, if I can invest what I know in them, I'll come. Because I'm going to die and they're going to keep living. So if they'll take it and keep running with it, I'll feel happy and reward. That's why I'm here. So you'll find me very serious. I'm happy, but I'm serious about life. Life is important. Seven fundamentals for success with God. You want success with God or do you want to be mediocre? Do you accept mediocrity? Are you willing to have a little church down on the corner? You can have life that way and God won't get mad at you. It'll be lovely. But I'd rather help more people. Seven truths to guide and influence your life. Seven sessions. Every one of them is going to get hotter. I promise you that. Seven concepts to motivate action. Seven essentials in the Christian faith that make it possible for us to continue to do the ministry that Jesus began. Let's read our scripture base, the first four verses in concert. You ready? The former treatise, come on, I can't hear you, together. The former treatise, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, a little louder, until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment unto his apostles whom he had chosen. Say, I'm chosen. Okay, verse 3, continue, loud. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today, we're talking, we're beginning this with, a, with this, these four verses, this bridge between the book of Acts and our book, uh, excuse me, the Gospels of Christ and our Gospel. You're writing a Gospel every day. Daisy and I wrote a book before she passed away, the Gospel according to T.L. and Daisy. Mark wrote one. Paul twice mentioned his gospel, so we wrote ours. And it's printed, and it's going all over the world. It's wonderful. The gospel continue. It's, it's the record of good news that you have experienced in your life. Jesus' ministry in the gospels, Jesus' ministry in the Acts. Acts continues what Jesus began. And the Acts, as you students know, has no ending. There's no amen. There's no cutoff. Because we're part of it. Say, I'm part of it. Here 
are the seven principles of God's miracle life for us, inspired by the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. The first one, all that Jesus... Now, now, let's look at this acronym to see if this word miracle will work good. Let's take the first one and call it M. Verse 1, all that Jesus began to do and teach. I thought that would be good to start this word miracle with M and call it our model. What he began. Right? The second one. I. Okay. Until the day he was taken up. If that, watching him until he was taken up is the greatest inspiration that I know about in my Christian life. If I'm ever down, I remind myself of him until the day he was taken up, I'm inspired. What about the R, M-I-R? He, through the Holy Ghost, gave commandment. All right, think about that. How can we get an R out of that? He gave commandment. He gave us his mandate. When you receive a mandate from God, you got to do something about it. So I said, that's it. Our response to God's mandate. Of course. You know, there are people who spend their lives and never respond to what God says. They're responding in life to things that influence us all, over the, all around them, but I want to respond to the right voice. That's the R, M-I-R. A. He, how can I get an A out of this? He commanded those whom he chose. He chose, and I added and sent forth. When he chose, when he chooses us for action, when he chooses us to execute his mandate, I said, that's it. That takes action. So I say, I call it our action as his delegates. This is a little lesson on how to get a sermon. Think, think, ponder, values, put them together, and they'll make you hot when you get up to talk about them. <laughs> I'm taking it easy because you're deciding whether you like me or not, and I hope you do. You're figuring me out, whether I was, I'm as nice as the last fella and all that. It's all right. That, we got to do that. I'm your friend. I love you. I want to stay close to you. I believe in you. I'm here for you. I'm a success. 
Not because me, but I've let Jesus do his thing through me. And that's what I want to impart to you. Action. You got it? Our, he, he commanded those whom he chose. Well, if he's chosen us for a mandate, we got to do something. Our action as his delegates, we represent him. We're, wherever we are, whatever we do, we do it in his name. All that we do here, we do in his name. All that he does there, he does in our name. Say, wow. I like that word. It's short for hallelujah. The countries I go to, they can't say hallelujah. That's too long a word. I teach them wow. <laughs> the next part of that verse. He showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. I said, where can I get the C out of that? And then I thought, oh, yes, many infallible proofs. That is the credibility, C, credibility of the gospel. We're credible. The poor devil isn't. That's why when I get there, he leaves. I don't have to cast him out. He knows the message I'm coming with, and he cannot resist it. And it's the same for you. That's not because it's the great TLO. There's no great TLO. There's the great this. Say, I like it. Next portion. He was seen of them 40 days speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, the government of God, the, the real network of God, the real stuff he talked to them about. How can I get an L out of that? Well, I thought, yeah, that's stronger yet. Wait till we get to that one. And, <laughs> yeah, L for the legality of our faith. After the credibility of the gospel, then the legality of our faith. Think what that means. The poor devil's thinking. He's worried wherever you go and show up, if you get this in your spirit, he'll say, not that one. They caught on. The next one, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. How can I get an E out of that? And then I thought, wow, this is better yet. E for ex, the, the experience of his energy in me. The E, the experience of his energy in me. Now you're going to have a sheet to go with every one of those statements that are so packed that <laughs> you're going to be turned on. Don't lose them. Hang, them. hang on to them. If an accident would happen and you'd lose one, we'll replace it. But you hang on to them and, 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 and get them in you. Oh boy, I love this. We'll answer. Now, are you ready? You can't write all this down, but you can write what you can. What you can't, get the tape and catch it from the tape. 
we're going to answer during these seven sessions seven major questions. Today, M, the model that God wants us to follow, what Jesus began to do. Here's the question for today. I'll come back to it after I preview you on these others. Today, what unlocks God's miracle life in us? Or I have some little questions to follow each one of these. Or, how do we know what God is like? Have you seen him? Without miracles, is Christianity just a religion? Is it credible? Can lay persons share in miracle ministry? On what level? Those are questions that we'll come back to and solve today. Next Monday, the question for next Monday that has to do with until the day he was taken up, the inspiration of his example. Here's the question, the major question for next Sunday. What makes the Christian faith more than a religion or a philosophy? Now you can tell I'm getting worked up. It's the hardest thing in the world for me to come in here and not preach. You know, I'm going to try to keep it down. But if I keep it down, you'll get to looking dull. So I've got to keep you up there. <laughs> I repeat, what makes the Christian faith more than a religion or a philosophy? Can you prove the difference? You will after next, next Monday. And you'll have a little sheet of paper that you can shove in the devil's face any corner you meet him and say, hey, buddy, read this. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor devil. Poor devil. What makes it more? Or some other little questions. The early church imitated Christ literally. Should we today? Good question. Ponder it. Decide. You are making decisions while I talk. You will not hear these truths and remain neutral. You are deciding yes or no. I believe it, I don't believe it. Strong, too strong, not strong enough. I'm for it, I'm not for it. That's pride, that's haughtiness. I can't go for that. You are making those decisions. Watch them, they're taking place in your spirit while I talk, I am a servant of God sent from God to you for seven sessions. That's not bragging. That's fact. That's apostolic fact. I've come to you as his delegate. And you will decide all the way through these talks. And it'll be subconscious, in your subconscious that you'll make those decisions. I'm for that. That's too much. I can't go that far. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified for that. No, no. Or, or he's blowing, or he's bragging, or he's been too far. The old man's getting proud in his old day. You, you, something will whirl in your brain. Watch it. Watch it. 
That's not a bluff. That's not a threat. No, not if, if you don't agree with it, God will get you. No, 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 not that. If you don't agree with it, you'll miss a lot of good stuff. But God will still be happy with you and try to bless you. If you can't take these truths, then he'll try to send someone else with some other truths to try to bless you. God don't get mad at people. Just preachers and people get mad at people. God don't have to. The preachers will do that for him. Little questions. The early church imitated Christ literally. Should we? Another little question. Is it a little question? Pretty big question. Are his, con we're talking about, is the Christian faith a more than a philosophy or a religion? Little question. Are his concepts workable or are they just a part of history? Now, when I said that, your brain went to work and, 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 and you decided what you would think about that while I was saying it. You didn't know you'd reached that decision, but you did. Watch it. Keep it in control. Another little question. Are biblical miracles needed in this century? A woman over in Belgium said, we don't need them. We have medical science. Okay. Third, the R, the, our response to his mandate. He gave commandment. Our response to his mandate. What's the big question for that lesson? What brings out God's best in a person? Boy, that's, a, that's going to be a great session. Smaller question. Is Christ's miracle ministry applicable in today's world? Come with me, you'll find out it is. Do you have a call from God? How do you know? How do you know? What can you shove under the devil's nose that'll make him shut up and run? If not, if you don't have a call, why? Why? Face it. Decide why. Do some Christians not have a ministry? Good question. The fourth session, we'll deal with action as his delegates because Christ chose us. Right? Big question for that session. What happens when we discover how much God trusts us? Now, you'll have a piece of paper on that day that'll say that. And on the back, it'll have the outline of what we're going to teach. What happens when we discover how much God trusts us? Some little questions to go along with that in case that doesn't rouse you. Are only certain people chosen vessels of God? Watch it, you Pentecostals. 
that have got some folks with a special anointing. You trot around and hunt them at their convention and want them to touch you and give you some of their anointing. My Lord, I'd never want to do that. I want my own from God. Direct, no second-hand anointing. Okay, question for the fourth session. Are only certain people chosen vessels of God? Are you one of them? Is that too big for you? You made a decision right then. It clicked. Watch it. Another little question. To whom? We're talking about the discovery of how much God trusts us. Little question. Not a little one, a big one. To whom? To whom does God entrust his miracle power? You answer that. You're answering it right now. In, in, watch it. To whom does God entrust his miracle power? What did you decide? Can you say it out loud? To whom? Okay, it's good. One more little question. Are others more qualified for spiritual matters than you? Big deal. Well, you decided that right then. Fifth session. We'll talk about the credibility of the gospel. He showed himself alive. Question, big question, important question. What makes our Christian witness believable? What makes you and me credible? Now that's real to me because Daisy and I went to India in 1945 before any of you was even born. And, 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 and we weren't credible to the Hindus and Muslims. And we came home brokenhearted. You won't have to do that. That was a sad, almost tragic experience for us. We almost quit the ministry. What makes us believable? the Christian witness believable? What proof do we offer to the people to whom we witness, public or individual, what proof do we offer that Jesus Christ is alive? Otherwise, we're a Muslim. Muhammad is, Muhammad is dead. Jesus is dead. They tell us all over the world he's dead. When I go, I have to prove he's not dead. Thank God I found out how. I repeat that little question. What proof do we offer that he's alive? Or does it matter? Can we find a nice ministry and a good repertoire of nice sermons without having to get into that deep stuff? It's up to you to decide. 
You're deciding it during, during this session and during your time in Bible school at VBI. Whether that's too much trouble, just take it easy. What you going to do? Think about it. Another little question. Do Christian rituals without miracles have life-changing power? Good question. You need that again? Do Christian rituals, don't blame the Catholics, the Protestants are just as bad. Rituals, ceremonies. We've got, if we don't watch in the charismatic movement, we'll have it just as memorized as the Catholics have theirs, but they're just different words. Do Christian rituals without miracles have life-changing power? If they don't, what are we going to do with them? Another little question. One more little one. I don't want to leave you hanging on this one. It's too important. Say, I'm ready. If we don't share Jesus Christ, oh, this is heavy. If we don't share Jesus Christ, is it because really we don't believe in him? You share everything you believe in. Check that one out in your own spirit. The sixth session. Can you take some more? You don't know what, by the time we get through, that's why I'm giving you these papers, because it's a, it's a bridge. They'll remind you what we did last time. And you'll come in here hot to trot every time, ready for the next one, okay? I'm making an investment to give you that paper. Our staff's making an investment to print it, and someone coming out here and giving it to you. I'm telling you, they're hot. Poor devil. He didn't want me to get in here to VBI and do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was I? The sixth one. About our le the legality of our faith. He spoke to them concerning the kingdom of God on that part. The legality of our faith. Did you ever feel legal? <clears throat> you ever feel illegal? Big question for that session. How does Jesus minister today in our community, in our nation? How? An old Methodist said something to me uh, when, I, when I attended the Methodist camp out here in eastern Oklahoma. Harry Denman, a great Methodist, a saint. And he would lean over the desk. He didn't have any voice left, just a growl. You know, he leaned over the desk and said, can you tell me one thing Jesus Christ can do in your community without a body to do it in? Wow, when I heard that, that spun my head and birthed a whole new level of ministry in, 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 the, in the Osborne ministry. That one statement. I'll let you cook on that. How does he minister today? Little question. Can, oh, this is good. You ready? Say, I can take it. I can take it. Say, I'm serious. I'm serious. How, no. Can the Holy Spirit do God's work 
without us. Oh, this one's heavy. You want this one? This, oh, you, you, you charismatics, you've got to have this one. You've got, usually, all of our meetings, I've never conducted a Pentecostal meeting in my life. All of our meetings overseas, all, are always Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Church of England, Pentecost. In fact, the last one, one of the biggest we've ever had, 130,000 people there, and, and the Pentecostals wouldn't come. But had 400 Methodists and, and 500 Baptists, and Lord knows how many other people all can, but one of the big group of the Pentecostals who think they're so important, they, they didn't want to be part of it. So, so, so I said that to say, you Pentecostals, you need this. You ready for it? Will you take it? Okay. Can we send angels to minister in our place? Say, wow. Say, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> you hesitate on that. You didn't want to do that. That's because you're making your decision. See, your brain's all tangled up. You're trying to work on that other, so you didn't want to talk until you got that solved. Okay, I'll repeat it to help your brain a little bit. Can we send angels to minister in our place? Pastors are telling us we can. Or, no, can we send them in our place and to do the work that Jesus commissioned us to do. Boy, that's handy for Pentecostals. We don't have to do it if it's tough. We can get on our knees and send the angels. They'll go do it. Don't be fooled. I'm going to rain on that parade in the sixth session. What does Jesus look like in our community. One more. Final. When we talk about E for experience, the experience of his energy. He said, wait for the promise. Don't go off half cocked. Wait for the promise. Big question. Big question. Maybe the biggest question of all. How big can possible be in you? Think about it. You're thinking about it. How big can it be? Little question. How can Jesus be the same today as he was in Bible days? How? You want him to be? You believe he is? How? He can't without you. You're going to turn him loose on the world and let him be what he was in Galilee? Won't work. How big can he be in you? That's as big as he can be. In no community will he be any bigger than he is in you. level of ministry 
is realistic for your life? You're deciding that during this, during, during VBI. And we could reword it and say, how big can your minister be? As big as you let possible be in you. If you try to be the star, you try to run everything, you try to do everything, you believe it's your anointing and your power and your faith, then it won't be very big. But if you let Jesus be the star and get it settled at your beginning that just exactly what Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. I know that's easy to say. That's a cliche. But but, but then we turn around and we talk about our anointing and our power and we touch people and we like them to fall or something and, and show how important we are. We want the stardom. We don't want Jesus to be the star. He does the work. How big can he be in you? What's your level? What, what, what's realistic for your ministry? Is God limited ladies hang on buckle in your seat belts this is for you is God limited by living in you in a woman in a lay person is he During these, during these seven sessions, you'll be refreshed by a greater understanding of your own life and ministry. Your faith will be stronger. Your hope will be brighter. Your love will be deeper. Your life will be fuller. Believers were called Christians. That meant like Christ. That meant doing what he was doing. These seven studies will take us beyond religious formality and ritual to the miraculous life of the early church. Today we focus on all that Jesus began to do and teach. Our question, what unlocks God's miracle life in us? What turns the switch and makes the miracle life in you function? The answer? To see the Christ life as the model for our life. I said to see it, to have the Christ life in perspective as our model. We are sent to do what he did. We do it. That turns on, unlocks God's miracle life in us. We don't pray through to do it. We don't fast 40 days to do it. We go do it in his name. Let him be the star. Let him work through us. But he is the example. He's the model. He's the one we look to. The first principle of this seminar is to see in Jesus the model of what God wants us to be, to do, and to have. Hallelujah. Okay.
If you turn your paper over, you'll see five questions that we're going we're gonna to deal with. Let's look at them. Who was Jesus? What was his mission? What did he, why, did, why did he need to come? What did he begin that we need to continue? And what unlocks his miracle life in us? That's what we're after. That's the study for today. Who is this man, Jesus? Who is this man who is our model? Let me answer briefly. He is the incarnation of God. Now that sounds swimmy and theological, so that probably didn't, didn't ring a bell. But in how you believe it, that's one of those cliches that we get used to. But come with me and face 130,000 people, half of them, a third of them Muslims, and, and you'll want to know about this incarnation of God that lives with you. That's important. See, think about it. God, he is God's revelation of himself in human flesh. From the time Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, the image of God began to be distorted and confused by culture, by tradition, and especially by religion. After thousands of years, the true image was so warped and so confounded that God sent his son to reveal himself. Keep that straight in your mind, young people. It's very vital. John 10, 30, Jesus said, I am and my father are one. Look at me a moment. Remember this statement. Everything Jesus said about his rapport with the Father, you can say the same. We don't practice that. We think that's bordering on sacrilegion. No. Jesus came to show us how. Say that out loud. Jesus came to show us how. Everything he said about his rapport with the Father, you can say. Learn to say it. Believe it when you say it. And act accordingly. That will make you ready anywhere without praying through. What do you pray through? Don't need to do that. If you know certain truths about redemption, you are through all the time. I can meet the devil on any corner. I'm ready. He knows it. That's not bragging. We have, you got, you got to get your, you got to figure out what's bragging and what's fact. It depends on your attitude about it. After, th after thousands of years, his true image was so warped and confounded that he had to send Jesus to reveal himself. John 14, 10. I don't think I finished reading John 10, 30. I and my Father are one. Can you say that? 
Yes. Verse 38. I want you to know, he said, and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Every time I walk on a platform before a field of people, I tell the people God sent me to them. I told you, I've told you already, God sent me as his delegate to you. I don't go anywhere on a goose chase. I'm too important. I'm a messenger. I'm old. I've been a long way. I've learned a lot of things. I've proven what I'm talking about, and I want to get to as many people as I can because it's wonderful what I know. If I had known some of this, we wouldn't have failed in India. We didn't have Bible schools like this. Books like I write and like other people write, they, 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 they didn't exist then. I finally got Kenyon's books after we failed and came home. That changed our life, but I tore all the covers off of every one of his books because no preacher in my organization allowed that you, that you read Kenyon. Kenyon was a rebel. Thank God for Kenyon. John 14, 10. The Father dwells in me. Verse 11. Believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me. <laughs> That's our message. What do you tell when you go preach? You want a sermon? That's it. And then make it credible. Wait till we get to that part. Yeah. John 13, 15. I have given you an example, a model, that you should do as I have done. Is it pride to say my mission is to carry on what Jesus began? No. He said do it. It's faith. Apostolic faith. Gospel faith. Jesus kind of faith. Say, I like it. John 14, 19. Because I live, you shall live also. Oh, I love to tell that to crowds of people. There's life in me from God, and it burns in me. It's wonderful. And because I have it, you're going to have it. You're going to live with the same life. I tell, that's my sermon. I hear some preachers preach. I say, that would never translate. You could never translate that. That wouldn't go. <laughs> I don't want a sermon that won't work under any shade tree with any tribe, primitive or otherwise, on a riverbank around the world. If, they can't, if I can't tell it to them, I don't want it for the bigwigs. That was an unkind word to say. Sorry, I, take, I can't take it back. It went out. You've got it. John 14, 19. That's why I think before you talk. John 14, 19. Because I live, you shall live also. Verse 19. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. We are one, in other words. We all drink from the same fountain and live with the same life. If you love me, listen to this. Did you get this? Verse 23. If you love me, I'm talking about who is this man, Jesus. 
if you love me and keep my words. My Father will love you, and we, we, him and me both, we will come to you. I love it. This is my sermon. And we will make our abode with you. Wow. When I say these truths, I think of so many people around the world that I've seen come to life. I'm thinking now of a little leper woman, ashamed, wouldn't come in the crowd, couldn't come in the crowd. Nobody wants a leper close to them. Her hands all drawn, part of the joints gone, sores on her face, everything. Her back was stiff, stood up there, lived in a little under some tin down by the canal. She came way out. First night, she was healed. I didn't know anything about it. Don't give me the credit. I told those uh, Swedish inter uh, reporters that came to the airplane to meet me, they were so cocky. You know, Sweden is, if you're from Sweden, you know, so atheistic, so uh, almost hating God. Thank God for Ulf Ekman over there. He's, he's causing the devil a lot of trouble, but, uh, but they're, uh, these, these reporters said sarcastically, they had their notepads out and their cameras, and we were walking to the end on the ground. Said, well, Reverend Osborne, have you come to Sweden to raise the dead? Isn't that cute? What sarcasm. And I stopped, and I looked at him, I said, hey, you've heard things, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I said, don't blame me for all of those wonders. <laughs> they didn't know what to do with that. And they wrote a good article. <laughs> they sure did. Those infidel reporters wrote a good article. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't blame me. I didn't know about it. Why cuss me? I just gave the gospel. The gospel does its work. I don't have to have the honor. I don't hang my shingle out, say I'm a healer of lepers. No, Jesus is the healer of lepers. But he needs our voice. We'll make our abode with you. Not just a visit. We'll come and set up headquarters at your house. Glory to God. That's the way I live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Abide in me. I'll abide in you. I'm the vine. You're the branches. We have the same life. You see yourself like that? Who is this man, Jesus? He's our model. Who is he? Knowing these facts about him, turns his miracle life on in us. He's in us. He lives in us. My residence is his residence. We are one. I don't have to pray a long time to get him to activate. No, 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 no. He's there all the time. I pray when I want to pray and I feel prayer. But no, not for that. He lives in me. I'm ready any time. Believe that. Believe that. Nourish that. Think about that. Ponder that. Talk that. Jesus was conscious of the Father in him, alive, 
all the time. Practice that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who lives in you? You're not alone. Jesus said in verse 36, he said, the works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. The Father himself bears witness of me. Now what about that? The works that I do bear witness of me. What do you do? See, John, he was confused, so he sent a, a, a committee over to Jesus' meeting, said, I want to be sure that this is him. What did they come back and say? They said, well, what we saw was the blind saw and the deaf heard and, and the lame walked and all that. John must have said, okay, I don't need any more. I know that's him. Those are the things that only God can do. The works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. A recent meeting, three insane men in chains, hands and feet from three different villages. None of them knew about the other one. I didn't know about any of them. In different parts of the multitude, three of them healed one night. Someone took pictures of one of them sitting on the ground out there and the crowd around him gawking and looking, hands tied, feet tied. All three of them were healed. How? Did I do that? Was that my anointing, special anointing? Is it because I'm the great TL? I didn't even know about it. Like I said to the Swede, don't blame me for that. I didn't have anything to do with it. I gave the message, but it's the gospel that's the power of God. It, I tell preachers, and I wish they would listen to, listen to me. If you'll preach the gospel, you won't even have to cast out devils. Well, I know, right quick, you can say back, wait, Brother Aldrin, Jesus said my name, you know, you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. In my name you shall cast out. Yeah, I know it. If they don't come out, then do it. If they don't clear out before you get to the prayer time, then do it. I can do it. You can do it. In his name, you're his advocate. You're his, you're his delegate. But I find most of them clear out when I get there. And then if they don't, when I'm preaching, they clear. Oh, listen. It's not a great Osborne that these reports come from. You know, crazy people, blind people, deaf people, dumb people, crippled people, carried on carts. They get up, they get well, they get well. It's not Os because Osborne's there. It's because Jesus is there. Hardly beat him at being spiritual. <laughs> Try it. You're trying to rev it up and get it so holy. Forget it. He's spirit. You're flesh. But in our Pentecostal doctrine, we condemn our flesh. No, not we say 
It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind is enmity against God and all that stuff. No, not me. Yeah, the carnal mind, but not mine. Mine is renewed by the word of God. I'm in har I've harmonized my mind with the word of God. I'm not evil. No, 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 no. My mind, my mind is sacred. It's wonderful. It's in tune. That tunes it. You trying to be spiritual? Forget it. God don't need you to be holy. He's holy. We're, we're, we're holy and we're a spirit. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not getting ridiculous here. But the point is, we have what God doesn't have. And he needs it. He is spirit. And if he'd come down here and try to do all these things that you're trying to send him around to do in your prayers, <laughs> you know, him, him and the angels, you're, they're, they're doing all the things that, that he told you to do. You know, you, you know there's two prayers he'll never answer. One is what he's already done, and the other is what he told you to do. <laughs> he'll never answer those prayers, either one of them. But see, he's spirit. But if he comes down here and tries to do, he, he's sitting up there, hey, are you, say, I'm listening. He's sitting up there with big ideas, but he can't bring them off. Is that sacrilegious to say that? No. The old Methodist was right. Can you tell me one thing that Jesus can do in your community without a body? No. No. You're praying for him to come down in a cloud and sweep and minister in the hospitals and minister in the prisons and bless the... No, he's not. No, you're wasting your time. Get up off your knees and quit. It's a waste of time. Oh, that's what he told you to do. Jesus didn't send the Spirit around all over Galilee and Judea to fix a people. He went. He journeyed throughout the country. He touched them. He spoke to them. He took them in his arms. That's what we are. We're his body. He's our model. Hallelujah. Who is this man, Jesus? You got it? I didn't finish what I started to say a while ago. He's spirit. You're flesh. See, the deal is, we give him our flesh. He gives us his spirit, and that's a Christian. That's a Christian. The combination of God and you together. A Christian like Christ. Isn't that powerful? Powerful, powerful, powerful. Who is this Jesus? He's the rock of our salvation. He lives in you. The miracle worker of the ages is pouring his life through you right now. The Messiah, Christ the Messiah, is the anointed one at your house today. The living word of God is speaking for you right now. Christ, the Son of God, is with you and in you. The living bread of life is alive in you. The light of the world shines through you. The open door to God is in you and through you today 
Don't miss these. Every one of them will preach. The living truth of God is alive in you. He confirms God's word in your life today. He who died for your sins is saving you right now. He who justified you from all sins is standing in your defense today. The wisdom and power of God is resident in you right now. He who is the sure foundation makes your life stand solid in the worst of storms. If I was reading these in Africa, they'd be shouting me down. You couldn't hear a thing by now. He who is love in action is loving and living through you. The God of all comfort gives you courage when times are tough. He who is the image of God is being reflected through you today. The light that shines from God is shining through you today. He who has re 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 redeemed you is standing strong inside of you. The oil of his anointing is your crown of victory today. Who is this man, Jesus, our model? Hebrews 1.3 says, Christ is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. Matthew 1.23 says, A virgin shall be with child, bring forth a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel. God with us. John 1.14, the word was made flesh. Remember what I said? He's spirit, we're flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, lived among us, and we beheld him. We looked at him. John 1.18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, he's declared him. He's revealed him. I look at Jesus and see God. John 14, 9, he that's seen me has seen the Father. The greatest biblical fact of human history is that Jesus showed us what God is like in human flesh. That's what I preach all over the world. You say, what gives that old man 80 years old energy to go and do and preach under the sun twice a day, hours, all over the world, any language, with an interpreter. What? The Father and I are one. It's his energy through me. I'm not trying to be the star or the king. He gets the glory. It's him that's doing the work. Jesus showed us God in the flesh. so that we, God's offspring, are to be like him. Look at me. Think. Think about this. If you don't know what God is like, you don't know what you're to be like. Come with me to India and preach and teach that. Let me say that again. If you don't know what God's like, you don't know what you're to be like. I know what God's like by looking at Jesus. 
He's my model. I know what I'm to be like. When I see Jesus, I see God's design for me. Hindus don't know about him. A judge said, I've been a complete skeptic. I've, I've, I've tried religion, but it hasn't helped me. I'm not sure I would want a personal God, even if I could find one. A Hindu judge, a thinking man, but without the gospel. I heard a man who wanted to see God, and when, when it was revealed to him, he had seven heads. I don't think I'd like a God with seven heads. A high caste in Indian said, I don't like the Christ of your creeds and of your churches, but I'm interested in your Christ seated by the wayside, healing the blind, touching the unclean lepers. I'm interested in the Jesus who spoke of good news to despairing people to the one that you Christians tell us arose from the dead and came back so he could keep on helping people. I could love and follow that Christ today. When I look at Jesus, I think I can see how God is. And if that's how he is, he has my heart forever. The whole world is saying that. That's the purpose of our ministry of crusades out in a public place. If we go in a building, then uh, the, the, the followers of other religions won't come. That's why we do that. I feel the cry of the lonely and the hurting people that don't know what I know. And oh, what a joy to come to them and tell them God has sent me as a messenger to give you good news. It works. A great Hindu philosopher in Lucknow, India, said this, and this shocked me when I heard this. He said, what a tragedy when Christ, when Christianity broke with Christ. You from Ukraine, both of you, I love you. You're wonderful people. You know what the orthodox is. You know what religion is. Formality without life. They, across the world, religion has broken with Christ and invented a new gospel for themselves. Another great philosopher made this statement. He said, what a world awakening would come if Christianity and Christ could be reunited. The world is saying that to us. That's the world I face. That's the world I prepare for. That's the world I go to teach. That's the world I go to bless. The greatest news that has ever been transmitted to humankind. And here in America, it's a ho-hum idea. 
and it hardly makes you blink an eye. But the greatest news that's ever been transmitted to humankind is the news that God is like Jesus. He's our example. He's my model. He's who I follow. He said, I've given you an example. Do like I do. My appeal to you, going into the ministry, let this get real in you. And then you'll have something to tell your world, whether you go to China or not, wherever. They don't want rituals. They don't want creeds. They don't want religion. They want life. Question, what unlocks the miracle life of God in us? Answer, see the Christ life as the model for our life. Are you with me? Now, I got to wrap this up so I can't, I can't preach it. I got to page <laughs> two. I, I got one part of seven. See, it'll be that way every time. I'll, I'll do my best to get as much as I can to you. But an hour and a half just goes so quick, you can't do it. <laughs> Up there in other countries, they'll stay with me two, three hours and be shouting all the way through. It's wonderful. I mean, I'm not saying that to put you down. I'm saying that to entice you. Come and run with me. We'll do you good. Let's go. The world needs us. The world, over here, you know, it's beautiful. And thank God for America. We have helped the whole world. Isn't that true? Let's go tell them the good news. The, you know what I told the Ukrainian parliamentarians when I met with them? When I met with I said, hey, you guys, you're the lawmakers. There's, there's a hundred parliamentarians that make the laws of Ukraine, and they, <coughs> they heard about our ministry, <coughs> heard what we were teaching. They liked it, so they wanted me to have lunch with them. I did. <coughs> They liked it so much, they wanted to have another lunch. I met with them again, and that's when I give it to them. I thought, you've asked for it twice. It's time you understand something. I said, I said, you guys are the lawmakers. Some of the lawmakers, there's more came the second time. And I said, listen, you can, you can make laws to punish bad people, but you can never make laws to make people good. Amen. They had never thought of that. They had never thought of that. That so affected them that they accepted my book, book, The Good Life, and gave it to the 100 parliamentarians in session, and the president was on seat. So we, in their language, it's published in their language. What a wonderful gift. What a wonderful gift. This country, I love this country. I, and when I, what I said about being over here, we've made the, we're, make, we're helping the world. You believe that? And I told those parliamentarians, I said, hey, look, you see our skyscrapers? You see our tall buildings? You see our wonderful constitution, the way it's displayed? And you see how our government functions and our army is so great and good? And I said, you think that's the great America? I said, no, that's not the great America. You've missed it. The great America is the preachers. I scolded them. I said, it's the preachers. The preachers are three or four times a week teaching the people, don't steal, don't kill, don't hate, 
don't despise, love people, help people. And I said, our congressmen and our senators have all grown up in churches where a pastor was telling them, don't steal, don't hate, be good, follow God, pray, treat your neighbor as you want to be treated. I said, that's what makes America big. And I scolded them on that because they was in the process of exporting, why do you say that? Deporting uh, a preacher from Nigeria, a great preacher that had 8,000 members in his church and they was mad at him. He was too big and it scared him. I said, you need him. It's the preachers that will save Ukraine, not your laws. Make your laws. It's good to have them, but you need the preachers on every corner. And hallelujah, they're getting them. Glory to God. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 I had to get that off my chest. Number two, what, what was his mission? I can't preach these. I'm just going to give them to you quick. What was his mission? To reveal his father's plan and will on earth. I put this here. His mission was to reveal God in the flesh. Reveal what God is like in a way that we can understand. You get it? That, that's his mission. That's our mission. He condescended to our level so that he could explain himself to the human species. And that's what you and I do. You know what I call us? I call it, I say, we're God's interpreters. You're interpreting God everywhere you go. He's only as good as he is in you. That's why I said, don't try to be spiritual. Be like God. Let God be the spiritual part, but you just let him do his work through you. His mission, to reveal God's love plan. His mission, to reveal God's will. His mission, to reveal what he wants us to be. His mission, to reveal what he wants us to do. What was his mission? To redeem us. I don't have time to go into all the, the scriptures, the beautiful, <laughs> you know, his let me summarize it. His mission was to redeem us to God. Why? So we can be like him. His mission was to demonstrate in human flesh God's original dream that never died. Hallelujah. From, <laughs> from Adam and Eve to us today, God never changed his idea. His mission to pay the price so that his original dream could be shown in us. You got it? Third point on your little piece of paper. Why did he need to redeem us? That's a good question. Why redeem us? Because he's banking on us. He's banking on us. Hey, hey, don't miss this. He's banking on us. And he can't get in us with our sin. He will not cohabit sin. In the Garden of Eden, when they sinned, they were separated from God. It's still that way today. Sin 
separates us from God. God does not cohabit with sin. Why did he need to redeem us? Because his dream was we're going to be like him. Jesus said, you believe in me? Works that I do, you do also. Greater works. See, follow me, do what I do. I give you an example. Do the same thing. You got it? Hallelujah. What? So, so his mission was to redeem us. But why? Why re re redeem us? Why redeem us? Re you know what redeem means, don't you? Restored back to just like it was before it had any problem. You know about that, don't you? Put back completely. It's not redeem if it's not restored exactly like it was before. We date back to Adam and Eve before the devil came and tempted them. Perfect, beautiful, full of God, friends of God, walking with God, in fellowship with God, not afraid of God, happy with God, talking with God. We don't know how long they lived like that. That's when we're redeemed. Jesus came. His mission was to redeem us, put us back just like Adam and Eve. And that's what I do every day. I've got pretty flowers around my place. And I go out and walk among the flowers. And I think of Adam walking in the garden. Hallelujah. Beautiful. And I commune with God and pray and talk to God. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. We're redeemed. Redeemed. Why redeem us? Why redeem us? See, sin has separated us from God, hasn't it? Sin was the problem. Well, God can't come into us with sin. So that's why he redeemed us. Question two, what was his mission? Three, why? Why? He had to come and take our sins away. Now, I'm skipping all. You're smart. You know all the scriptures. I'm skipping all them, but the I, if you... I find in America, people need the overall idea. And, and he had to get rid of our sins. How could he do it? The only way he could do it was through substitution. So he took on himself our sins. Now, I don't understand that, and you can't explain that. That's the part. Wait till I get to the credibility of our faith. Because part of the gospel is incredible. Wait for that. Oh, boy, that's going to be a powerful lesson. See, because when, when you tell people that Jesus bore our sins, that's incredible. How? Two thousand, don't, don't feed me that bunk. No, 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 no. 2,000 years ago, you're telling me he took my sin. I just committed, I just murdered a guy yesterday or whatever I did wrong yesterday. You tell me he bore it, he died. No, 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 no. Don't feed me that. That's religion. That's philosophy. Can't be. How do you prove it? <laughs> the works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. When the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and, and the discouraged get happy and, and, the, and the dishonest become honest and lives are changed, that's the proof. You understand what I'm saying? Why did he come? Why did he need to redeem us? So our sins could be taken away. Next question. After he redeemed us, 
Then, of course, the reason was, don't miss this, the reason was so he could take up his abode in us and live in us and be one with it. No sin in T.L. Osborne. Jesus lives there. The righteousness of God is imputed to me. I'm right with God. Well, if I'm all fixed up, <laughs> that's, that's the third question, isn't it? Why redeem us? Fourth question, you ready? <laughs> what did he begin that we're supposed to continue? If we're fixed up, what are we supposed to do? What he did. I got to skip that. What he did. One more. What unlocks this miracle life? What turns it loose? Puts it in action so that we can do his thing. Back to starting point. See the Jesus life as the model for our life. Do like he did. John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, even so shall I send you. John 17, 18, as you've sent me, even so have I also sent them. 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we in this world. You're not shouting, but you're taking it in. Mark 16, go preach this gospel to every creature. John 14, 12, he that believes in me, or she that believes in me, the works that I do, shall they do also. You, you. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that set before him, I'm part of the joy that was set before him. He saw me way back there, and you, look at you, an army, poor devil. Worried about VBI. I don't blame him. When we, when, 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 when we, when we pastored church here and uh, wonderful people came uh, and uh, LaDonna, we, 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 we wanted LaDonna to become the pastor and did and she's a great pastor, great woman of God. And I announced, I said, I've rented a tent to put right out there on the parking lot because everybody's saying it won't work. A woman can't pastor. I said, I've rented a tent, and it's free for the devil. I've given him a place to spend all night and sit right out there all the time. I want him to be on location to see it work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You ever tell the devil, don't run off. Don't run off. Come on, I got something. Okay. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. The joy that was set before him, were the joy that was set before him, what would happen through his sacrifice? We constitute that joy. He endured the cross for us, despising the shame. But today, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Consider him. Never quit pondering him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Oh boy, you can get as old as I am and be as happy and energetic and as thrilled as I am if you take these truths deep so that you can say, 
I, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. But righteousness doesn't come by the law. It comes by faith. Hallelujah. Hebrews 1, 3. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And the rest is history. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah. And he's been at it ever since because there have been people who have accepted the fact that they are chosen of God. You believe that? Hallelujah. I want you to take your, your, your confession, your sheet. Take your sheet. And let's stand together and let's read this reverently. <laughs> let's read this out loud. I'm telling you, I wish you could be there when you could hear uh, the Africans or the South Americans read it. It's so beautiful, wonderful. But let's read this and see. Give God a chance to vibrate in our spirits. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. You ready? Read it. Let's read it. Come on. In concert. Lord Jesus, you open the way for me to know God personally. You came back from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in me. Now the ministry that you began is continued through me. Religion distorted God's image, but you revealed what he is like. He created me to be like him. I am his offspring. You are my model. I choose to emulate you. The life that you lived is the life I now live. The spirit that anointed you now functions through me. Understanding that unlocks your miracle life in me. God did his work through you. Now it is continued through me. You came to do God's will. Now his will is realized through my life. Religion is a ritual. Your miracle life is you alive in me. My mission is to share your life and love with others. Jesus, you began to do and teach a new way to God. You showed me his life and love in action. Thank you for continuing what you began through what he began. You, your miracle life is unlocked in me. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is in this place. You believe it? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hand on your chest. Jesus, thank you that you're alive today. We consider you. We look at you. 
Our eyes are focused on you. You are our model. Let something wonderful happen in the lives of every person here today. We are yours. We are your interpreters. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Say, thank you, Jesus. I accept this truth. Let it become flesh in me. Put my face on this truth. Put this truth in my shoes. Thank you, Lord. You reconciled me. You redeemed me. You forgave me. You changed me. You made me what I am. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm your representative. I'm your associate. I'm your partner. I'm your interpreter. Hallelujah. If people look at me, they'll see God at work. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Today, we're, we're teaching these seven sessions on, uh, on uh, we call it the miracle life of Jesus. And the reason we, and it's based on the first sentence in the book of Acts. I notice in other languages, sometimes it's uh, two or three sentences. But we have one long sentence that finally gets a period at the end of verse 4. So the first sentence in the book of Acts is the scripture lesson where seven major principles are found and those principles concern continuing what Jesus began. And I don't know what you think, but I think that's what we're all about, is to carry on what Christ began. So looking at those four verses, that one sentence, it struck me that it was, uh, it was very significant that that first sentence in this, the book of Acts would have these seven principles in it. And I thought, well, that's where they ought to be. They form, it, we could call it a bridge sentence between the ministry of Jesus through the body of a Jew from Nazareth and the ministry of Jesus, same ministry, through your body, your life, your spirit. I think that's the important concept that we carry with us, not only in our ministry, but in these studies. We're talking about continuing what Jesus began. Now, we, we say that almost as a cliche or as a dogma, as a creed. But I'm hoping and I feel sure that during the course of these seven sessions that I'll be privileged to share with you, that that will become more than a cliche to you. We are here 
to continue his ministry. He did pay to make it possible. We should respect what he paid for us so that we could be his messengers. And that's what we'll be studying predominantly because that's the predominant theme of the, of the, of the, of the Christian church. Jesus showed us how and then made it possible for us to continue what he began. Now, when I thought of that, I thought everything in Christianity is a miracle. You agree with that, don't you? Everything. Christ's birth, uh, his, uh, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, everything about Christ is, mir is a miracle. So everything about Christianity is a miracle. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Miracle, miracle life. We believe in miracles. We are a miracle. The church is a miracle. Everything about us is a miracle. I believe that. I walk in the miracle life. <clears throat> I thought, well, that's nice. There's, I know there's seven principles in that first sentence. Real fundamental concepts if we want to do what Jesus did. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Miracle has seven letters. So that put me to thinking, how could I hook them up as an acronym to form sort of a, a, a framework for these studies? And if I could use the word miracle as the acronym, then that would be nice. That would be fitting. So that's what I began to think about. And in our last session, we talked about the first letter of miracle being model. And we derived that thought from the, uh, uh, from the words, the first words of that sentence, all that Jesus began to do and teach. So if we're con to continue what he began, then he should be our model. That's what we talked about in the last session. Today, we move to the letter I, and, and, and that was in, uh, it says, until the day he was taken up. And that, that, that struck me as being very interesting. And when I consider his life and his ministry all the way through until he was taken up, that turns me on always. That's where I derive my joy and my courage and my eye for inspiration. If we're not inspired, we're in trouble. And so today, we're looking at that. And the major question, we will share a major question in each session. The question today, very important. What makes the Christian faith more than a religion or a philosophy? 
some small questions. The early church imitated Christ literally. Should we today? Another small question. Are his concepts workable or are they just a part of history? Another small question. Are biblical miracles needed in this century? The idea for today to discover that Jesus continues his ministry through us. Now, let me give you another perspective of these seven lessons so that you'll understand that they'll tie together. And when we get through and you wrap up those seven sessions in that little folder, you're going to have essence that in your dark times, if you'll scan it, it'll pull you out of the darkness. It's the essence. Now, let me, let me emphasize this also. I'm an old guy. I've been a long way. I'm not just a talker. I've been out there and proved what I talk about. This works that I'm sharing with you. And, and, and the essence of those seven lessons are going to be wrapped together in that little folder. And you're going, they will stimulate you for study, for preaching, for teaching, for witnessing, for your life following Christ in your generation. Another little perspective, as I say, that I'd like to give with you, uh, to give to you, so that you will see the, the train of truth that comes through these seven lessons, all of them in the first sentence of the book of Acts. I think that's very significant. And they are this. Lesson number one, M for, for the model, how we see God. That's what we talked about in the, in the last session, how we see God. Today's session, I, for inspiration, how we see us. That's what today will be about. And when we wrap it up today and read that confession, you're going to feel very important. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the third session, R, how we see our world, our response, how we see our world. I, Excuse me. A, action. A for action. What are we to do about our world? That'll be the fourth session. The fifth session. C, our credibility. What's the thought? How are we to do what we're going to do. And the sixth session, C, why we succeed. And the seventh, what are our limits? Let me say it again. How we see God, how we see us, how we see our world, what are we to do about it, how are we to do it, why we succeed, 
And what are our limits? I hope those thoughts will stick with you. We're talking about the bridge sentence. The principles through which we discover the kind of person God wants us to be. Why? So we can experience the miracle life of Jesus and continue what he began. He takes us, I said in the last session, and I'll say it many times, beyond religion to God's miracle life. Acts, as we all know, is a continuation of the Gospels. We call it the Gospel of Christ. Acts is the Gospel of the followers of Christ. It says the Acts of the Apostles. I don't like that. They shouldn't have named it that. That's not part of the Holy Word of God. Somebody misnamed that. It should be the Acts of Believers. See. And our big question, what makes our Christian faith more than a religion? The answer that summarizes what we're talking about today, discover that Jesus continues his ministry through us. Let's read something in Ephesians. Now, you've heard this many times. But let's read chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. God, these, these words, you know, charis, uh, charismatic people read these so often that they can become ho-hum to us. But these are the essence of Paul's groaning revelation for us. God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is big stuff that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are we saved through faith, that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Say, I am his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, that, that's the purpose of these studies, is to introduce the principles of the early church that made it possible for them to carry on what they, what they saw Jesus do. Now, let's go over to verse 20 and finish the last three verses. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, 
in whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are builded together for a habitation of God through his spirit. To me, that's terrific. You know, you can sit here in America in a beautiful Bible school like this where the facilities are so rich and so abundant and, and you can, you can, you can ho-hum the truths of the gospel. But when you go out and face needy people, these are the truths that I cling to and I rehearse in my spirit and they give me the courage to march to my preaching point with faith, with my Bible, ready to be God's messenger to a field of people. That's an awesome responsibility. And without knowing certain truths, uh, you won't come across. I told you last week, every time I step before a multitude of people, I tell them, I'm God's messenger to you. I believe that. I feel that. I speak with that authority. because That's why I diligently give attention to the, to the depths of the promises and the truths that are concealed in these promises so that I can be sure of who I am and what my mission is and how I am to do it. So it's not with trepidation, trepidation that I step forward, but it's with assurance. I know who I am. I know the devil knows who I am, and he's very worried about me. And so I proceed, and he finds the exit if he can. Because what we teach, he knows about. It's only when we know it that he has to back off. Now, today our theme is I for inspiration. And let me just say this about inspiration. Please be an inspired preacher. Did you ever see a frowning preacher? You ever see preachers that preach about the joy of the Lord? You ever see that? Don't be that kind. Remember this statement. The world, the people that you minister to have problems. Don't give them more problems. Don't feel your mission is to spook people or damn people. Don't be the kind of a preacher that will rejoice to think hell is hot enough to burn for those that don't believe in you. Don't be that kind of a preacher. I always tell people when I make an invitation to accept Christ and ask them and build as beautiful a case as I can for them to accept Christ. I always tell them, if you don't, God won't get mad at you. He'll just wait and be patient with you until another preacher comes along that you like better than you like me. And maybe he'll persuade you, and that'll be nice. Don't be the kind of a preacher. I'm talking inspiration. Don't be the kind of a preacher that when you 
take the pulpit, the lights turn off. No. Be the kind that they turn on. Your smile, your happiness, your, your face, your comportment makes people know you're going you're gonna to bring something good to them and you're worth listening to. I marvel at how many sad preachers we have. I thought they were all in Russia, but they're not. <laughs> what? Are you alive? I ask you, are you alive? Let me read you something Jesus said. When the, this is just to fit in before we get into the lesson. In John 5, 25, verily, remember this, a nice sideline, not a big doctrine, but a nice sideline, John 5, 25, verily, I, he means I really want you to get this, right? Verily, I say to you, I really mean this. The hour is coming. Now, he was here among them. Redemption hadn't been paid for. He hadn't died and risen and sit down and sat down at the side of the Father so that the Holy Ghost could come back and be, that hadn't happened yet. But he was so delighted about his mission because that's what it was all about. And that's what your mission is all about, to tell that. And he was so delighted that he couldn't keep quiet about it. He said, verily I say to you, the hour is coming and now is that the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Are you dead? I'm republishing the book, Message That Works. Get that book if you can. If you can't, then we'll try to give it to you. But it won't, it won't be off the press for a little while. But it, it's a new book. But uh, <laughs> I want you to have it. It's so important. And I wrote the introduction to it and called it, You Can Come Back from the Dead. I think the greatest need for preachers and Bible students is to know to be happy. You know, uh, I heard somebody say one time, you can't, you can't, anyway, you can't preach the good news mad. You have to preach the good news glad. We're the hope of the world. The world is our hope. We have the best message in the world. No other religion on earth tells the people what we tell them. Remember that. Look at the Muslims. Look how they're killing everybody. Look how mean they are. Precious people. But Muhammad never taught anything about love. Did you know that? Never did. The Muslim, they don't know anything about love. That should be all we know. <laughs> Are you alive? You can come back from the dead. Let me read you something I found one day. By the way, what does inspiration mean? It means, I like this, and I ask you, are you inspired? It means to stimulate a person 
to creative action. That's nice, isn't it? Are you creative? Do you just think what other people have thought for you? You know, in religion, we're not allowed to think a new thought. We're only permitted, if we really conform to our religion, to thoughts that some pontificate has thought for us and approved. And you can think that thought. But something else is a no-no. <laughs> well, are you alive? Are you inspired? In, to stimulate a person to creative action and creative thinking, inspiration. I love to preach on this, inspiration. To awaken and quicken the creative impulse for high achievement. Isn't that nice? I want to achieve in my world. I want my creative impulses to be inspired and to be quickened and awakened so they can work for me. Some of you would be shocked at what a creator you are if you weren't tied to some religion that forbids you to think a new thought. Do I need to run that through again? Some of you would be shocked at the creativity that you harbor in you if you would, could get free from, 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 from being obliged to only think thoughts that have already been approved for you to think. Be a creator. <clears throat> I wish I could get the whole church to realize God's not through. He hasn't quit thinking. He hasn't quit revealing. He's wonderful. He, 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 he's got ideas for this generation. This is a generation of technology. He has ideas for that. Inspiration to enliven or to infuse the mind or the spirit. I want my spirit infused with the inspiration of his miracle life. I have that. That's what turns me on. Here's what I, I read one day, and I copied it down. Listen, most human beings are already dead. That's why I wrote that introduction. You can come back from the dead. That book, the message that works, will bring people back from the dead all over the world. Most human beings are already dead. In one way, listen close, in one way or another, they've lost their dreams They've lost their ambitions. They've lost their desire for a better life. They've compromised their potential. They've settled for mediocrity, for despair. I hate that. God, who is the source of life and inspiration, don't ever fall in this trap. The devil wants to turn you off so you're a bore. Then you'll be mad at all the other preachers because they have a crowd and you don't. Because you bore people. No one wants to listen to you. You're not happy about what you're telling them. 
I believe what I'm sharing with the world. They've settled for mediocrity. They've accepted nights of tears. They're dead while their heart continues to beat. Don't ever be like that. They're boxed in in their negative world. They've chosen, they've chosen to give up. Don't ever do that. They've chosen to die before their time. Because when that light turns off on you, you're starting to deteriorate and die. You won't last very long. Don't let it happen. They've chosen to die when they could choose life. You can come back from the dead. Hallelujah. Don't come to Bible school and die of boredom because of familiarity. Come to Bible school, but live off of the truths that are shared. Let them become life in you. They've chosen to die. They can experience the greatest miracle in the world. They can come back from the dead. On the back of your folder are 10 points. Let's take the first one. I'm inspired by Christ's life after death. Now think about this a little bit. Would that have been a thought that you brought up? I think we need, that needs to be the first one because we're talking about, we're talking about the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels being continued in, 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 in the believers after Jesus went back to heaven. The same ministry, the same Jesus come back in the Holy Ghost to live in us. Is that right? So, I'm inspired by Christ's life after death. He died. He paid for us. But he lived again. A new kind of life. Different than he had before. And God put a new kind of life in him, brought him back from the dead for us. And he said, because I live, you shall live. What he's meaning is, because I live resurrection life, that's what's going to bring you back from the dead. Inspiration. I'm inspired that Christ, my Lord, my model, came back from the dead, lives again. He's not a dead prophet. Mo Muhammad is, Jesus is not. I'm inspired by his life after death because what it tells me is that's what I can have. Oh boy, I want to tell the world that. <laughs> They're so poor. They're so sad. They're so grieved. They're so hopeless. They're so unloved. They're so unreached. I want to tell them there's life for you. Jesus died for you, but then he came back with a new kind of life. Now he'll give it to you. That's our message. How often do you preach on that? On Easter? Big deal. Good. But what about 364 other days? That's all I preach. 
Jesus came back from the dead. He is alive today. You can be too. He has come back to continue living and ministering in us. I'm inspired by, the, by his life, the Christ's life after death. That's number one. Oh, I've written down here so many stories I want to tell you. But if I do that, I, I, I won't get to all them ten points. I was in England in a ballroom, a big, tall, good-looking black man came up, towered over me and spoke to me. He had heard me preach and he liked it and he smiled and he looked down at me and when he talked, I knew he wasn't from England. I knew his accent somewhere in the Caribbean. And he said, Brother Osborne, thank you and thank you and all that nice stuff. He said, do you know Vida? I said, Vida? I thought, yeah. You mean Vida McKenzie? Yes, and he brightened up. Do you remember? Do I remember? I'll never forget. Think about that. That was just a year or two ago that I met him. And Vida was from 1949. 1949. He wasn't even born. In Jamaica. And four women hauled her in a wheelbarrow into the meeting. And she had had a total paralytic stroke and was in a coma, had not opened her, had not blinked her eyes, her tongue hung out for four days. And these four women wheeled her in there. And, uh, and uh, he wanted to know if I remembered Vida McKenzie. He says, my mother was one of those four women that brought her there. Wow. Vida was healed. Why was she healed? I walked around her wheelbarrow quite a little while, looking at her, thinking about the life in me. She can have that life. Hallelujah. Because I live, you shall live. What did I read? That little verse I wrote John 5, 25. Verily I say, the hour is coming. The dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. I've heard. I live. Have you heard? You bet. Yes. Hallelujah. And I reached down to her hand and cried with a loud voice, Vida, open your eyes in the name of Jesus and be healed. Waited silence. Everybody looked. Pretty soon, she gathered her tongue up. She rolled her head over. She blinked her eyes, looked up. I had her by the hand and pulled her up. She stood up. She was well, and she walked home. Inspiration. Inspiration. Hallelujah. Be an inspired preacher. I'm inspired because Jesus came back from the dead. Glory to God. I'm not dead. I'm not a dead preacher. Don't be one. The world don't want you like that. No, the last thing the world wants 
is a preacher to start with. They don't want no preachers. But worse than that is a dead one, a moron, a nobody, a dull human. Don't be that. Ponder the things that make you smile, that make you happy. You know, you are what you choose. Your expression and your walk and your get-along and your rapport with people all depends on what you're thinking about. And you're in control of what you think about. I had to learn after Daisy's demise. I mean, we were sweethearts 54 years. I'm telling you, when you pull that apart, I lost, I lost the best half of me. It was gone. I was lonely. I didn't know who I was. It took me over a year. I wrote that book. I titled it Why. I'm going to retitle it the next one and call it Life. But I, but I, I wrote that book uh, uh, to, to express myself, I had to get a hold of myself. When uh, Rather than mourn, we said to ourselves, uh, LaDonna and I, we said to ourselves, well, we can't stay here and mourn. We better do something. So we went to Russia, to 10 cities of Russia, right after, day, after we buried Daisy out here at Memorial. See, that was hard to do. How did we do that? You have to think. You have to think. Instead of, instead of mourning the loss, you have to remember the blessings. And so we control our thoughts. See, we, we are in control of our thoughts. So if you're not a happy preacher, what are you thinking about? What are you boring yourself with? We're talking about the continuation of Jesus' ministry through us. He believes in us. Believe in yourself. Agree with God. Don't disagree with him. It's always good to think like God thinks. Ponder that. It's not wrong to think like God thinks. I got some good stuff here for you. The manifestation of God in Christ's flesh becomes the realization of Christ in our flesh. If you can get that and digest that and hang on to that in your boring times, it'll put a smile on your face and you'll quit being bored. And when you're not bored, you won't bore others. God, through Christ in Bible days, becomes Christ through believers in our days. Do you believe that? Do you need me to say that again? God, through Christ in Bible days. Oh, like the Catholics, we think that's wonderful. But hey, what about today? Today, they that hear his voice shall live. Glory to God. I live, you can live. Today, it's Christ through believers. <clears throat> Can you take this one? God sent Jesus then. Now, Jesus sends us. He was happy, we were happy. He had faith, we have faith. When we think like he thought. 
There are 24 chapters of the book of Luke in which the Word became flesh in one person. There are 28 chapters of the book of Acts in which the Word became flesh in all believers. And the Acts has no finale, no amen. We're part of it. In session one, Christ came to show us God. Today, in session two, Christ came to show us us. Say, he shows me me. Lesson one, he is our model. Lesson two, he is our inspiration. Let's take the next point. I'm inspired by Christ's example of showing us God in the flesh, of how he did it, what he looked like. I'm inspired. God has come to my level. I'm turned on. God. Jesus told him, if you see me, you see the Father. God, come to my level in flesh. He didn't come in spirit. All you Pentecostals are wanting him to come in spirit. Yeah, that's nice. But, but spirits just scare people. And some of you spook me, you know. Huh? God came in flesh. Why didn't he come in spirit like you want him to? Or you, maybe you want to be that way. Do you want to be spirit? You're trying to get spiritual all the time. God can beat you 10 to 1 on being spiritual. He's got more of it than you ever heard of. He don't need yours. You be flesh and quit condemning yourself. You be flesh. That's what he don't have any of. He needs you. There's one thing that God needs, and he doesn't have it, and he wants it, and you have it, and some of you haven't given it to him. Give him your flesh. Let him live in you. Hand over your temple. Let him reign in your temple. <laughs> you believe that? I'm inspired by his example of showing us God in the flesh. The life of Jesus is our inspiration. For three years, he impacted our lives because he showed us what God is like in the flesh. And then he showed us what God is like in us. Think about that. I told you last week you're making decisions about this all the time. Watch it. Don't let your automatic decisions uh, put this on hold and say, that sounds good, but let me think about it. I'm not ready to go for that. That sounds extreme. Watch it. Because your decision maker is clickety-click clicking all the time while I'm talking. And in your brain, in your mind, 
You can set these things aside and say that's too much or that's too religious or that's too spiritual or I can't do that or that's beyond me or he's stretching it. Don't do that. Take it. When I talk these things in Africa and in India, it's, it, it's a ball. Hallelujah. Because it's truth. And I think that's the way it was when Paul talked it. I think the people were amazed. They were astounded. We are so smart over here in America. Well, that's not to criticize us. We have so much. That's not to criticize us. We have so many preachers. That's not to criticize us. We are blessed, but we have to watch, guard our own selves that we don't let all of this wonderful grace that surrounds us turn us into dummies. See, we, we know so much, but we do nothing. We can recite all the rules. We know all the, like a bunch of Catholics, except we don't have our rosary. Why go to, why, why look at the Catholics and see they say the same thing every day? Well, same thing every day and, and go through the rules. Well, what do we do? We do pretty much the same thing every day. Unless we take charge of ourselves and let the voice of God raise us from the dead. Hallelujah. So that we're a living representative of God in the flesh, in the now, to help people. But see, in Pentecost, we teach our people and drill our people until none of them feel, I shouldn't say none of them, most of them don't feel qualified to really minister to somebody because they got to go home and pray through first. Why pray through? It's all in you. Believe he's in you. Some folks think if you haven't got the jitters, you're not spiritual. If you don't quiver, you're not spiritual. No, forget all that. that that's, that's, that's Pentecostalism. That, that's all right. I'm glad for Pentecost. I'm Pentecostal. You understand that. But, but let's not go to seed on that. Let's not turn it into another Catholic movement that we've named Pentecostal. I'm inspired by Christ's example of showing us God in the flesh. He showed us what God is like in Christ. Then he showed us what God is like in us. John 14, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also, shall they do also. Greater works than these shall they do. John 1.14 is an awesome idea. An idea that to many people, if taken serious, is sacrilegious. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I, I want to show you something today. Notice how carefully Jesus revealed this fact. You know, this is the fact they killed him for. So it was, it was a, a fact of sacrilege, total sacrilege. We don't bat our eye when we say it. But, but to people who have not heard all we've heard, it's sacrilege to them today. God coming in flesh, 
In John chapter 5, there's a great miracle. The, the miracle of the cripple who was healed at the pool of Bethesda, who couldn't get in the water when the angel came and troubled the water, and someone else would get in first. Jesus walks in, asks him if he'd like to be healed. He said, well, I can't, I haven't got anybody to help me. Jesus said, well, help yourself. Get up, walk, do something yourself. And he did. Marvelous. That precipitated the fifth chapter of John, which you should study for your own inspiration. And when you study it, remember this. Everything that Jesus said about his father, you can say, because the Father is your Father. If you believe the Father of Jesus is your Father, if you don't believe he's your Father, if you've got another Father, then you're writing another gospel and you're, you're, you're estranged from the truth of the gospel. But if you believe the Father of Jesus is your Father, I'll never forget Kadimu, the crazy man that was healed in, in, uh, in Nyeri, Kenya. And when I told him, I said, Karimu, he, he, he was so greasy and so dirty and fleas was in his beard and everything. He was almost naked. He had a little something around his loins. And, and he was a run, 14 years ran throughout the whole country. Ran, ran, ran. He was skin and bones because he would run and run and run until he was exhausted and then fall by the wayside, sleep like a dog, and then get up and run some more, run through the villages, grab something from the marketplace that he could eat and eat it and keep running. He ran, he was killing himself running and and one of the workers caught him or, or, or had an idea I love ideas don't you and and decided how can I get him and bring him to the crusade and he held up a coca-cola and that did it isn't that beautiful <laughs> and and, and Kariuki wanted the coca-cola must have caught him thirsty and he put led him gave him the coca-cola led him into his pickup put him in the front seat brought him to the crusade and Kariuki cooperated and he led him out in the middle of the crowd and there they stood and and Kariuki had his arms full of trash he always carried trash had to have trash he was he was phobic about having some trash. Whatever he could see, he'd grab it and he'd take it and run with it. And, and so he was holding this and standing out there and I was preaching. I didn't know anything about him being there, so don't blame me for this. I, I didn't do this, you know. Uh, God, God loves people. And I was preaching. And while I was preaching, they told me, that man told me, that he, he suddenly looked down and saw his arm and said, what is this stuff? And he didn't know what it was. And the, the, the soul winner, the young preacher, diplomatically helped him to get rid of it without making any deal of it. And, uh, and, and he looked around. He said, these people, they're, they're, they're clean. I'm, I'm, I'm dirty. Why am I dirty? He, he was healed. The demons left him. You say, how'd that happen? I didn't get close to him. I didn't touch him. I didn't do it. Don't give me the credit or the blame. I didn't do it. I preached the gospel. Now listen, let that be a lesson to you. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes it. It is the power of God. We don't pray the power down. We preach the power out. The gospel goes out and heals people. That 
Every crusade we've ever conducted, it's been the same. It'll be the same. Come with me to Thailand, you'll see the same. The Buddhists, they've never seen it. They don't know anything about it. You'll see they'll get healed just the same. He, he was healed. But what I was going to tell you, he, when, when he came up there to testify, his hair was long, looked wild, beard, and greasy, and fleas, and nasty. Dirty. And I looked at him, and the crowd wondered what I would do. I looked so pretty with a white shirt on, you know, and all this clean stuff. And, and I looked at him, and I said, Kariuki, you're, you're beautiful. Yeah. And everybody, they thought, what's this? And so, and I shook my hand, and I said, give me a hug, Kariuki. And he gave me a hug, and the crowd clapped. They liked that, see. They, they want you to love people. If you love people, people will follow you. People will help you. If you're mad at people, people will back off from you, and you won't have a crowd. See, keep that in mind. And so I took him, and I backed him up. I said, just look at you. I said, you're my brother. And he thought that was a nice idea. It made him smile. I said, you're my brother. Yeah. I said, hey. And I knew I was in an area where they have lots of polygamy, you know, and the mother don't count, but whoever the father is, if uh, that's the important one. And so if there's a couple by the same father, that's real important. I knew that. So I looked at him. I said, Kariuki, hey, did you know your father is my father? We have the same father, Kariuki. And he hugged me again, and the people clapped. Isn't that beautiful? Rapport with people. He was healed. We dressed him up in a nice suit. We sent him to the market, give him a good bath, <laughs> and got him all cleaned up and give him a shave and, and a haircut, you know, and, and, and got him a Bible. He, he had learned to read before he went crazy. As, as a kid, he learned to read. And so, and, and so I had him sit there in my chair while I preached. <laughs> Every day for the rest of that crusade, Kariuki mounted the stairs like a preacher with his Bible and sat there on that chair. Isn't that beautiful? And, and the whole people could see it. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful for, for what, what love does. Hallelujah. Oh, beautiful. And you know what? Just to torment the devil, I like to torment the devil because he's tormented so many people. He don't torment me, but I torment him. And, and so every, knowing that, that Kariuka could read every day then, there after, after that, for the whole crusade, I think it was there three weeks, and I would have, when I have my scripture reading, when I would get to the, to the platform, I would go over to Kariuka and tell him what scriptures we was going to have to read today. And then I would always call on Brother Kariuki, and he would step up with his Bible and read it like a prince. That's the gospel. That's doing what Jesus did before he died. We, that's our mission. Keep doing what Jesus did. We can do it if we don't want all the credit. But we Pentecostals, we believe in our anointing more than we believe in, in the Lord. And, and we scatter around everything. If we're anointed, you touch us and we'll get it. And we can get to you. you. Forget all that stuff. Let Jesus be the prince. Let him be the king. Let him be the star. Your anointing, it's okay. I know you get a lot of that out of the Old Testament. And, but, but come on. Come on. Grow up. Be a Jesus person. I got some more to say to you about that.
Those, that miracle at Bethesda, it really turned things on. They got mad at him for doing it because it was on the, the Sabbath. Jesus gave the sweetest answer in verse 17 of chapter 5. He said, well, my father works and I work. Uh-oh. He said the wrong thing. But what I'm talking about, notice, I, I'm, are you with me? I'm talking about point number two. I'm inspired by Christ's example of showing us God in the flesh. That's what I'm inspired by. How he showed us God in the flesh. Now here, he healed that man. They said, no, it's the wrong day. He said, well, my father works and I work. You can say that. You can say that. He didn't want to get the credit. He wanted the father to get the credit. The father works, I work. So, but just before that, the Jews, therefore, when, when he healed the man on the wrong day, the Bible says in verse 16, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to slay him. Now, then he gave this answer, my father works and I work, innocent. That made him matter. Verse 18, they sought the more to kill him because he said God was his father. That made him equal with God. See, that's always been the opposition to that position. Well, Jesus explained two times, verse 19 and verse 30. He explained. He said, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're getting mad at me. I can't do anything by myself. Of my own self, I can do nothing. He didn't brag on his anointing that any time he touches people, something will happen. No, no, no. He said, I can't do anything by myself. Are, are you on focus? We're talking about his example of showing us God in the flesh. Verse 20, the father loves the son. And here's a good one. You can say this. And the father shows the son the things that he himself does. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? He says the father shows the son what he does. In other words, the father reveals to the son his will. Many preachers spend their lives praying for God to show them his will. I had a brother. He led me to the Lord. He was a preacher. Good man, very good man. But he spent half his time worrying about what decisions to make. And then the other half of his time worrying about whether or not he had made the right decision. That always goes with it. People just can't decide something. They'll spend just as much time worrying about the decision they finally made. They're a pain in the neck. <clears throat> the Father shows him all the things that he himself does. Paul said in Acts 22, 14, 15, this is a good one. The God of our fathers has chosen thee that thou shouldest 
Ananias said this to him, that thou shouldest know his will. Did you ever notice that? When you're chosen of God, you're chosen to know his will. You can know his will. renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Today's English version says, then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and what pleases Him. The Jerusalem Bible says, this is the only way to discover the will of God and to know what is good and what God wants. Jesus said in John 5, 30, I don't seek my own will. I seek the will of my Father who sent me. In every chapter but three in John, Jesus said he was sent of God. Do you tell people you're sent of God? People are frightened and scared and without hope. And when you appear, let them know you're a man or woman of God. Don't brag, but let them know you've come from God. Jesus did. Well, they got mad at him. They'll get mad at you. It's okay. Verse 36, the works that the Father gave me to finish, those, work, those are the works that I do. How about you? We can say the same thing. That's what we do. That's what we're studying for here. So I can go out there and do the works of the Father. Verse 26. Now look, what am I reading these things to you? To show you how Jesus was trying to get the people to see that God was in him. Now look, look, students, people. Nobody ever, ever said God was in them. That was sacrilegious. Nobody. None of the prophets said it. Nobody had ever had the idea. But that's what we hear all the time. We believe in it, but it can become a creed to us instead of a reality. If it's a reality to us, then we live that life. Jesus is, this is all in the fifth chapter where he did that miracle and those, those Jews were so angry at him and he's making statements all through this chapter, warming them up little by little to the idea. Notice how careful. They had to be careful. They finally killed him for it. Some of them will want to kill you if you said too much. Be careful. Verse 26, the father has life and the son has life. <laughs> Delicate, but he's getting it across to them. Are you seeing the point? Verse 38, I came down from the Father. Well, that's chapter 6, verse 38. I came down from the Father to do his will. But back in chapter 5, verse 57, I live by the Father. Do you? But what does that mean to you? <clears throat> I live by the Father. Everything that's in me is of the Father. I'm 
full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is in me. I'm his habitation. I'm ready. I'm full. I live by the Father. Poor devil. Yeah. Believe that. Let that sink in. Something's happening in you right now. You're thinking, watch it. Don't turn it out. Say, yeah, yeah. F.F. F. Bosworth told me, said, when you hear truth, don't say no. Say, mm, mm, mm-hmm, yeah, amen. I like that. I'll take that. Yeah, that's for me. Mm-hmm. I remember that old man telling me that. He <laughs> wasn't as old as I am now, but I remember him when he was telling me that. Mm-hmm, yeah, I like let it, let it, let, let it, let it come into you and become integral to who you are. Don't let the devil say, but it won't last. You get out there where it's, where it's tough and you're meeting demons. What are you going to do? Have you got to run off and pray through under some tree before you meet the devil? Come on, grow up. You are what you are because God made you that. You didn't through all of your prayer and fasting didn't do it. You don't earn it. You don't merit it. All this stuff is by God's grace. Besides, you didn't have the idea. He had the idea. You didn't want him. He wanted you. You didn't love him. He loved you. You didn't seek him. He sought you. But we Pentecostals today, we Christians today, turn it all around. I love God. I sought God. I decided for God. I made a decision. I can't. No, 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 no. That's all backwards. He sought you. He came to you. He believed in you. He trusts you. He loves you. I live by the Father. Wow. All the time. Wake me up in the middle of the night. I live by the Father. Okay, I've said that enough. Chapter 8, verse 26, I'm talking about Jesus showing us what God is like. I'm impressed. I'm inspired by it. I'm inspired by it. And I hear what he said. I say, I can say that. So that turns me on. That's who I am, and I know why I am. Because I've read this. I believe this. I quote this. I tell people this. Chapter 8, verse 26. I speak to the, to the world the things I've heard of my father. See? See the rapport? You can do that. That's what your mission is. Speak his words, and there'll be power. Speak his words, and devils will go out. When Jesus met that crowd in, 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 in Matthew 8, he cast out the spirits with his word. That's what I did in Abidjan when those three demon-possessed people got healed. Three men, one night, different parts. I told you that last week. How, how do you explain that? I speak the word to the world the things I've heard of my father. And when the devil hears it, he finds the exit. Hallelujah. Believe that. We preach the word, the word, the word, the word. We're word people, word people. Come on. But then, then we go pray through to get enough power to go face the devil. No, forget that. The word is in, made flesh. It's in you. Jesus lives in you. Verse 28, as the Father has taught me, so I speak. 
Simple. I read it. I'm taught by it. I'm not through. Verse 10. No, chapter 10, verse 25. The works, that they were mad at him, cussing him, damning him. He said, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. A lot of people don't catch on to what that means. What are the works that you do that bear witness of you? Creative works. Creative work. That's why come back from the dead. <laughs> Be inspired. Let your creative juices come to life in the work of God. The works that I do, they bear witness of me. What? How? Well, stop and think about it. You know, John sent some fellows to check on Jesus, see if he was the Messiah. <laughs> and Jesus said, go back and tell them what you've seen and heard. Went back and told John what they saw, the blind, the deaf, the crippled being healed, and they heard his teaching. John said, don't tell me anymore. That's him. See, what was it? Creative works. See, the district commissioner in, in, in Nakuru wrote me a letter, told me the whole district, like a province of Kenya, was moved and, had, and, and were, were believing the Bible and believing on Christ. He told me, even some witch doctors are changing. Why? Because of the works that we did in his name. What works? Well, one, one mother brought her little boy born without eyeballs. No eyeballs, no openings. She had faith. I didn't know about it. Don't, don't blame me. <laughs> don't, 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 don't give me credit. I preached what the Father told me to preach. I preached the good news, told about Jesus. He paid for everybody, died for everybody, bore the diseases of everybody, raised from the dead to give us new life. If we only believe it, receive him, and you can have his life, it's miracle life. That's what I preach. I don't know what the problems are. That little old mother believed and prayed, and her little son could see. She went crazy with joy. Brought him to the platform, and, 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 and I moved my hand. He followed it, but you couldn't see no change there. There, just, there were openings. She said, look, there's openings. There weren't openings before. I don't know how it was before, but that's what she said, and the villagers confirmed it. But there was little eyes like a little pea in, 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 in each one, and she'd pull the lids up, and, there, and he could see with them. Well, that's not the end of the story. The next morning from our hotel, we were in an old hotel, you know, and, uh, with no air conditioning. and had the windows open. And out in the street, we heard a noise, a bunch of people singing and dancing. God bless the Africans. They're so happy. Do you sing and dance when God does something for you? Yeah, don't be so stuck up. You, you put on a dance when you sing. Dance some other times. If all that's God, dance even when you haven't got the rhythm. That's because Jesus is alive. Huh? Yeah. We charismatics got it just like the Catholics. So we stand one place. We've got, I can do that little two-foot deal. It's okay. Nothing wrong with it. If it makes you happy to dance, dance. We heard a crowd out in the street. That mother with her boy, little Simeon, was out there. 
And we went down to the road to see. His eyes were as big as any child's eyes. Perfect. I'm talking about creative juices. Hallelujah. The works that I do in my Father, bear witness of me. That's why the commissioner told me that the province and even some, some witch doctors are believing. The works that we do bear witness. You believe that? Jesus said, if I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe in me. That's a tough one, isn't it? But we can do the works of our Father if we can let him have the glory instead of us and our anointing. We want to brag so much and hanging out our shingles and get everybody to know we've got this gift and that gift and all this stuff. I've been all over the world. I never knew nothing about any of that. That's Americanism. God bless America. I like America. It's good. We've got big churches. But sometimes, you know, it's all put on. If I do not the works of my Father, don't believe in me. But if I do, though you don't believe in me, believe the works. <laughs> believe that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. Wait a minute. I'm talking about this sacrilegious claim that he came, saying the Father is in me. Nobody can say that, but we can say that. We've learned to say it. Now we've got to learn to remember it wherever we are, whatever jam we're in, the Father is in me. Well, he could go a step closer. I'm inspired by how he showed us God in the flesh. He could go a step farther. He said in John 14, 16, I'll pray the Father. He'll send you the Holy Ghost. You, can, you, you can't see him, but you, but you know him. He's been dwelling with you. He said that because he was in Jesus and Jesus was with him. He's been with you, but he will be in you. Wow. And he keeps getting closer. 14, chapter 14, verse 20. You're going to know that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you. This is big stuff. Verse four, chapter 14, verse 21. If you believe me and my word, the Father and I will love you and we'll come and manifest, exhibit, demonstrate ourselves to you and in you and through you. You believe that? Say, I take that. Because he said it's simple. You're the vine. You're, you're the branch. And I'm the vine. And the vine and the branch has the same life. So it's no mystery, he said. Just believe it. Hallelujah. And then he said, I love this. I love this. John 15. Are you noticing how he's showing how, the, how, how that we're one with God? Nobody had that idea before. If you're going to continue the ministry of Jesus, you're going to have to embrace, espouse the fact that the Father is alive in you. And then devils will leave you alone. And you won't run around hunting some church meeting and cast out devils out of other Christians. You'll get over that. You'll grow up and you'll brag on Jesus. Hallelujah. We're in trouble in America. We got paganism over here in the Pentecostal church. I know because I've seen the witch doctors. I know how they do. We got to grow up. I hope this little session, my seventh session, hey, I, you ain't heard nothing yet till the next session. You ain't heard nothing. I'm after you. 
I'm trying to do like Jesus. I'm trying to warm you up to the idea God is in you. When I can get that, when I can get that fixed in you, then we can, we can talk business. Yeah. And you're going to have all of it in little pieces of paper. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do something for you. Hallelujah. I love this. Then he said in verse 14 of John 15, verse 14, in all these big things, he said, remember. Remember. What did he want you to remember? You're my friends. Is that in your Bible? Check that out. Underline that some way. Never forget that. Remember, you're my friends. Oh, I love that. That makes me dance for... I'm talking about inspiration. God and I are friends. Yeah, Abraham was a friend of God, but T.L. is too. Sure. Don't brag on Abraham and condemn me. I'm just doing what Jesus did, saying what he said, and putting it in practice. Not enough to say it, is it? Let's do it. Do it. In America, it's different. You don't go out and have the big crowds, and you don't have all the big dramatic miracles that we talk about overseas. I know, but don't worry about that. Believe in your ministry. Believe when you give the word that it works. Believe when you minister to people that the word works effectually in the people that hear you. Believe that. And you'll see over a lifetime, you'll see them hatching off and getting well and growing and developing. Hallelujah. Be courageous. Be glad. Are you with me? I like this. said, remember, you're my friends. And don't forget this. He said, <laughs> two more for, he said, I've chosen you. And I've ordained you that you should go and experience what I've experienced. And whatever you ask the Father, just like me, I ask him, you can do it. I'll do. Are you hearing it? And then later in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you'll know what he's like in you. Then he prayed for them. Oh, I, I can't, I, I got to skip that. You know it. It's in your Bible. Read it. I wish I could. <laughs> After he prayed for them, I wrote this in capital letters. Then he was crucified. Then he paid for our sins. Then his blood was shed for us. Then he died for us. Then he rose from the dead. And then, he called them together and said, Now, here will come the Holy Ghost, and you'll have the same thing that's been in me. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth that the Holy Ghost went about doing good, healing all who were possessed of the devil, for God was with him. If I can just get you, my time's running out, if I can just get you up to that, where that comes from within you, God is in me. God is in me. Jesus is in me. Yeah. And I can do the works of the Father. And people will believe because they'll see the creative works of God. I'm inspired. My creative capacity is working. Hallelujah. He prayed for them. What a beautiful prayer. And then they received the Holy Ghost. Number three. <laughs> I can't finish. I'm inspired by being like him. That is an amazing concept. And listen to me. Don't miss this because I got to hit these fast. The message 
of Pentecost was not Pentecost. The message of Pentecost was Jesus. Now, you, you, a lot of you didn't get that, but I'll have to leave it. It'd be up to you. You know, did you know it's impossible to teach? Did you know that? You can't teach. You can only give out information. I can't teach, but you can learn. You can't teach, but the people that you address can learn. You'll feel good about your teaching, like me up here, you know, prancing around like I'm the king of the roost, you know. But, but all I'm doing is passing out information, trying to do it in a way that it'll be of interest to you. But, but that don't mean I'm teaching. Are you learning? You have the right to learn. Some of you didn't learn that last statement I made. The message of Pentecost was not Pentecost, was not the Holy Spirit. The message of Pentecost was Jesus. I wish the Pentecostal church had not forgotten that. Their message is Pentecost. Tongues. I believe in tongues. I, talk in, I speak in tongues, like Paul, maybe more than you all. But the message of Pentecost is Jesus. Do you believe that? John 15, 26. When he's come, he will testify of me. That will be his message. Now, you people, you need to remember this. I'm, I'm presuming that you want to continue what Jesus began. I'm telling you, I've been there and done that. I've been all over the world. I've done what Jesus did. And I'll continue to do it until I die. If that's what you want to do, you've got to let the Holy Ghost in you stop talking about tongues and talk about Jesus. Amen. On the day of Pentecost, read the second chapter of Acts. The message was Jesus. John 16, 13. He, the Holy Spirit, will not speak of himself. I'm biblical when I'm telling you this. I'm saying something that's strange to the whole Pentecostal world. But it's right. You're thinking that over. Watch it. If you don't like it, don't put it in neutral. Keep it there where you can work on it. Go home, study your Bible, look about it. He will not talk of himself. Verse 14. He will receive of me and show it to you. That's what I want. I want people to see Jesus. Did you know, I think, I think every crusade we've ever conducted, Jesus has appeared at least once. That's the minister of the Holy Spirit working through me and others that are there showing Jesus. And when his word is preached, Jesus is known. That's the ministry I want. That's why people can be healed out there without my glorified touch. 
Now, don't, don't get me wrong when I say that. It sounds like I'm critical of people that touch and all that. No, I'm not. That's scriptural. If you've got just, just a few people, you can do that. That's beautiful. The Spirit of the Lord will work through you and bring them life. But, but you can't do that in a multitude or you'll have a riot and people get killed instead of healed. They'll fight. Listen, I know all about that. I've been run over more than once. And I didn't try to touch them. If I had tried to touch them, there would have been bedlam. You got it? He received of me and shows it to you. Why? To reveal Jesus in us. The message of Pentecost is Jesus. I was preaching, teaching, and, and, and I wanted to make this point. I wanted to get this across. Everywhere I go, this is, I, I, I think this is the most important message and truth that we can get across to people today is we are continuators of the message of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And I was trying to make that point clear how that Christ has come to live in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'll be talking more on that in the next sessions. Powerful. So as I was talking, I had an idea. And I said, it was in Africa, and, and I said, uh, I said, this was in, uh, after the crusade. All the preachers and all the workers and the Bible students and everybody was together. And I said, hey, how many of you would like to know what Jesus looks like in Africa? That really brought them to life. <laughs> everybody, I had their attention. So I picked a nice looking young fellow way back there. I wish I had it do over, and I'll do it somewhere else. I'd have picked a woman, because that would really fool them. That would really stretch them. <laughs> you women ought to say hallelujah. <laughs> but in that case, I wasn't on my toes. I picked a man. I'm a man, you know. We think for men. We ignore the women. Anyhow. <clears throat> and he came up there and stood beside me. I said, and he's real black. Good looking. Stucky, muscly, physique second to none. He stood there so respectful. I said, that's what Jesus looks like here. I said, in, in, in China, he looks like a Chinaman. In Jerusalem, he looks like a Jew. In America, he looks like an America. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> we got all kinds. But, but, but out here, in Africa, that's what he looks like. That really helped the people. And that meeting was over. They saw this fellow leave in town with a little bag, a little gunny sack. Someone asked him, where are you going? He says, he says, I'm going to be a missionary. They said, you can't do that. He, was, he had been a pagan. He had never heard a gospel meeting until our crusade. And I asked the preachers, is it all right to let him come? He wants to come. They said, let him come. Can you believe that I picked him out? I didn't know he was a, had been a pagan. Maybe I'd have been preacher-like, picked out someone holier. But, but I didn't. So thank God I, I, I didn't know. And uh, he said, I'm going to be a missionary. And they said, you can't do that. said, you just came from the village. He said, yes. Jesus said, I can go. And T.L. said, I can go. <laughs> so, so he went. And he went to the Maasai people, big, tall Maasai. He's a little short fellow. 
<laughs> he was short. Looked so funny. I think, I think God does funny things sometimes. That little short guy out there preaching those tall Maasai. But he had revival among the Maasai. Healed the sick, cast out the wonderful story. I can't tell you. But anyhow, anyhow, Pentecost is about Jesus. You believe that? <laughs> he inspires me. His ideas inspire me. <laughs> His identity with the Father inspires me. His esteem of people inspires me. I'm giving you all the stuff I'm skipping. His equality, he levels the playing field. That inspires me. The authority he's given us inspires me. His trust in us inspires me. Number four, I'm inspired by, is it on your list? Impossibilities. Impossibilities. I think that's fun to do an impossible thing. We had 11 lepers one night that sneaked away from the leprosarium and came to our meeting. And I heard about them. They were scared and they were hid. And, and, and they were afraid the police would find them and take them back to the leprosarium. It was a country where lepers weren't free. They, they had them in an institution. And, and we had them there. And when I heard about them, I felt such compassion for those dear lepers that I thought what, how, how inferior they must feel. And, and I sent some of the preachers, I said, go down and get them. Bring them to the platform. They deserve to be on the platform. And he did. And they lined up there, and my creative juices were working. <laughs> God's creativity was working. And I thought to myself, well, aren't you going to do anything about it? <laughs> here they are. You brought them up here. You wanted to be good to them. And I thought, yeah, that's a better idea than I had. See, I was quickened. I'm not dead. I'm alive. The Father, Jesus, came back from the dead. I did too. And Jesus came back for people. I came back for people. And Daisy and I, I was inspired. And I talked to the audience a little while and got them real beautiful. And Daisy and I took them by the hand. We laid our hands on them, every one of them. Not on their clothes, on their flesh, <laughs> you know. And I remember the prayer that came out of my inside. Be clean in the name of Jesus. That's all that came out of me. And I said that to everyone. And you know, within a few months, a pastor sent me word one of them had been released. They took them back to the leprosarium. Within a year, every one of those lepers were released. Hallelujah. That's, that's the works of Christ. If you don't like T.L. Osborne, believe the works. Hallelujah. That's, peop, that's people they needed. I'm inspired by impossibilities. When we were in Uganda, Daisy went there six weeks ahead of me. The country had been in war. The nation had no government. They had a flimsy little group of people thought they were government, but the three armies fighting in the jungles all aimed at taking over the government. And God spoke to Daisy in Nairobi and said, we ought to go there now. She called me at home in Tulsa. I said, honey, if, if the Lord said that, let's go. 
So she went up there in that terrible, terrible condition. Marilla just told me he's going to Pakistan. Well, he'll protect you in Pakistan. It's not smart <laughs> to go there, but you'll come back. Hallelujah. Because you're alive. You've heard his voice. Wonderful. But we went there, and it was the most wonderful thing. How God blessed that place. Impossibilities. Everything Daisy tried to do, it was impossible. No offices were open. Did you know what she did? That woman, she was a creator. She, she, she wanted that big field outside of town with a big wall around it. Couldn't get it. No one would help her get it. One morning at 6 o'clock, God woke her up and said, Go out there now. And the Lord impressed her, take money. Their money was worth nothing. So she had a basket full of money. She changed, got all these piles of money to equal a few of our dollars. And she took a tablet of paper and a pencil. And she got a car and she went out there. That little woman alone, women, be courageous. You can do anything if you believe Jesus is at work in you. And she went out there. And you know what? Those guys that ruled the area, the ground, that she never could catch, she caught them. They were out there. That's what the Lord told her. They'll be there. And she went in that little shack where they were, and she put her proposition, and they said, no, we can't give it for religious things. No, 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 no. Said, you can and she put the spook on them. <laughs> she told them, said, God told me to come down here and that, that I would find you here and, and this is where we're going to have our crusade. They said, it's impossible. Said, it's not impossible. I believe in impossibilities. And, 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 and so she finally got them to agree. They said, well, you'll have to come tomorrow and meet us at the office. No, no. She said, you won't go to your office. Said, I'm here and you're here. We're going to do it now. She said, we don't have a lawyer. We don't have a contract. She said, I've brought a tablet and I've got my pencil. I can write. I will write the contract. Tell me what to say. She sat there, wrote the contract and stuck it over to them and said, sign it with authority. And they signed it. That's the way we had that big crusade. When we got on a plane, Bud Sickler came up there, and he's got a little plane, and he come up there to get us, to haul us out of that place after we were the greatest thing that's ever happened on the continent of Africa. And after it was all over, two weeks of it, oh, what glory we saw. And as we were flying out of, uh, of Kampala, Daisy breathed real deep, sat there. She says, oh, honey, I have really grown in this meeting. I said, grown? They don't even have offices. How could you? You were big already. What happened to you? What? That's crazy. Why do you say that? She says, honey, everything I tried to do was impossible, and we did it anyway. That made me bigger than impossibilities. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That's the gospel. That's what we're all about. Glory to God. Well, I'm inspired by impossibilities. No problem too big for him. No need too big for him to supply. No sickness too big for him to heal. No sin too evil for him to forgive. They said, what manner of man is this? When he calmed the storm in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 2, the cripples healed. They said, we never saw it on this fashion. I'm inspired by impossibilities.
You'll face some in, in Pakistan. But the God of impossibilities are there. Number five, I'm inspired by his faith in people. Wow, ain't that a good one? Wish I could preach all day on that. I wish I could tell you the ten revelations that he gave to the woman of Samaria. Ten. You figure them out. How about the fishermen that he chose? I'm inspired by his faith in people. He didn't look for dignitaries or academicians. He looked for fishermen. How about the maniac? Uh, in, in chapter 4, he looked for fishermen. In, in Mark chapter 5, he healed a maniac and sent him to 10 towns as his representative. We sent Kariuki. Jesus sent the maniac. You can get them healed and send them. His faith in people, the multitude, he had compassion on them. His faith in people. Matthew 12, the withered hand was healed. Faith in people. Two blind men, Matthew chapter 20. He had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and they followed him. He believed in people. And he even believes in me and you. Say, I like it. The widow of Nain, son dead. He raised him. Number six, I'm inspired by how he forgives sinners. Preach on these things. I'm running through them real fast here because our time's gone, but I want you to get them. I want to inspire you preachers to go preach these things. Make a sermon out of every one of them. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. I'm not dead. I'm not dull. I'm not a bore. I'm happy because of the way he forgave sinners. Amen. The man on the roof, Mark 2. The woman at the Pharisee's house, Luke 7. Zacchaeus, Luke 19. 1 Timothy 2.15, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, Christ Jesus came to save sinners. The thief on the cross, Luke 23. Number seven, I'm inspired by how he healed the sick. You ever preach on that? Matthew 8, cast out the devils with his word. Mark 4, all manner of sickness was brought to him, and they were all healed. Mark 6, they brought him from all the country around about. He healed them. That inspires me to go face another crowd and encourage them to believe. Number 8, I'm inspired by what he said about God's Word. He said in Luke 8, 11, the Word is the seed. 1 Kings 8, 56, there's not failed one word of all his good promises. Ezekiel 12, 25, I am the Lord. I speak. The word I speak shall come to pass. I will perform it. That inspires me. Hallelujah. The poor devil's in trouble in Thailand because I'm coming. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> First Peter 1, 25, the word of the Lord endures forever. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Jesus said that about the, God's word. I do too. Do you preach about God's word? People will have faith in it if you'll say the things that Jesus said about the word, and they'll have faith in it, and they'll believe, and they'll hatch off and get healed while you're talking. Number nine, I'm inspired by what he said about the world. You know what he said about the world? 
That's why I feel like I do about the world. You ever ask yourself, I ask myself a lot of times, what in the world makes you so interested in Thailand and the rest of the world? You're an old man, ain't you got sense enough to sit down and retire and, and get old and die? Ain't you got enough sense to do that? You're old. Why am I interested in Thailand? And all, all the French countries we're going to next. Why? Because of what Jesus said about the world. He said, go to all the world. And I'll be with you. I want him with me. Hallelujah. If I stay home, he might not be with me. <laughs> yeah, he would. He would. I I'm just joking. Matthew 13, 38. The field is the world. I'm a farmer. I was raised on a farm. 13 kids, poor, <laughs> cockleburs, crabgrass. <laughs> I know all about it. Hallelujah. The field is the world. I'm still a farmer. I'm out farming, sowing seed in people, and the seed grows. When you get it, when they listen to me, they're, they're got. When they listen to me, it's in them. I'm inspired by what he said about the world. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. I'm yours, Lord. I belong to you. You're in me. I'm in you. We're doing the same thing. We're doing what the Father says do. You said the world. Okay, here we go. We keep going. No time to quit. You believe that? Amen. Yeah, that's your call. You say, I don't have a call. Come on, grow up. For heaven's sake, don't follow that. That's an old that's an old, worn-out, outdated tradition of the church from so many years ago. You have to have a call. If you don't have a call, the mosquitoes will bite you and you'll die. Come on, grow up. Yeah. Say, I'm grown up. I'm called. I'm redeemed. I'm reconciled. Hallelujah. I'm justified. Look out, devil. Here I come. <laughs> poor devil, poor devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm inspired by what he said about, that's enough on that. Oh, I got a whole page on. I'm inspired about what he said about the harvest. A farmer always gets turned on when he sees the harvest. Wow. Okay, what about that? <laughs> when I see India and Africa, and the Baltics, and South America, and the Pacific Rim nation, and Ukraine, and Poland, and Russia, and Lithuania, and Czech Republic, and Romania, and China. China. Wow! For me, the harvest is ripe. I'm you can't keep me home when I know all those things. Jesus went about all the cities of the village. When he saw the multitude, moved with compassion. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. Pray that the Lord will send labor. And all these preachers, these pontificates sitting around telling the women they can't do nothing and they're supposed to be praying for God to send laborers. It's not right. Women don't listen to them. Yeah, you won't. I know. I'm closing. Inspiration. Okay. That, those are the nice things I figured out for my outline about inspiration. M, I, we're making a miracle. You believe it? Yeah. But, but that, don't put your notes up yet. But I, I thought, well, I wish I had time to preach it all, but I thought I'll write these down. <laughs> I thought I'm inspired by his mission. I'm inspired by his example. I'm inspired by his actions. I'm inspired by his pattern. I'm inspired by his conduct. Here's some more. 
I'm inspired. Inspiration, I, inspiration, M, miracle, M, I, I for inspiration, I for our identity with him. That's a good one. Don't miss that. Preach on that, preachers. Next, I'm inspired by I, the illumination he gives us. Wow. I'm burning. I heard him on C CNN. Paul and Crouch, is that CNN? Yeah. No, no. No, that's not. TBN. <laughs> TBN. And, and they were talking about fire. They got a song, fire. I'm burning. No, that was Johnny Cash. That was a love song. I'm sorry, I got tangled up. Johnny Cash died, and he had a love song. But illumination. I'm illumined. Are you? I, I, am, I, part of a miracle. I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by I for his impartiality. Preach on that, preachers, and you'll include the women. I'm inspired I by the importance of his mission. That's another I. Another one. Well, we already said that I for the impossibilities that are eliminated when he goes with you. I, I'm inspired by the infallibility of his word. That's a big one. Search out the scripture and you'll have a good sermon, preachers. You want another one? I'm inspired by the infusion of his spirit in me. I'm on fire. <laughs> I'm infused. Glory to God. That's not all. Oh, some good ones. I'm inspired by his integrity. We need that today. We've got a lot of folks who forgot what that is. Well, there's some more. I'm inspired by the interpretation of God that he gave to us. That's a good one. That'll preach. Well, to wrap it up, I'm inspired by his invitation to follow him. Are you? You preachers got you a lot of sermons today. On what's, what's our base? What's our base? His invitation to follow him. How long? What's the base? Until the day he takes us up. I was inspired by all that he did until he was taken up. Now I'm inspired by his invitation to follow him until the day that we are taken up. Glory to God. No failure, no need too great, no sin too bad, no sickness too hopeless. Glory to God. Get your little piece of paper. Let's prepare to read. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope when, I'm not being too artificial about this. This is sacred to me. This is sacred. I'm aware that while I'm smiling to keep you alert and awake and don't let you go to sleep, while I'm, that I'm believing all the time that the words that I'm giving you, they've come from the Father. And they're going into you and they're doing your work and your ministry is going to be the fruit of these seeds that are pouring into you. They will grow. God's Word proliferates. You can't stop it from growing when you house it in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You believe that? Okay. Okay. Pack your goods up 
and say, out in Africa and in India, we say, okay, gather up your clothes, fix your kids, and get ready with your blankets and your cooking utensils, and get ready to stand up and give them a few minutes to sort everything out so they can stand up. Lonnie, you with us in India, all over the world. You know what it was. And isn't that, isn't that the way we do? Yeah, and it's beautiful. So pack your goods and get ready to stand up, and let's read this statement of faith. Look into my eyes. I pray to God that I've conducted myself today in a way that you've taken these truths serious. I'm, I'm, I'm the best you can find. <laughs> I've been there. I've done it longer than anybody, and it's never failed. And I've come to you like I've come to the people of Africa or India or South America or the Philippines or New Guinea or Indonesia or Russia or Poland. I've come to you the same way. I'm a mouthpiece. I'm awkward, but let that be an encouragement to you. God will even use me as awkward as I am. My talking isn't good. I talk better when I have to work with an interpreter because I have to say, articulate the words so they can interpret them. But here, I can just slough off on you. <laughs> you. You understand pretty well. And what I don't articulate, you put together. Language is beautiful. But I, I pray to God that I've said it to you in a way that you've taken it serious. This is serious kingdom business. God never sends T.L. Osborne on a goose chase. I'm too old for that. He can't waste me. He sends me where it's significant. And I believe you are significant. I've compacted the essence of what I've taught you today in these lines. You notice a, a, a diagonal? here and there, all over. Well, that's because reading it with an interpreter, you've got to find a place to quit so the interpreter can interpret that much and they can say it. So here, it, it makes a nice rhythm. Let's read it before God. Say this. Say, Lord, Lord I open my, my heart. And I'm going to read these words in your presence. I read them from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Lord. Say it together, together in concert. Lord Jesus, when I heard what you taught and see your miracles, your life and ministry inspire me louder. Until the day you were taken up, your example proves my Christian faith is more than a religion. It is a living reality. You came and revealed God to our world. Now God reveals himself through me. He was in you, Lord Jesus. Now he is in me, continuing what you began. You showed me what God is like. Then you showed me what I am to be like. You look like a Jew in Galilee. In China, you look Chinese. Here, you look like me. The greatest revelation in my Bible is the fact that you are alive in me. 
I am inspired by your person, by your ministry, by your words, by your love, by your attitude. You believe in people like me. The inspiration of your life energizes my life. You and I are one. We are triumphant together as you live and continue your ministry through me. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. The devil's in trouble. The devil's in trouble. We, we are loose on the world. Hallelujah. And nothing the devil can do can stop us. No, sir. Nothing. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. I pray your blessing upon these today. Your wonderful power is at work in them. The seed is planted in good soil. It will produce a good harvest. Hallelujah. When we contemplate the churches, the new churches, the new crusades, the Bible school that will be created all over the world, the home cells, the prayer groups, the soul winning teams, the street meetings, the jail services, they'll be all over the world from this crowd of people right here. Thank you for them. Thank you for them. Tattoo their spirits with these truths. In Jesus' name. Say, I accept it. It's mine. In the King James Version, it's one sentence. You don't find a period until you get to the end of the fourth verse. Old-fashioned English, 16th century King James English used lots of commas and semicolons and colons, but not many periods. And their paragraphs were eternally long, so difficult to follow. So all of this is in the first four verses of the book of Acts. Now that's where it ought to be because I call it the bridge sentence. The sentence that connects the ministry of Jesus in a Jew from Nazareth and the ministry of Jesus in people like you and me, his followers. So, so to connect the two after Jesus died went ascended back to heaven, then that's where these, this sentence ought to be because it contains seven, I think, indispensable principles for continuing what Jesus began. That's our mission, isn't it? That's the purpose of the church. Continue what Jesus began. If the church doesn't do that, somehow she's, she's missing it. And so we, we uh, offer these studies to encourage believers everywhere. Let's keep on doing what Jesus did, and this is how. If we embrace 
if we take into ourselves these seven major principles, then uh, uh, we'll be able to do it. And and I, knowing that knowing that everything about Christianity is miraculous, I, it occurred to me to choose the word miracle as an acronym, or we could call it a framework within which we could we could localize and uh, ex- expand these seven principles. Miracle. Everything about Christianity is a miracle. And I've said it before and I'll say it in these studies on through. If we don't have the miraculous in Christianity, then we have a philosophy. That's all we have. See, but Christianity is more than a philosophy because of the miracle power that, that makes Christianity what it is. Uh, future studies that we'll be giving, we'll focus on those points. M for, uh, in that first sentence in the book of Acts, M. You notice in your Bible, notice it. All that Jesus began to do and teach. I looked at that and I thought, yeah, that's the M. That's, that's the M for Christ, our model. All that he began to do and teach. See? And that was the first study, to absorb his ministry and his teaching as our model. We must never get away from it. The next letter, I, the next part of that sentence, he began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. That's the last study that we had together. There's nothing like beholding the ministry of Jesus as our model, as our example, as our leader in all that he did and taught until that from from Nazareth to the ascension. And I'll tell you, if we don't, so I, for inspiration, if we don't draw our inspiration from him, from what he did, how he did it, then we need to question ourselves and see where we're getting our ideas. I want to stick to the ministry of Jesus. Watch him. All he did from the day he began in Nazareth until the day he was taken up. That's my inspiration. I watch that and I get turned on. I don't know how some preachers can be dull, boring preachers. And they make the people boring and dull. They're, they're looking at the wrong model. Some way they're missing the wonder of Christ's exciting ministry of helping people. You know, a lot of preachers are in the pulpit. They don't have a heart for hurting people. But when you think of hurting people and how pe- pain is pain. When people hurt, they hurt. 
When they're sad, they're sad. When they're lost, when they're confused, they're confused. People, they are our goal to help them, to bring them out of that and bring them into happiness. That's why we call it good news that we have. People ask me, why do you always have big crowds wherever you go? I said, it's simple. We always have good news. We don't give any bad news. If you give good news, the hurting world wants it. The, the, the religions of the world have no good news. Go to a Buddhist meeting. They're boring. Go to a, a, a Muslim meeting. They're groaning prayers that drone through the air would bore you to tears. But go to our meetings. It's beautiful. We're good news reporters. Be one of them when you finish up here. Be sure that's what you do. So today the third letter is R. What do we base that on? He, through the, in the same sentence, the next portion of that sentence, he, through the Holy Ghost, gave commandment. Now think about that. He, by the Holy Ghost, gave commandment. Who for? Does it involve you? Are you interested in it? Do you consider it's for you? He, by the Holy Ghost, gave commandment. He gave us a mandate. So I thought, oh, I see the R there, M-I-R-R, R, response, response to his mandate. That's what we're talking about today. I'll leave the others. We'll be, we'll be repeat, repeating them later in, in uh, the next studies. Number one, lesson number one, his example for us. Lesson number two, his impact on us. And today's lesson, his choice of us. Lesson number one, how we see God, Jesus, the model. Lesson number two, how we see us until the day he was taken up. That's a demonstration of us in action. Today, Lesson number three, he through the Holy Ghost gave commandment, how we see our world today. Okay, the next lesson's what we do about it. The next one, how we do it. The next one, why we succeed. And the next one, what's our possibility, and so forth. I thought it'd be nice to read to you today a poem that dropped into my heart about this whole thing. Would you like to hear that? Poetry's nice, you know, uh, the biggest book in the Bible, that's what it is, poetry, put to songs. So poetry's okay. You want to hear this? The way I spell a miracle. Hallelujah. Miracle. Everything about this is miraculous. Our mission is a miracle that has seven golden keys. It starts with M, my model, meaning Christ who lives in me. The I means inspiration. Because the fields are white, I see vast opportunities to turn darkness into light. 
get the tape and copy this down, read it, put it to a tune, sing it. The R is my resolved response. This is today's lesson. I'm part of God's big plan. Though few have answered, I will go, God's will is my command. Can you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fourth great key in miracle to help me make Christ known is A. It stands for action. By deeds, his seeds are sown. Have I given you that little book, Believers in Action, yet? Haven't done it yet? Well, we will in one of these sessions. On the back of it, I wrote a little piece. My daughter, Dr. LaDonna, and I wrote the book, and we both wrote a little piece on the back. What's on the back is worth the book, but we'll give it to you anyway, and so you won't have to pay for it. But, but I said, we paint our picture of Christ in our world every day that we live by our words and our deeds and our actions. We paint our picture of Christ in our world. You're painting a picture of him all the time. That's why I said by deeds, his seeds are sown. Okay, then C means credibility. Next lesson. If the gospel is for one, then everyone deserves a chance to know what Christ has done. You believe that? The next key is the letter L for my legality. Christ's blood declares I'm safe, I'm free. There's no more penalty. Hallelujah. That'll preach. This isn't just poetry. Every one of these will preach. Preachers, get them and preach them. The E stands for experience. Take Christ, be saved, we call. And those who do are made brand new. That's the miracle for all. So M-I-R-A-C-L-E means Christ is my victory. His mission in the Gospels is his mission now in me. Say, I believe it. I believe Say, his mission in the Gospel, his mission in the gospel. is now his mission, his, is his mission now in me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Today, we're talking about our response to his mandate. The big question for today, I've given you a big leading question for each lesson. I went over all of them in the first lesson, and I'll repeat going over all of them in the last lesson. Our response to his mandate. Big question for today, what brings out God's best in a person. And then some little questions that go with that that concern us today. 
Is Christ's miracle ministry applicable in today's world? See, we have to determine that. I told you while I'm talking, your brain's going clickety-click-click-click. Watch it. Be sure it clicks positively. Don't let it lay something up on the shelf and say, I'll think about it later. You're making decisions while I talk. Make your decisions biblical. Make them positive. Don't let your brain store negative considerations that you'll wallow in later. No. Is Christ's miracle ministry applicable in today's world? Another little question. Do you have a call from God? We're talking about our response to his mandate. I ask the question, do you have a call from God? Think about it. You're thinking right now. Your brain's clicking away. How do you know you have a call from God? Or how do you know you don't have? How do you know? How do you judge it? If not, why don't you have a call? Do some Christians not have a ministry? You're answering that in your brain right now. Do some Christians not have a ministry? Big question, what brings out God's best in a person? Answer, discover that his plan depends on you and me. And that's so big that the Pentecostals give that a ho-hum and pass it by and forget it. I can get Baptists and Methodists to catch on to that quicker. You know, we had, we had 4,000 Methodist preachers in Abidjan and 3,000 Baptist preachers and only a handful of Pentecostals. The main Pentecostal group wouldn't cooperate. They were too holy. I've never had a Pentecostal meeting in my life. Did you know that? I've never conducted a Pentecostal meeting because I believe what Jesus gave to the world is for everybody, and I hate banners. I, I mean, I mean, uh, barriers, barriers. I like banners if they say good stuff. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. Think about that. What brings out God's best in us? To understand, to discover. What a discovery. That God's plan depends on me. We tell everybody, oh, if you don't, God will raise somebody that will. That's baloney. It won't happen. If you don't, it won't be done. God don't run his plan on substitute workers. He runs it on first-class workers that are committed to his work and believe in it and live for it, and give their life and their blood for it. No second-rate, no second-handed stuff. No, no. If you don't do it, your part won't be done. Don't ever make the mistake of swallowing that, that, that pill. That Well, if I don't, God will raise up somebody. God always has somebody. If he can't get me, he'll, no. If he can't get you, your work will never be done. Mm. 
I don't say that to scold you. I say that to inspire you, to challenge you, to think about it. His plan depends on us. Maybe I said it before. Maybe I'll say it again through these studies. Let me tell you something. Sounds real silly and real simple, but it's true. God, get the picture of God sitting up there on his big throne with all of his lights and important angels all around him, and he's stuck. He's got big ideas, and he can't bring them off. A little strange, isn't it? But that's the deal. You know why he can't bring them off? He's spirit. And you can't do things in spirit alone. Spirit scares people. People are afraid of ghosts. And you talk about the Holy Ghost, they're scared of it. If God would come down here and reveal himself and start doing these things, which he'd love to do, his angels are begging him all the time for heaven's sake. I don't know if they say, yeah, they might. They're up there in heaven uh, yeah, uh, to make heaven bigger. They might, that's a good idea. For heaven's sake, Father, let, let, to get him up here, let's go to, let us go down there. Say, no, 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 no. I believe in them. I'm trusting them. I've shown them how. I sent my son and showed them how and gave them the idea. And then, and, 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 and then he died and took away. He paid for all of their sins so that nothing could stand before between them and me. And once that's all taken away, then I can come home in them. And so that's why when my son came back to heaven, was ascended into heaven, then I sent back the same Holy Ghost that was in him to each one of them because now it can be in them. It couldn't be in anybody before, only in Jesus because he was pure and had no sin. John the Baptist, he couldn't come in John the Baptist. He could move on John the Baptist. All the prophets of old, great, Moses, Daniel, all of them. The Holy Spirit could move on them, but not in them. No, no, no. Because they were not redeemed. They were, they were the seed of Adam and Eve, and they were not redeemed. But God would work with them and bless them, and his Spirit would move on them and all of that. But not, not, not even... Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Holy Spirit couldn't be in them. No, 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 no. They were still uh, Old Testament believers. Under the, I suppose they were still bringing a lamb once in a while to the altar at the temple to sacrifice it with the priest. They didn't know any different. That's all they knew. They were good Hebrew people following Moses. They were, they were loyal to Moses. I'll tell you that was important. And this Jesus thing really had them up and going. They didn't know what to do about it. You know, I think I may have already told you, the day when John the Baptist was down, he was burning up with this power. It was all over him, and, and he, all of a sudden, it hit him. And the Spirit spoke through him. And he yelled to the people, look at that. He saw John, the, he saw Jesus. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. What in the world made him say those words? Fighting words. He was saying, you don't need Moses anymore. You don't need Daniel anymore. You don't need the prophets anymore. You don't need to bring any sacrifices anymore. We don't need the priests anymore. We don't need the temple anymore. Fighting words. They killed him. They cut his head off for it. 
You don't oppose the modern religion and get by with it. Oh, you're sitting there so quiet. What are you doing, thinking that over? Well, ponder that a little bit. You need to think that over. We're here to make you think. I know what I'm talking about. I've been out there a whole lifetime of it, almost 60 years, facing demons and devils and witch doctors and everything you can shake a stick at, in disease galore, everybody's sick. Uh, I, I mean, that, that's not easy. I know what I'm talking about. I've met the devil on his own ground, devils by the million. They've never given me any trouble. When I get there, they try to exit because they know that what I know is true and they are, they, are, they are a bag of wind and I've come to expose them so they clear out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's not bluffing, that's not bragging, that's fact, gospel fact. We are somebody. We are somebody. And so there God is. He's got these beautiful ideas. Some of you look at me like you think, should I be listening to this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's proven stuff. Trail me to the whole world. You'll never find an ugly story on T.L. Osborne. You'll never find a sex scandal on T.L. Osborne. You'll never find a doctrinal estrangement on T.L. Osborne. You'll find all pastors of all churches, of all denominations, will tell wonderful things about T.L. Osborne. You can trust me. I'm okay. Your pastor wouldn't have, let, wouldn't have had asked me to come in here. He trusts me. I'm telling you stuff that's going to help you. And today, we're talking about our response to his mandate. What's it going to be? And God's got these big ideas. And hallelujah, uh, he, can't, he can't bring them off by himself because he's spirit that would scare people, but that's why he redeemed us. With our sins gone, remitted, not forgiven, remitted, remission, put out of existence, they don't exist anymore. With that done, God can come home to us and say, now we can get the job done. I only had one person before. That was my own son. He only had two hands and two feet, and he used them until he was weary and tired on the road to show you how it's done. Now he's shown you. And God says, hallelujah, now I can come into all of you. And all of you can do the same things that my son did. That's the whole deal. That's the wonder of the New Testament. Hallelujah. You believe that? Believe that, young people. Believe that. The world is yours if you'll get this in your crawl. We got problems, but we're whipping them. Miracle, seven letters. He gave commandment. R. Our response to his mandate. Your little piece of paper on the back of it says our first point is going to be what response means. Second one, what is Christ's mandate? Third one, the dynamic of response. That's a good one. They're all good ones. Four, 
Christ's example of response. And five, what stimulates our response? And then the seventh thing, oh boy, I hope I can get a little bit of each one of them to you. Seven thing that stimulates response. Let's look at that first one, what response means. I studied about that a long time. I thought, how can I communicate what response means? And I wrote down, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I wrote down seven words. Uh, they're all verbs, seven verbs that response means. You want to write them down? Leave you some room because I'm going to come back and add some more to each word. But I'll give you the verbs first. What does response mean? Number one, feel. Okay, leave you some room. Number two, see. Number three, understand. Number four, value in a verb sense. Not a value which is a noun, but to value, to recognize, to esteem. Value. Number four, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Number five, realize. Number six, comprehend. And number seven, assume. Okay, let's go back and add those some more words. Feel what Jesus felt. Number two, see. We're talking, what's the response to his mandate? See what Jesus saw. You got it? Understand his mission, which is now your mission. So you and him have a co-mission. Number four, value what Jesus paid. Wow. I wonder if we'll ever get past these to the rest of this, sermon, this lesson. Five, realize his trust in us. You preachers go home and preach. You, when you get out of school, you go preach. To you pastors, any of you that's here, go preach these things. Someone said, can I? Since you did, hey. Any preacher or any singer, anybody, when it goes out of your lips and it goes out of your pen, it's public domain. I don't care what anybody says. Take it and run with it. I tell them everything I've written, everything I've ever written is copyrighted. That means you copy it right. <laughs> or, it means, or it means you have the right to copy it. Go for it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Realize his trust in us. Number six, comprehend our part in the program. Oh, we Pentecostals are so good at prayer. We send all those, those uh, <laughs> you know, commands up to God. We just keep him and the Holy Ghost and the angels busy all the time because we got to keep up with TV. Aren't you glad we've learned how to use the angels? Wow, they're, they're wonderful. That way we don't have to do hardly anything. Comprehend our part. And seven, assume, assume our role as his co-worker. 
We're talking about response, aren't we? Feel what he felt. What did he feel? Well, some things that came to my mind when he looked over Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you together. But you would. he felt compassion for the people. Do you? When you think of a country, do you weep? I tell people like you, wherever you have a chance, go abroad. Go, or go to, the, go to the disheveled, poor, pitiful, broken areas of our own country, but it seems like people don't do that very much. But if your fancy is to go overseas, go, even if you don't preach, and just look. Look into the eyes of the hurting people. Look into their eyes. You will come back bigger. You'll come back bigger. Yeah. And you'll never forget them. You'll never get away from them. That's what keeps me going as an old man. Heading out for Thailand. What in the world would an old guy like me head for Thailand for? Not only Bangkok, but up to Konkan, up on the border of, uh, of, uh, of Laos and Cambodia. It's dangerous up there. Almost no Christians are up there. It, it, it's a spiritual desert. Look, did you know where we're going? We've, we found a big plot of ground that we can use. We've gotten permission. And would you believe it is encircled by seven Buddhist temples? Won't that be great to get in the middle of all that and lift up Jesus? Hallelujah. 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 Believe with me. I know those Buddhists are going to come to Jesus. I know they're going to do it. Hallelujah. Feel what Jesus felt. He's touched. Hebrews 4, 15. He's touched by the feeling of the infirmities of hurting people. You got that? Yeah. Are we? Do we care? Are we interested? Or are we going to ball them out for not having stronger faith? You know, sometimes I think we Pentecostals over here, we, we, we give people one whack at it. We teach them and teach them and teach them until they memorize all the codes and the creeds and the dogmas that we have worked out that, that are the right ones, you know, that spell faith. And I, I've said a lot of times, we, we, we preach faith. We condemn hope and we ignore love. Paul said they're all different. I heard two preachers coming this morning, coming, to, coming over here this morning. And both of them, they were, they were, they were, <laughs> they were blessing faith and they were condemning hope. And here Paul put them all on the same level. No, love is the greatest. Love's the greatest. But faith and hope, both of them are almost the same. Hope is the picture that you see. Seeing, I'm talking about the next one, see what Jesus saw. Seeing is the great, great act of faith. From Abraham on down through, when he walked out there on the mountain and said, Where, all that you can see is yours. See, seeing is the great, great marvel 
If you can see it, you can have it. What do you see? What the Word says. The Word gives you the pictures. Same as faith. Hope come. Uh, Paul didn't say it, but T.L. saying it, and it's just as true as if Paul said it. Oh, that's an ouch. Well, wake up, grow up. Move forward. Come on. Yeah, you'll write that down on me. That's okay. Go for it. Go for it. I've been, I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. I've proven it. I've stood and proved it all over the world, and it works. Hope is just like faith. Hope is the picture. Hope, hope is the picture. Faith says, I'll take that. But they both come from hearing the word of God. You can't have hope without knowing what the promises of God says. See how it's strange you to think a new thought? The hardest thing in the world for Christians to do is to think a thought that hasn't been thought for them. Learn to think. But we're trained that if we think, we sin. The carnal mind is enmity against God, is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. We've got that memorized. And we know not to think. My mind's not enmity against God. My mind's not contrary to the law of God. My mind is conformed by the word of God to God's will and God's plan. My mind is in harmony with him. You understand that? I want to tell all you students, I think we've given you all a copy of the big book, The Message That Works. Have we given you that? What have we been doing, just talking about it? Uh, have, uh, uh, Pat, are you here? Uh, Sam, have we not given them that yet? Okay, you don't know what we've given them either. Huh? Well, I'm sorry about Well, uh, okay, I've just edited the whole thing. Not because it wasn't good and true before, but I've got better. I keep growing. I keep thinking. I keep reading. I keep learning. I've gotten better. I'm better than I was last year. I'm going to be better than I am now when I get back from Thailand. Hallelujah. 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 But, uh, but the new edition, I'm t I've organized it better, and it's got, it's got some, some teaching in there about this spiritual warfare thing that's rambling around all over the country, and, uh, and devils, and you're going to love it, and prayer, and prayer, and prayer, and prayer. My goodness. <laughs> and you're going to love it. You're going you're to have a new revelation of prayer when you read this new copy of, of the message that works. I'm telling you, I'm loyal to the church. I'm believed by the church. I'm safe. I'm the safest thing you can ever bring here to talk. I've proven what I talk about. I've been to the world. I've worked with all organizations all the time. They love me. And when I come to you, you can trust me. And that makes your study uh, more secure to you. And, uh, and it, it's a powerful thing what God can do for us. So faith, hope, and love are all three good. Isn't that wonderful? So, so we're talking about what our response, what response means. It means feel what Jesus felt. It means see what Jesus saw. 
He saw the multitudes. He saw the leper. He saw the sick. He saw the lost. And he did something about it. See what he sees. That understand his mission. Because is your mission his mission? Yes. That's why he came. He showed us what our mission is. He came in flesh. The Word, John 1, 14, the Word became flesh. The first time ever, ever, that human people could see God. And he became flesh. And dwelt among, lived with us. And we beheld him. Three and a half years we saw him in action. How long does it take to catch on? And the Holy Spirit recorded it. You want him to come and do three and a half more years? No, he did enough. He showed us God in the flesh. We say that like, like the Catholics repeat their dogmas. But no, that, that means God came down on our level where you could feel it. The last lesson, I'm going to talk about that. God came down on our level and was birthed in flesh and blood and walked among us. And we could look at him and see him. And Jesus, I'll talk in some later lessons, I'll be talking about how Jesus, his delicate procedure of introducing that idea and how mad they got at him for saying it. And they finally killed him for it. They never quit until they killed him because he said God was his father. He was God's son. Him and God were the same. And he's just here to show you what God wants to do. That may not stir you up. That's what keeps me as an old guy going. I look at Jesus. I say, that's me. That's me. What he did, he showed me how to do. The way he did it, we can do it. No limits. No limits. Why? Because it's not our ministry. It's his ministry. People feel our touch. But it's his nail-scarred hand that heals them. People hear our voice. But it's his word that does the miracle. People feel our embrace. But it's his love that lifts them. We're his interpreters. We're his representatives. We represent him. He represented the Father and showed us how. Now we represent the Father. Jesus in us continues to represent the Father. We're somebody important. Assume your role. See what Jesus saw. Understand his mission. I'm come. Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy. I'm come. You might have life. See, you don't ever come to wound people. You have no right to wound people from the pulpit. I know the secret sins of any preacher by what he preaches against. You better think on that. 
You see preachers in the, in the pulpit blabbing their mouth off, condemning people and all these special sins that they're enunciating and condemning. Uh-oh, they've painted a big sign. You know exactly what their private life is. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. By the fruits, you know them. Should I have said that to you? Yes. Yes. His mission is to love people. Not to abuse people. I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He said, the spirit of Luke 4.18, you know it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. What for? What, what are you anointed for? To talk in tongues? Is that the best you can get out of it? Well, unfortunately, Jesus never mentioned that. But he mentioned several things that's pretty important. I believe in tongues. I speak in tongues. But thank God there's more to it than that. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, set at liberty them that are bruised, preach opening the eyes of the blind, to preach the, and to say it's all available right now. We are now people, right? We are now people. Jesus was a now preacher. God is a now God. He's an I am. And he lived in Jesus, I am. And he lives in us, I am. He is a, you don't have to pray through what you're going to pray through. I started out with a preacher that made me pray through every day. Took three hours. When I got married, I had gristle. I had calluses, calluses on my knees. Because every day we prayed three hours. But from the time I was 16, went with him until I got married, I never had a date with a girl. He wouldn't let me. <laughs> How I thank God that he didn't let me run with the girls, but he kept me on my knees. I wanted to go with the girls. He wouldn't let me until one little lady came in the door in Almo, California, and she was called Daisy. And he knew that was serious. <laughs> it was love at first sight. And uh, so we had three dates before we got married. Yeah. But he brought me back to Oklahoma, get me away from that girl. No, I don't want to blame him for that. Maybe he didn't do it for that, but he brought me back to Oklahoma. You know, and our, 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 our correspondence, our romance was by letters. And then I went out there. I didn't have any money. I borrowed a suit from my brother-in-law. And, uh, and uh, I had worked out at the Sand Springs Cotton Mill, $16 a week. And I had saved enough to pay to ride with a family to California, to Los Angeles. But that's all I had. So she was way up in the San Joaquin Valley, up by Merced. And so uh, I had to hitchhike the rest of the way. 
And I, I was so embarrassed because the one that picked me up was her pastor. <laughs> the last person in the world uh, because they'd all warned her, oh, this Oki's got a love affair in Everport, you know. But she was faithful to me. Anyhow, that's what happened. How did I get on that? You're not interested. <laughs> How did I get? <laughs> Understand his mission. <laughs> See, that's why I make notes. <laughs> Value what Jesus paid. Did you ever read 2 Corinthians 5, 19? Wow. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And now he's committed the ministry of reconciliation to you and me. The word of reconciliation. He uses both words there. Aren't we fortunate? Realize, realize, realize uh, value what Jesus paid. He died to make it possible for us to tell the world that you can receive Jesus Christ. He can come because he died for them. He took their sins and put it away so he can come to them. If he hadn't paid for that, you'd be a bunch of hot air. You couldn't go out and tell people to accept Jesus. He couldn't come into them. Best you could do before he did that was tell them, bring a lamb, have a, have, a, have a priest slay it for you and shed the blood. That's the best you could do. But aren't you glad we don't run around the world telling folks to bring lambs and kill them? That's what you'd be up to if Jesus had not died on the cross to redeem us, to redeem humankind from their sins because he realized what he paid for the world. That's response to his mandate. Realize the price that made this possible. Value what he paid. Realize his trust in us. He trusts us to tell it. John 15, 16, you've not chosen me, I've chosen you. We are his choice. That makes me feel good. Hallelujah. Makes me walk tall. I don't cower around and crawl. No. If you do, no one will listen to you. You ever say preachers that crawl up to the pulpit like they got bad news and they're dreading to give it to you? My Lord, no one listens to them. And they're always mad at everybody else who's got a crowd. They haven't got a crowd because they look so pitiful. Brighten up. Be happy. The world's got problems enough without getting more from you. Yeah. Be a healer. Not a cripplizer, you know. Value what Jesus paid. Realize his trust in you. Comprehend our part. The ministry of reconciliation is committed to us. John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, Jesus said, I send you. Comprehend your part. Friends, comprehend that God is back of you God is in you. God has called you, but God can't do it alone. God has to have flesh to work through to enunciate his message to the world. That's, a, that, that's the way he's done it. Comprehend that. If you'll comprehend that, minister will be beautiful. If it don't, It'll just be a, a means to pay your bills. 
long as you can get a few people together and get enough tithes out of them to pay your cleaning and your laundry and your grocery bill and keep your old car running, you'll be happy. You'll be griping your way behind the pulpit through life, making everybody else sick of religion, you know. But if you brighten up and know who you are, wow, you're somebody. If you don't know how to smile, get a mirror and learn how. Practice until you can smile at people and be happy in the pulpit. Glory to God. Yeah. And then the world will listen to you and you'll help the world. We are the saviors of the world. God is depending on us. He sent us to this world and he wants our, us to give his word, to be his voice. Then he'll always be there to confirm it. Confirm it. He'll never fail to confirm it if you preach good news. He won't confirm your bad news. He'll let you tough it out alone. But if you preach good news, he'll confirm it. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah. Assume your role as his partner. You're his ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5.20. And he says in John 17.20, I'm in you. You're in me. I'll never leave you. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13.5. I'll never leave you. That's good enough, isn't it? Do we trust him or don't we? Do we believe him or don't we? Have we got, I talked a while ago. I said, uh, uh, Brother Dillard made me pray through every day. I had to pray through. Three hours. Pray through. I don't know what I prayed through. And I don't know when I did and when I didn't. But a lot of people are trying to pray through. No, no, no. When you understand who you are. When you understand. And when we get through these sessions, it's going to keep getting hotter. I promise you. Every lesson is going to get hotter. Better, I should say. Not hotter. Better. 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 Assume your role. We're talking about the continuation of the Jesus ministry through us. The question. See, since he's chosen us, since he calls us his partners, his calling demands our response, don't it? We can't ignore it. Your brain is clicking all the time. And your, your time in this, in Victory Bible Institute, you're, you're making decisions all the time what you're going to do. Remember, his calling, his call. Have you got a calling? Maybe some folks don't have a calling. Is that so? Some folks don't have a minister. Is that right? No, 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 no. That's not right. No, no, no. Everyone. Everyone is chosen. And since he's chosen us, that calls for response. Now, response can be yes or no by our action. We can respond negatively or we can respond positively. You understand that? Response demands decision. It demands commitment. It demands acceptance. It, it demands agreement. About what? Decision about what? Commitment about what? About continuing God's will. About what? About what Jesus began to do and teach as our model showing us how to do it. That's what it's about. About what? Commitment about what? Decision about what? Response about what? About the harvest that is great. About what? About the laborers who are few. 
We're responding about those issues. Those are the issues involved in his choice of us. Matthew 4.18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. <clears throat> he said to them, follow me and I'll make you. I like to just stop there because that's what he does to us, isn't it? Follow me and I'll make you. Without me, you won't do a very good job. Follow me, I'll make you. I'll make you fishers of men, fishers of people, I should say. Women too, people. When you read it, read people. And they straightway responded. They said, this is a good deal. I'll take him up. And they followed. They left their nets and followed him. Going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. You remember when he called you? When he first came to you? You first got saved? You heard his voice? Huh? Yeah. I remember... <clears throat> oh, I better not tell you that. I got too much to say here. And they immediately left the ship and their father and they followed him. I like that. I like that. Acts 9, 15. The Lord said, Saul is a chosen vessel to me. Paul, Saul, before he got converted. He's a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Acts 26, 16. Paul reporting here how the, how the, the Lord said to him, Rise, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose. Yeah, I sometimes think we Pentecostal people, uh, we ought to take that more serious. Hey, God's come to you. Hey, you've received the same thing Jesus received. Hey, get on your feet. You got work to do. Amen. Isn't that true? That's the real thing. Rise, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you for a purpose. I haven't just come by to bless you. Everybody's trying to get blessed. Those two preachers this morning, all I heard was, give me, give me, give me, give it to me, give it to me. I can get more, get more, get more. You know, in, in our Pentecostal ranks, so often today, we go, we go to these conventions, we go to these meetings, and we go to meetings. People, people trot around from church to church today. I remember when a certain pastor in town, he smiled and said, yeah, there are members here this week. Next week, there'll be members out at Grace or, or out of the church on the way or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. see? See, we've we got to get this thing serious. Are you hearing me? Yeah. For this purpose. I have appeared to you for this purpose. God, has a, God didn't just come by to bless us. All I heard in those preachers was how to get more, how to talk it right, how to say it right, so you can get more. And go to convention. And what's the idea in going? Many times it's this. Heal me. Bless me. Touch me, anoint me. Everybody wants to anoint me. I don't want anybody to anoint me. And if you do, you're chasing a rainbow. Anoint me. I don't want anybody's secondhand anointing. I've got my own. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Ghost that came 
into my life. I'm aware that it could not have come into my life had Jesus not gone to the cross and redeemed me of my sins and put them all away and cleared the deck so the Holy Ghost could come to me. I'll never deny him by looking at somebody else and saying, touch me, make me holier. And I hope you won't ever, ever do that. Don't ever dishonor the Lord and the Holy Spirit that you claim. You claim him. Don't ever dishonor him by trotting around looking for someone that, uh, that, that, that looks prettier than you, dressed nicer than you, and if they'll just touch you, you can get some of their anointing. Forget it. Forget it. I don't want their anointing. I have my own. Not mad at anybody. I love everybody, but I don't want their secondhand anointed. Their secondhand anointed. Do you? If you do, go get it. But you'll be scared. The devil will spook you. He, if he jumps at you out of the shadows, you'll run on secondhand anointing. It'll never do you any good in the tough places. If you don't know who you are, don't go where it's tough. Stay home where it's safe, where you can go to a diff different church every Sunday and get some more blessing. You need it if you don't know who you are. But once you know who you are, you can go anywhere. When you get there, the devil will hunt for the exit. He's a coward. He's a puff of wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness to send you to the unconverted, said Gentiles. That means everybody that don't know about God. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Say, that's why I'm anointed. The Lord came to me for this purpose, to make me a minister and a witness and to go to the unconverted. You know, all week I've been preaching those preachers that come from all over America. And I'm going to do that a few, more, a, few a few times in America. I've been telling those preachers the reason a lot of them don't have a crowd is because they never preach to sinners. They're spending all their time trying to make their folks holier. All the time. They're trying to figure out how to get more from God. What do you want more from God for? Give what you got and you'll get more. If you pour out what's in you, more will pour in. You don't have to memorize another church doctrine to get more. Get, that just gets more in your head. I want it in me that I can give to people. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, you're listening to an old guy, a guy that's been there. I know what I'm talking about. And I'm trying. The only reason in the world I'm going to do this a few times in America, I'm seriously concerned about our country. Our Christians are all Holy Ghost filled, they claim, but they don't believe in the Holy Ghost that they have. Now, if we don't believe in the Holy Ghost that has come to us, then we disgrace him. And I don't mean I can straighten it out. I know I can't. You can't change people. All you can do is seed people for change. 
But if I can leave some seeds in a few places across America, if I live long enough, I'll do it now and then, once or twice a year, you know. But my ministry is overseas. That's where my ministry, his ministry is overseas, where the people are hurting. And he wants me to go so he can minister to them and bless them and heal them and save them and bring them into the church of Jesus Christ so they can be gospel workers. When we went to Congo, you know, there were a handful of preachers. We went back there this time. You know how many there were? 15,000 preachers every day. All of them, almost all of them, carrying an old, worn-out book, La Vie Comble. They speak French there. La Vie Comble means the full life, the good life. Get that book. I wrote it for, for new converts in France. Get it. You'll love it. It has everything. It's a Bible school in one book, including the 18 cardinal doctrines of the church and even the Apostles' Creed. It's got it all in my lingo, you know, where people can understand it. And, uh, and, and, and those precious people came to me. One of them told me, I said, Brother Osborne, and, and uh, he, he, was so, he was weeping and hugging me. He said, you know, I wish I had a better report. I've just opened 40 churches. He said, most of the preachers have opened 50 or 60 or 70, but one of them opened 3,000. The one, the one, did you know, the guy that came to our meeting in Kenya, the Muslim that came with three cohorts with him set to use their cattle whip and beat me up and run me out of Mombasa. They came, they brought a blind woman from their village with them, and they said, if he don't heal her, we're going to catch him, we're going to beat him up and send him out of here. Well, you know what happened. The woman got healed, she began to scream, and that scared those Muslims, that scared the wits out of them, because good Muslims, they want to stay in good terms with God, you know, they love Allah in their way, and they didn't want to get in trouble with God, and if, if, if a blind woman got healed, they knew that was God, so they ran. They left town, but God bless missionary Bud Sickler. He found them. He found them. They were hiding, and, and he got them all saved. And one of them became a missionary. A missionary, God called him to Zaire, when it was called Zaire, Congo. And that man opened three over 3,000 churches before he passed away. He, he was getting pretty old. But see, I'm talking... I, I, I'm rambling here a little bit. <clears throat> Let me see, where was I? <laughs> I got to get, get back on track here. Uh, I, was, I was talking about that, this meeting that we've had, and, and I, every, every session, I felt impelled by the Holy Spirit to appeal to those preachers. And I, I did it diplomatically. I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But I said, if you don't have a crowd, or if you don't have a lot of people, what are you telling your people? I said, listen, you're all in a race. There's three or four countries in Latin America begging us to come, and I've got to go back to French West, French-speaking French Africa. I've got to go back there. They're all after me. And then there's so many other countries. I think I'm going to take the time to tell you something. Did you know right now 
there are three nations of Latin America that are begging me to come, and here's what it's for. Now, some of you will think I'm proud I'm telling this to pat myself on the back. No, no. I'm telling you this to let you know if you're honest, if you preach the gospel, if you stay true to God, and, and, and you don't get all puffed up when you have a success, and you don't get down when you have it tough. If you preach the gospel, when you get old, you'll be shocked at the fruit that you see that has happened. And that's to his honor, not mine. Preaching his word. It's his word that does it, not mine. Three nations right now are trying to get me to come. Dominican Republic, Venezuela, and Costa Rica. In every one of those countries, they're trying to get me to come for, for a national repentance day. And you know what they're wanting to repent of? For the way they treated me and Daisy when we were there. And, and, and they've never gotten over that. Can you believe that? I've forgotten about it. Who cares? They kicked me out, so what? We went to the next place, kept on going. You know, uh, simple. I mean, Paul, I, I, I'm going to read you in a little bit if I can shut up on these stories and get back to my notes. <laughs> I'm going to read you. Uh, some, uh, response is not always positive. Response is sometimes negative. But you don't duck your tail and run home. You just find another place and keep going. I'll show you that in the Bible, what Paul did. When we came back after that enormous, the first great mass miracle meeting in the history of the world was in Ponce, Puerto Rico when we went there in 1950. 50, 1950, you weren't even born yet. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it was enormous. The whole island was shaken. They brought, they brought, they brought Jesuit priests from Spain to come over there to try to stop it and do something about it. And they did every mean thing they could do. But it was American soil. Puerto Rico, uh, you know, is American soil. So those dear people couldn't stop us. But uh, we weren't on American soil in Venezuela and in, in Dominican Republic and in Costa Rica. But when we left uh, Puerto Rico to fly home on that big four-engine prop, and shake you all day, you know. And we had to stop at Dominican Republic. And, and, and the priests had told the Catholic priests in Dominican, Dominican Republic that Osborns were on that plane. So they told the police what to do. They're the boss, not the police, not the law. The Catholic priests are the boss there. And they told them, don't let us off that plane. So everybody got off but us. We were kept on the plane. And, and, and these preachers are still ashamed of that. What did matter? We got off at the next stop. No big deal. But they're ashamed of it. They know why it happened. And they sent me a letter from the top naval officer and the top army officer, both Pentecostal believers today. They signed it. And the richest man in Dominican Republic, he owns the stadium, owns the baseball team, and owns the Hilton Hotel. 
and he signed it. And they said, if we'll come, the president wants to meet you at the stadium, and the president wants to read a national apology. And they said, the pent, the pent, what do you call that thing on the top of a hotel? I don't live in them, but what do you call it? Penthouse? Yeah, well, whatever it is, I didn't, didn't. But, but up there on the top, the biggest thing they got, that's yours as long as you want to stay in Dominican Republic, and the stadium is rent-free. You can have the whole thing as long as you want to preach, but come and let us apologize. See? But see, it, I, I wouldn't let them do that, never. That would make all the poor people of the country hate me. Oh, they would hate me. I wouldn't let them do it, not at all. Now, the same things happened in Venezuela. After the Cuba revival, we went to Venezuela. We didn't have hardly any money to get our fares there. And back. I'm telling you, these folks that go out and spend a million dollars on a crusade, I don't understand that. It don't cost us very much to have a crusade because we depend on the miracles to do it, not the newspapers. That's a lot cheaper. God does the miracles. He's got plenty of money. You go try to hire a crowd, it's going to cost you a lot of money. It's okay if you can do it. Go for it if you've got the money. I haven't. <laughs> See? But we went down there, and with our meager sums of money, we got everything fixed, and we got the whole, we got the big stadium rented, and got a good price on it, and the advertisement in the paper and we went the first night, and there was the army all around it with their guns, wouldn't let anybody in. Orders from the top, the priests, don't let them have the meeting. They're ashamed of that. Now the preachers of Maracaibo have written me and asked me, please come for a national repentance. Think of that. They're ashamed for what they did, and they want me to come and they're all going to cooperate. And they said, we've already talked to the president, and he will be present to present the apology. Well, I would never let him do it. But isn't that interesting? Now, what am, what am I telling you this for? Uh, preachers, young preachers, be faithful to your call. Be honest. Have integrity. Don't ever change. Trail me all over the world. You'll hear no stories. You'll hear no bad stories. Wherever you want to go, anywhere. My name has honor. I'm honest. You can be honest. Costa Rica, that great crusade in the bull ring, packed it to the top. Such, such an upheaval, such a surprising upheaval <laughs> of gospel for, for, so far as the Catholics were concerned. It shook the nation. The the noted cripple of the city that crawled and, and scooted himself on little four wheels, everybody knew, was healed. And he was, up, he was up testifying in the streets, stopping the traffic, Costa Rica. But the army came. The priest said, we can't let this go. And they, they circled that thing, that bull ring, and we couldn't get in made us go home. We had to pack our duds and come home. <laughs> and uh, I was so upset. 
I said, I don't think I'll ever go to Latin America again. And I, I almost haven't. But, uh, but, but we need to go back and help them. But they want me to come and, and, and give an apology. Now, look, what, what do you think about that? What I'm saying is the gospel works. Help people. Love people. Reach people. Preach to people. Be honored. Be, be, be honorable. Don't get puffed up when you have a success. Don't drag, your, don't, don't drag along when you have difficulties. Keep steady. Know yourself in the Bible. Believe the Bible. Preach the gospel. Never change. When you get old, you'll be dumbfounded what you'll bump in. Everywhere I go overseas, preachers come to me, tell me stories of those, of those uh, 14 or 15,000 preachers in Kinshasa, ex-Congo, ex-Zaire in Congo now, you can never believe the stories that were told me, the letters that were handed to me, because the word works. And we, we spent $160,000 to print 52 tons of our books in French, took them there and gave them away to all the people. I'll tell you, the poor devil's in trouble. He cannot stop the truth when you give the truth to the world. You believe that? Yeah. And, and, and it's the same for you as with me. No difference. I have nothing you don't have. Everywhere I go, people say, oh, he's got the gift of miracles, got the gift of healing, got the, the baloney. Forget all that. I'm a preacher. I'm a witness. I love Jesus. I'm a farmer. I know you can't change people, but you can seed people for change. Give the seed. The seed has the power to produce the fruit. Give the seed. Don't hang out up your shingle. Say, I'm the healer. I'm gifted. If you touch me, you can get my anointing. Forget it. No, 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 no. Give the gospel the credit that it deserves. Young preachers, if you'll do that, you'll succeed. If you don't, you go out and run in the race with a few people, with a few saints in every little church trying to get holier all the time, and you'll be one of them. And kind of mad at everybody else because you haven't got a crowd and somebody else has. And you won't get a crowd as long as you're doing that. And I, and I appealed every meeting, every session down there, I appealed to the preachers. They'd come from 22 states. I said, preachers, go home and preach Jesus. Preach salvation. Preach forgiveness. Set yourself to think of the lost. Think about the lost. Preach about them. Plan about them. Sing songs about them. Instruct your people to teach about the lost. And as you do, it'll take a long time to get all this other holy stuff out of us. It'll take a long time to, 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 for you to revamp, to revamp, to re-score re their mind. But if you'll keep at it, preaching Jesus, preaching souls, preaching, that's what Jesus said do. He didn't say go into all the, world, all the world, make everybody as holy as you can. He said go into all the world, preach the gospel. Said the son of uh, Jesus has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You understand that? This isn't a strange doctrine. It may sound strange here, but it's not. And if you'll do that and keep doing that, eventually your people will begin to think 
of the unconverted. Isn't that a strange thing? Yeah. Oh, big deal. They'll begin to think of the lost. They'll begin to dream and go tell dreams about what they saw or what they heard about the lost. And another thing about it, when your people are, are infused with this concern for unconverted people, they'll be like magnets. And your church, you'll be amazed at what a, your church will draw the unconverted like a magnet. It will happen. It will happen. But if we just yell all of our holy stuff all the time, sinners ain't going to come to that. They're sick of it. They're sick of it. Oh, you're serious today. Well, I'm doing serious business. I know it. I wouldn't talk like this if I didn't know your pastor. This is, this is his life. He's a soul-winning pastor. He's a missionary pastor. Goes to the world. He knows what I'm talking about. That's why victory is what it is. It's a magnet for unconverted people. Anytime I go out there and preach, here comes a horde of people to get saved. That's why. Be conscious of the unconverted world. That's what we're saved for. We're saved to become saviors, healed to become healers, lifted to become lifters, blessed to become blessers. Not to run around and say, touch me, bless me, heal me, help me, anoint me, make me whole. Forget it. You are. All. You know, one, one of the great preachers down there in that camp, he wept and cried. He cornered me as I left the building one night. He said, Brother Osborne, for the first time, I realized I have the same anointing that you have. He only missed it on one scale. He should have said the same anointing that Jesus has. Because what I have is what Jesus had. But it dawned on him. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to fast for it. It's written. Accept it. If you don't accept it, why do you go out and call yourself a preacher if you don't believe that? You want to go to some preacher and say, give me a word. My Lord, I've heard some of those words. I don't want one. I've got the word. Yeah. You'd be in confusion if you try to follow ever Tom, Dick, and Harry. No, no. Get this inside you. One of these sessions I'm going to be talking about, find yourself in the Scriptures. Okay, I about said enough about that. Huh? that what was that show that comedian said? That's about all I have to say about that. For this purpose, to make you minister and a witness, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And Paul said in, in Acts 26, verse 19, I was not disobedient to that vision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I continue until this day, verse 22, witnessing, saying those things which the prophets and Moses said, should come to pass. Make, make that your message. And you'll always have a crowd. Hallelujah. That Christ should suffer, that he should rise from the dead and show light to the unbelievers. That's our ministry. Show light to the unconverted. Not make each other holier. We're already so holy, we're a pain in the neck. 
You know, one thing people don't like is holy people. Let Jesus be the holy one. They want him. Yeah, I know a little contradiction there. Don't get hung up. I'm smart. You're smart. You can figure that out. Don't strain, uh, don't, don't strain too much over some of that. You'll straighten it out. The secret of Paul's ministry, the secret of our years of ministry is showing light to the unconverted. That has brought out God's best in me. What brings out his best? Discover that God's plan depends on you. I tell the preachers all the time, wherever I preach, I say, look, you got everybody praying for God to open up China. That's a waste of time. God's not going to open up China. They don't want to think about that. I said, we're going to open up China. You and me, the people, the Christians, we're going to open up China. You can't pray and get angels to go down there and change that government. No, no, we're going to open it. It's their work. We, the Christian body of Christ, is working on it now. If we knew the stories, oh my goodness. I weep when I read those reports. Those dear Chinese people, how many of them have been in jail, are going to jail constantly, and are be, being beaten up and tortured with electric uh, things. It's awful. They're opening China. We're cowards. We wait. We say, wait, wait, let's, we're safe. I'll come. You know, but, but people are going to open up China, just like in the Bible. They suffered to proclaim the gospel. We like to preach the gospel where we don't have to suffer. Well, I'm just like you. I stay out of them places where it's tough. <laughs> I'm no dummy. <laughs> I'd rather be a live coward than a dead hero. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, I keep preaching. <laughs> you know, but China's going to open. Russia's open. Preachers open Russia. I helped on that. I went to 10 cities in Russia. Hallelujah. The world is ours, not the devil's. And the gospel is the healing power for all the world. Lesson one, Christ came to show us God. Lesson two, Christ came to show us us. Lesson three, Christ came to show us how God values people. The world, God's plan. He values people. It depends on us. Lesson one, he's our model. Lesson two, he's our inspiration. Lesson three, his mandate gives us purpose and motivation. He calls us. We respond because he calls. He calls because he needs us. He can't do it alone. That was number one on your list. The, what response means. Number two, what is Christ's mandate? Mark eleven twenty two. 22, to believe his word, and this is your mandate, this is your mandate. Have faith in God. What is Christ's mandate? To receive his power, the promise of the Father, Luke 24, 49, and Acts 1 and 4. What is Christ's mandate? To be his witness, Acts 1 and 8. You shall be witnesses unto me, the uttermost part of the earth. 
What is Christ's mandate? To share his gospel with all the world, ever creature, ever creature, Mark 16, 15. What is Christ's mandate? To us, what is Christ's mandate? To seek and to save the lost, Luke 19 and 10. Hallelujah. What is Christ's mandate? To love a hurting world. Mark 25, 42, you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. Hallelujah. Without us, he won't. If we don't, he can't. You better write that down because you're going to have to think on that a little bit and watch your brain when you look at it. Without us, he won't. If we don't, he can't. Do these biblical verses concern you and me? Make a list of them. And then on your knees, reflect. See if you think they mean you. Do they concern you? Luke 5, 31 32. They that are whole need not a physician. They that are sick. I come not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Does that concern you? Think about it. It does doesn't it? That's our ministry. Luke 14, 12. When you make a dinner or a supper, don't call your friends, nor your brothers, nor your kinsmen, nor your rich neighbors, lest they bid you again and a recompense be made. Don't do that. <laughs> do these verses concern you? Huh? When you have a banquet, who do you call? Yeah, verse 13, and when you make a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee. Do these verses concern you? What is Christ's mandate? Matthew 25, 34 to 36, the hungry, give them meat. The thirsty, give them drink. The stranger, take them in. Naked, clothe them. Sick, visit them. Prison, come to them. Do these concern you and me? Some of Christ's last words, Luke 24, 40, 47. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Let me ask you, here's kind of a tough question. Who in here has a call to Kirov? Kirov. Kirov, K-I-R-O-V. Who has a call to Kirov? Nobody in here. You know about Kirov? It's the size of England. No churches there. People are there. The doors open. Communism isn't holding you out anymore. It's wide open. Millions of people. See? 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 We got a job to do. Not just stay home and get holy and go to conventions and see who will touch us and get us better. My Lord, the whole world's out there. They don't know anything about what we're talking. In fact, if we don't get over our religious talk, it wouldn't do you any good to go because you can't talk the language of the people. Talk the language of people. We laugh about the Catholics talking Latin. We don't talk Latin. (laughs) We don't understand them. They talk Latin. I know they don't do it anymore or they do in a lot of the world. Talk the language of the people. Talk where they can understand you. 
Our language is codified. We talk in codes, and nobody does it more than Pentecostal people. We codify our sentences. And the world looks blank-eyed as they don't know what they're talking about. I never want to get so spiritual that I've forgotten how to use common language for the common people. When I write, I write a little better. But still, keep it tame. I got a, I won't tell you what preacher, but I got his book not long ago, and I read about a third of it, and I threw it in the wastebasket. A Pentecostal preacher, good man, everybody respects him, but it's dead. His writing is dead. He tried to show how smart he is. If you want to write a book to show how smart you are, forget it. Save your money. Save your book. Write to help people. Write to individuals. Don't write to preachers. Write to hurting people. They're the ones that need what we have to say. You believe that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Someone got a call to Irkutsk. Who's got a call to Irkutsk? I think I see a hand back there. Irkutsk. You found out about Irkutsk, huh? Most Christians don't know what, who Irkutsk is. It's a big country. It's the size of Texas. And practically nothing. In, no bookstores in No Bible bookstores. Listen. McDonald had sense enough to go over there and sell hamburgers. And the Russians all over Eurasia line up around the block to buy their hamburgers. If someone will go to that, those nations and start a chain of Christian bookstores, they'll line up around the block to buy your books and you'll get rich and they'll get blessed. There's no bookstores in Russia. They don't have bookstores. I spent $20,000. I believed in a businessman that told, when he heard me talk like that, he said, I'll do it. And he says, I'm going to start in St. Petersburg. And I, I knew he was going to do that because of all that uh, uh, Pastor Billy Joe and Victory Church has done over there in St. Petersburg. So he picked a good place. That was a good start there. And then the next one I'm going to open is in Moscow. And he said, but I need some capital to start with. I need $20,000. If I can do that, I can open those two. And, that, and the profit from them, we promise you, we'll start a chain, a bookstore. He took the money and went home. I never heard from him again. Well, that kind of cooked my goose, but you've got to keep believing in people, you know. Maybe I wasn't a good judge <laughs> of, of character, but that's what happened to me. But I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest opportunities in the history of the world for anybody involved in, in, in business, business a chain of bookstores across Russia. They will, Russians read. They are readers. They'll come and buy your books. And lots of preachers. There's one, there's a great spectrum of good Christian books that have been translated and published in Russian. You know. Hallelujah. You like that idea? Anybody got a call to Tomsk? T-O-M-S-K? See, we don't even know about those countries. What am I talking about? I'm talking about what is Christ's mandate? We are Christians. We are learning. 
I'm praying that I can be strong enough during these seven sessions with you that some of you will move to Eurasia. Take your family and move there like they did in the olden days. Like they moved to China. They moved to Africa. They moved to India. They didn't go for three weeks or three months or three years. They moved there. Made their home there. Died there. That's what, we're, we're, we're ripe for that today. And I think me seeding you with that idea, that'll happen. Somebody will go. Anybody called a Kaborovsk? K-H-A-B-A-R-O-V-S-K. Try your luck at it. Anybody called there? Enormous country. Archangel. The size of California. Without preachers. Wide open. Kamchatka. Kazakhstan. Yeah, some are going to Kazakhstan. Hallelujah. The size of Australia. What a day. Yakutia. Oh, that's a good one. Yakutia. Anybody going to Yakutia? Oh, boy. I pray to God, Brother Billy Joe, that 10 years from now, some of these folks will be coming back, giving a report here at Victory from Yakutia. It's half the size of the United States. You can be the best preacher in the whole country. You don't have to settle, settle. You don't have to, you don't have to sit over here in America and, and look for a street corner where you can start a church. No, Yakutia, half of the United States, it's all yours, baby. Go for it. Yeah, nobody there. Oh, there might be two, three there. I don't know. A, few. a chain of bookstores. Go to Yakutia. Make a chain of bookstores all over Yakutia and plan from Yakutia to have conventions every year of your converts and preach to them. Copy my sermons here that I'm giving you. Preach to them that stuff and then send missionaries to the rest of Russia. Do it all from Yakutia. Wow. Wow. I'm seeding you. I'm seeding you. Baluchistan. There's 54 districts. There's 17, 45 towns. There's 36,000 villages in Russia that have no gospel witness. And they're all open. And we're sitting over here trying to find a place to preach. See? See? Jesus said the whole world's yours. And wherever you go, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I'm not putting that on you, dumping on you. I don't want it to feel that way. I hate missionaries that come home, make everybody feel, sob and cry because they don't feel as holy as the holy mission. No, I'm not coming to you like that. I'm coming to you as a pragmatist as a preacher, as a thinker, as a gospel preacher. The world is ours, and the whole idea of Jesus was to go preach to them. That's why he saves us. That's why we study. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we read books. And we know enough to choke anybody else. My goodness, we're so full and so blessed and learning more. Let's keep learning, but the first whack we can get it, let's go to the world. Amen? Amen. Nobody's too old. Nobody's too young. 
Hallelujah. Some real old people have done it. I know an old lady that uh, she was an old Assembly of God woman and she couldn't get Springfield to send her. She would not. So finally her husband died and she got the insurance money. She said, bless God, I'm going to go myself. And she went to Kenya. That dear old lady, old. She was old and she couldn't walk very good and she was pretty big and she would climb on those old trains and uh, on that old train they just have one and on those old buses and you can't imagine a bus in Kenya. God bless them. They're getting a little better all the time but they're tough and the people are crowded in there. You may have some, share your space with some goats or <laughs> something else <laughs> or someone carrying a squawking a duck to market, you know, but that dear old woman with her bags and each hand full of tracks all over Kenya. She's taken our tracks all over Kenya. You're never too old. She died out there doing that. She died happy. Hallelujah. The world is beautiful. Don't go look at what's bad. Go look at what's beautiful. You'll find beauty in every race, in every country. You'll find opportunities. Don't go look at what's hard. I get so disgusted at preachers, missionaries that'll tell me, oh, this is the toughest country in the world. That's nonsense. No, that's because, well, a lot of reasons. Anyway, anyway, go, go, see what's, go see what's beautiful. The world's beautiful. Ask me all the time, which country do you love best? All of them. For years, Daisy and I, every country we went to, we was going to buy property and move our home there. We'd fall in love with them. They're beautiful. Say, I like it. The dynamic of response. The dynamic, you see your list, I'm not getting very far. The dynamic of response. The energizing force that produces action. That's dynamic. What energizes you and produces action? The question, how are we conforming our lifestyle to his plan? Does he design, does his design, listen to these questions. I'm giving you three questions here I want to share with you. How are we conforming our lifestyle to his plan? Does his design for our world concern us? Or are we busy with our, with our own ideas? I think we're here to fit into his plan. I think that's the idea of living and moving and having our being in him. Don't you? Yeah. I believe that. Does he actually depend on us? In what way? The last instructions before his ascension was go tell the world. Remember Hebrews 1 and 3, after he purged us from our sins, he sat down. It's time for him to sit down, but it's not time for us to sit down. It's his sitting down time, it's our getting up time. But the Pentecostals are still trying to keep God busy all the time. They don't want him to sit down. They don't want Jesus to sit down. No, 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 we want you to move on the hospital. Well, I'll tell you, the only time he moves in an area is when you move in that area. Yeah. <laughs> you move, he'll move. Well, we're so honored. We're, we're so blessed. God so trusts us. 
It's simple. If we don't get so holy about it, <laughs> it's simple. It's simple. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.11. Hey, right, right, I'll give you, let me give you three scriptures here. Write them down. Don't ever forget them. Go home and think about it. First one's Hebrews 1 and 3, where it said he sat down. After he purged us, he couldn't sit down until he purged us. He purged us, got rid of our sins. He could sit down. Now he could sit down. Now it's finished. It's done. Okay, they can go. I can come into them now. 1 Timothy 1.11. The gospel is committed to our trust. 1 Thessalonians 2.4. We were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. The church of Jesus Christ is going to witness to the world about Jesus, the Savior. Dynamic of response, what energizes me? John the Revelator saw what the result would be. They sung a new song. Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals, for thou wast slain, hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Hallelujah. I got to tell them. We get to tell them. It's beautiful. Revelation 7, 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no one could number, all nations, all kindreds, all people, all tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robe, palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits on the throne and under the... That energizes me. Wow. Wow. Isn't it beautiful? As a lad out in the woods, after the cows. And I got to crying. I didn't know why I was crying. I knelt before two, between two big boulders. Why am I crying? Bald and bald and bald. And I had a thought, beautiful thought. You know what it was? I don't know where it came from. I'll tell you what I really think. I really think some older Christian at the church had sometimes patted me on my back and said, Tommy, I think you're going to be a preacher someday. I would venture to say that's what happened as a seed because out in the woods, I was weeping, weeping, didn't know why I was weeping, bawling and bawling and squalling and bawling. And Lord, why am I crying? And, and then this thought came to me. And I think that person at the church seated. I can't prove it, but I, I, I'm sure that the thought came, how would you feel if you thought today that you would be a preacher. What made me have that thought? I think one of those saints said that to me. Be careful what you say to young people. Say good things to young people. Seed young people. It'll grow in them. I had that thought, and something inside me got happy. And I got so happy out there in the woods all by myself, I laughed like an idiot. I laughed, I laughed. I was after the cows, but I just walked and I laughed. I laughed. I, I might be a preacher. See? Seed people. Seed. Hallelujah. What stimulates our response? <clears throat> Let me say this. Let me say this. Christ, his mission becomes our commission. He sent us for the same ministry that he came for. 
If you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed, John 8, 31. Number five, what stimulates our response? Our action depends on our knowledge. For years, Daisy and I subscribed to a magazine from China, English magazine from China, for a magazine that was produced in the Muslim world in English, a magazine from Africa, for years, and magazines, two or three magazines from South America. Those magazines came to our home every month. We wanted to know about the world. Our action depends on our knowledge. Let me tell you this little idea, and, and, and I'll quit. If we don't know, we don't care. Think about that. Our caring depends on our knowing. Picture it. Picture this lady coming across a bridge, across a chasm. We're a group of Christians up the street having an evening of celebration. We're happy, rejoicing, wonderful. That's beautiful to do. Down the street is a young mother carrying her little child coming across the chasm. And a car comes and hits her and knocks her off the bridge, she falls into the chasm with her baby, broken and bleeding. If she doesn't get help, she will die. Not one of us in the house would continue celebrating if we knew, but we don't know. So we celebrate while the mother and the baby dies. Is that a picture of our hurting world? See, they're out there. They're dying. What makes me like I am? I see them. I look into their faces. I go often, often, often. I'll go, I'll go uh, a little bit early, and I'll go down among the people and step over the shoulders and find certain ones and sit down and talk with them with my interpreter. I like to do that because I see in their eyes. I want to always have the world in my heart. I'm here for his purpose. You believe that? If we care, if we know, we'll care. That's why I read some old name too. Do we know about Kirov? We don't know, so we don't care. Find out about it. Get a map. Get a magazine. Subscribe to a Russian magazine. What stimulates our response? The knowledge of Christ's power. Write that down. You'll have to put the scriptures with it. Number two, the knowledge of people's need. What am I talking about? What stimulates our response? Number three, the knowledge of redemption. What stimulates our response? The knowledge of Satan's defeat. Glory to God. He's a bag of wind and he's defeated. Poor devil. We are the man. Number four, the knowledge of Satan's defeat. That's what keeps me going. Number five, what stimulates our response? The knowledge of God's will. Number six, what stimulates the, 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 uh, our, our response? The knowledge of the ripened harvest. What stimulates our response? The knowledge of Christ's mandate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to quit.
Okay, let's stand together. Get your piece of paper. Let's read. Let's read it so every devil in hell can hear what we're reading. And don't read it unless you believe it. But if you believe it, read it like you believe it. And let it come from your inside. God is listening and sees us today. Hey, I love you. I love talking to you. I thank you, Pastor Billy Joe. You let me come over here and do this. I wish I could come more. It's wonderful. I love you. God's doing a great thing here. This, 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 this Bible school has got its feet in the gospel, right? Yeah, yeah. No use to believe something good until you give it a face. Let the world see your doctrine on your face. And if it's good news, it'll be a smile. Hallelujah. My daughter preaches that, Dr. LaDonna. There's no belief, there's no faith until you put shoes on it. Get it in your shoes. Take it to the world. You believe that? I love you. I love every one of you. You're going to shake the world. I'm telling you, you got the devil worried. He's called his imps together. He said, why in the world have you let that victory thing get started in Tulsa? But the poor devil can't do a thing about it. We are the people of God, and no devil in hell can stop us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every time I go out there to the maybe center, to one of those meetings and preach, I'm more I'm so impressed. This is God at work in my city. This man and this woman. And every time I see them on TV, they mean business. Be proud of leadership like that. Be proud of that. Hallelujah. I know you are. Hallelujah. You ready for this? Read it like you mean it. We're talking about R for our response to his mandate. Okay, let's go. Draw your lungs full of air. Hit the first ones, O Lord Jesus, with all the steam you got. Glory to God. And let's read it. O Lord Jesus, you have chosen me as your partner. Today, I respond yes to your plan. Since I know that I am your choice, that brings out your best in me. Your plan for me is to believe your word, to receive your power, to be your witness, to share your love and life. Dear Lord Jesus, you purged me from my sins, so now you can live in me and continue your ministry through me. You have entrusted me with your gospel. My purpose in life is to represent you. You came to do the will of your Father. Now I am here to continue doing his will. Your mission has become my mission. We are workers together. Ours is a co-mission. Religion is a ritual. Your miracle life is you alive in me. My mission is to share your life and love with others. Jesus, you began to do and teach a new way to God. 
You showed me his life and love in action. Thank you for continuing what you began through me. Your miracle life is unlocked in me. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Poor devil, poor devil. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We are the people of God. We are the people of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm telling you, we're taking our world. What you're doing is taking our world. What this pastor's doing, these meetings overseas, that he's having these wonderful meetings, do you realize that's shaking the world? And others are copying, are being inspired. That's what we do. Jesus did it. We imitate it. I've often said, uh, they ask me, they, they, want, they want you to fill out sometimes on papers. Maybe they don't do it anymore, but they used to. Are you Catholic or Protestant? I always check both of them. I'm both. If they put Baptist, Methodist, Pentecost, I check them all. I belong to all of them. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the wonderful thing about it like that, no one can kick you out. You're on their hands. I'm part of the body of Christ. <laughs> Isn't that great? Hallelujah. Today's a great day. And uh, we're, we're, uh, we, we bring to you the fourth of seven studies on the subject of the miracle life of Jesus Christ. And uh, we, have, uh, we have framed these seven studies with the acronym MIRACLE. MIRACLE has seven letters, so they stand for seven principles. Where are the principles? The seven principles that are, that are are essential to believers who want to continue what Jesus began. That's the idea. Okay, where would these principles be? The seven principles for being able to continue what Jesus began. They would need to be between the Gospels and the book of Acts. So, they are there. The first sentence in the book of Acts, it actually covers four verses because in the 16th century English is written with uh, long sentences. They use lots of semicolons and colons and periods and commas, but not many. I said periods, not many periods. And so, there's four verses it's one sentence. In this one sentence that I call a bridge sentence that bridges from the ministry of Jesus in the body of a Jew from Nazareth and the ministry of Jesus, same ministry, in the body of his followers. We call it the book of Acts. Uh, King James Translators call it the Acts of the Apostles, 
But it's not the acts of the apostles only. It's the acts of believers. And since the book of Acts has no ending, no amen, no finale, every other book, every other book in the New Testament has an ending, has a finale, not the book of Acts, because we are still part of the book of Acts. We continue the ministry that Jesus began. It's very important to understand those things. And I, and I rehearse them because for the sake of many of you that haven't been able to be in the previous studies. And I want to put you in focus so that you'll see where we're going. In this first sentence, the Holy Spirit moved on Luke to write this powerful sentence that contains seven mighty principles for you and me. And I just, I thought about it. Everything about Christianity is miraculous. Everything about Christ is a miracle. And so it occurred to me to use the word miracle, since it had seven letters, as an acronym to frame these studies to help people remember them better. The first one, M, Christ our model. The second one, I, Christ our inspiration. The, second, the third one, R, our response to his mandate. The next one, A, Action as his delegates. That's our study for today. C, the next study will be C, credibility of the gospel. L, legality of our faith. And the last lesson, E, for the experience of his energy. First, his example for us. Second, his impact on us. Third, his choice of us. Fourth, his faith in us. Fifth, his proof for us. Sixth, his miracle life in us. And seventh, his power through us. In the first lesson, we see God. In the second lesson, we see us. In the third lesson, we see the world. In the fourth lesson, we see what we're to do about it. In the fifth lesson, we're to, we see how we are to do it. In the sixth lesson, we see why we succeed. And in the seventh lesson, we see our possibilities with God's energy. Today, in each of these lessons, we've proposed to you a major question and several little questions, but to help you focus on the lesson at hand, the question, the big question today is, what happens when we discover how much God trusts us? A very vital lesson. Timid, backward, reticent, recli reclining Christians 
have never understood how God trusts them. Christians usually brag on, or at least assert, their love for God. That never impresses me very much. What impresses me is God's love for us. Christians often tell about their great faith in God. Nice, but I'm not impressed. But what I'm impressed about is God's faith in us. That impresses me. People talk about, I, I, I sought God, or I, or I rejected God, and then one day I made a decision to come to him, to come to Christ. Nice, but it doesn't impress me very much because I think of God 2,000 years before we did that, he made a decision for us to come to us, seek us out, search us. The big fact in Christianity is that we never sought him, he sought us. We never wanted him, he wanted us. We never reached out to him. Oh, we did in our way, but we ignored the, we, we did it because we ignored the fact that he was reaching out to us. We love him, yeah, he loves us. Today, what happens when we discover how much God trusts us? And my answer that I propose is this. When we make that discovery, that motivates us to action. Amen. You, you'll never be able to, to, to hang back when you discover that God's plan depends on you. Why do you think me as an old man I ought to be sitting in my rocking chair watching my flowers or playing my piano. Enjoy. No, 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 no. Here I am heading for Thailand. What makes me do that? I've discovered how much God's plan depends on me. The Buddhists of Thailand know nothing about this gospel. I can go tell them. They will believe. They will receive. And the Buddhists will become Christians if I go over there. So as long as I can go, I'll go somewhere. We've purposed to go to 10 nations of, of, of French-speaking Africa. We've gone to three. We've changed the nations. 15,000 preachers attended in the, the seminar in Abidjan, Ivory Coast. 130,000 people came every day of the crusade. We affected the nation. We sent $160,000 worth of our books in French to French West Africa. Shipped them there in French. When you teach for a week and then you go to a big field and you demonstrate it in a great crusade, then you top it off by giving them a set 
we gave them nine of our major books, a set like that, in French, in their language. When you do that, they can never get rid of it. It'll change them forever. When we were in Kinshasa, I say this for you young people. Do what's right. Do it with all your heart. Don't do more because someone brags on you, and don't do less because somebody criticizes you. Do what you do because it's the work that he wants done, and he's depending on you to do it. And when you do it, see, it's his work, but he does it through you. When you do it, it's seed, and it'll procreate. And when you get old like me, you'll be shocked at what you'll discover. People will come to you and tell you what happened to them when they were young, when they heard you. Believe that. Anybody that believes that the Word of God is seed will do that. Many preachers think the Word of God is some special anointing they've got to fling it out across the people. That doesn't, that doesn't interest me at all. I'm anointed. I don't brag on that all the time. My, the, the anointing is on me to brag on Jesus. He's the star, not, the Pente, not, not, not our Pentecostal doctrine. You understand? I don't want to offend any of you. You catching on? He's, our, he's the one. Our response to his trust motivates us to action. And that's why we did what we did for French Africa when we were there in, in Kinshasa, Congo. Daisy and I went there in 1963 or 4. There were almost no preachers in the country. When we went this time, would you believe I addressed every day for a week between eight and 9,000 preachers that came from all over the nation. Think of that. I'm only, that, that's not to brag, no point. It's fact, it's, it's to encourage you young people to believe if you will focus on truth. Truth will procreate, procreate. God will confirm truth, the gospel, redemption. I've said a lot of times, you know about, you know about uh, uh, Wesley, you ever hear of him? You ever hear of Spurgeon? Yeah, great names and men like that. You know why you know their names? They were redemption preachers. They were gospel preachers. They were preachers of the cross, of Jesus, and of salvation. Did you know there were hundreds of other preachers at the same time? You don't know them. Why? They were preaching little pet doctrines that their little denomination wanted to scatter around, and they're not remembered. That's not the foundation of the gospel, of, of, of the Bible, of Christianity. Your life will count if you'll, if you'll stick to the simplicity of the gospel. And that's what we're focusing on. This is the miracle message that God has for the world. And we are his voice. Now, you, you Pentecostals can pray and fast until you, you're blue in the face. 
and you can never get God to send his Holy Spirit and the holy angels out across town to do the thing that he told you to do. You can't do it. You're wasting your time in that kind of praying. Are you hearing me? We are, the gospel is committed to us. Action. Hallelujah. That's the joy of life. I know what I'm talking about. I'm down close to 60 years of action. And I never tire of it. Every crusade has been the same. Never a failure. Why? Always the gospel. The gospel always works. Think about that. I'm telling you, be glad as, as, as director, uh, Dr. Luce, uh, I mean, Dr. Ron, Ron Luce, I know him, Ron McIntosh, as he uh, told you that this, these are important days. I think it's a miracle that I'm able to be here. He proposed to me seven Mondays that they had clear here and wondered if I could fill them. I got out my calendar, and there they were, each one of them. They straddled. I've just come from Florida since the last one. I'm just leaving for Thailand, and I'll be back. When, when we, I don't know when, but they'll tell you. We'll be back for three more, and they straddle other events. I thought I took that as a signal that it was God's plan that I come and talk to you these seven times. I believe that. I believe that. Hallelujah. And, and I, I, I want to encourage you, young people, that the world is out there and needs you. If Daisy and I would have been able to attend a Bible school like this and heard what is being taught here, when we went to India in 1945, before you were born, we wouldn't have failed. We would have brought blessing to India. We can't go back and regret. So it's okay that we went and came back. We didn't fail altogether because we saw the masses with empty religion and we came back determined to do something about it but didn't know how but had the vision of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now I'll share this with you on the last study that I give you on experience the experience of his energy when that happened. But if we had have had a, a Bible school like this to attend, we wouldn't have failed. Treasure these days. Value them. But don't let anything divert you from purposing to make the center of your preaching the gospel. See, we in America, we ho-hum the gospel because we've got TV and the lights are shining and everybody is so, so holy and uh, uh, smart. And uh, we've grown beyond that, you know. That's nonsense to us. But listen, I'm here to tell you, I don't know if you'll have another voice tell you this. I'm here to tell you while I'm here, that's what works. The good news People ask, well, why, why do you have those crowds all the time? Because we have good news. Their religions have bad news. Ours has good news. Anybody will trade bad news for good news. So they want to come and hear us because we preach with a smile. We're happy. Hallelujah. 
and, and God confirms our ministry. People will follow you if you preach the gospel. God will confirm you if you preach the gospel. I marvel at how many preachers I hear that never mention the gospel. I don't mean to criticize them, but turn them loose in Africa, nothing will happen. They'll come home. They say it didn't work. No, it won't work if you don't preach what Jesus preached in Galilee, in Judea. Am I overemphasizing that? We're here to talk today about, about uh, action. He gave, in verse 2 of Acts, it says he gave commandment. Who to? Now it says to the apostles whom he had chosen. No, no. He gave commandments to all of them that were following him. <clears throat> to the ones he had chosen. Our action is because he has chosen us. Because he depends on us. Because he believes in us. He expects us to continue what he began that's why he came to show us how. He didn't come to be God. He was God. Yeah, we know that. He came to show us God. But the beautiful thing is, he also came to show us us. He is our example. Lesson number one, our model. It's hard for us. We, we, we revere him. And we almost feel sacrilegious to say, am I supposed to be like that? Yeah. See, he's our example. He told us if you'll follow me and believe in me, you can do what I do. And he paid for us, went back to heaven, sent back the Holy Ghost so we would be no sin in us and he could come and live in us. We could do what he did. You believe that? Listen. I'm focusing these seven studies on this. It's the most vital message for the church today. What Jesus did, what we do. Get that, go with that, believe in that enough to go with that, you'll win. And you'll be like me. When you get old, you'll go find hundreds or thousands of preachers where when you first went, you had a handful. Let me tell you something. We went to Nigeria when there were almost no, no churches there. Benson Idahosa was a shoe salesman. I told him and Margaret, they were so young. I said, they had a little old house that you had to bend over to get in. I said, get out of that little thing. Build you one that you don't have to bend over to get in. He sat through the seminar. We taught after the crusade. He interpreted for me. After the crusade, he interpreted. And what a seminar we had. We rented the big, the, the, uh, a, ball, a small ball field. I forget what you call it. But, uh, but it was packed. Those, those new believers came. And the few preachers came. Benson sat over to the left. I'll never forget him. He had a little table. And he had two or three yellow pads, and I'll tell you, that man wrote like a madman. <laughs> but, but 
Today, there's, there's over 7 million Christians that belong to their churches. 6,000 churches. Think of that. We went back there after all these years have come and gone. Of course, I'll throw in this. I told him, I said, Benson, another trip later, I said, Benson, look at you. You're, geographically, you're surrounded by French-speaking nations. Any direction you go, you'll have to speak French if you cross the border. And you don't know French, and you're not doing anything in your Bible school. By that time, they had built a Bible school. You're not doing anything in your Bible school for the French people. He said, Papa, I'll fix that. And he did. We went back the next time. They had a whole Bible. Anyone here from Nigeria? Yeah. You, am I telling the truth? Exactly, yes. They had a whole French section of the Bible school. They brought teachers from France and from French countries around them. Now they're sending preachers all over French Africa. But what I was going to tell you, I went back there more recently. It's been quite a while now, just before Benson died. And the church seats 22,000. It wouldn't hold the people. I went for a, for, for, for a seminar. I'm saying this to encourage you. This will happen to you. This isn't because any gift I've got. It isn't because of any special anointing I have. All the anointing I have, I got up there at Skidi, Oklahoma, or Manford. No, Old Manford, under the lake, when I went to Old Faith Tabernacle and knelt and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and come home speaking in tongues. That's all the anointing I ever received. That's enough. I believe in it. I believe in it. These people that run around wanting someone else to touch them and give them some of their anointing, they, they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and they want, they'll trade the baptism of the Holy Ghost for secondhand anointing. I don't want your secondhand anointing. Keep it. I got my own. Comes from God. I won't dishonor him. Get that straight. You can see I get worked up about that. I shouldn't get all fussed up about that. But we need that so everywhere I go, people want some of my anointing. It's so silly. Don't do it. Believe in your own. You'll never get very far in the ministry as long as you're trying to get somebody else's touch. Every time the devil comes out of the bushes, he'll spook you and you'll run. If you don't believe in what you got, I'm working on you. These seven sessions, I'm working on you. I want you to have what I've got, but not from me, direct from headquarters for you. Get your own, it's all available. Hallelujah. You believe it? Yeah, you believe it. You believe it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't finish my story. I went back over there, and, and, and the, the, their, their cathedral seats 22,000. We couldn't get the people in. So they went out and rented a big field and, and ended up, did you know what we had? 
there were 17,000 preachers where there were almost none when we went there a few years ago. Are you hearing me? 17,000 preachers. Now listen to this. When he introduced me to speak to those people, here's what he said. He said, Dr. Osborne, we thank you for coming to Nigeria to share with us. He said, we want you to teach. He said, you don't, you don't have to make an invitation for sinners to get saved. Here's this field of people. Because he said, these are already saved. They have received Christ. You taught us that years ago. Now listen. The next thing he said, Brother Osborne, you won't, you won't need to pray for the sick because you taught us that believers are to be well. These are all well. Nobody's sick here. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? In America, it's not that way. Are they greater than us? No, they're just a little more fortunate. Maybe they've appropriated a little bit better. We have all the limelight and the bright lights and the hype, and sometimes we get a little, little scattered. But I'm here to encourage you. Brace up. Be what you believe in the Bible. We talk about the Word, the Word, the Word. Well, let's believe the Word. See? 17,000 of them. You know what he said after that? Listen to this. While over here in my country, people are running around casting out devils out of Christians. Isn't that an insult? What a shame that anybody would denigrate the blood of Jesus Christ and think devils can live with Jesus in the same vessel. No, no. You know what he said? He said, and Dr. Osborne, just before you come, we want you to know you don't have to cast out any devils here. You taught us that when Jesus comes, devils leave. These people have Jesus. Teach us more. That's what we want. Teach us more. What do you think of that? That happened in my lifetime. From a handful to 17,000. Am I bragging? No. I'm, I want you to see when you sow the simple gospel, it'll work, it'll breed, it'll procreate, it'll grow. <clears throat> what facts motivate action to understand God's plan, how it depends on us? Number two, to understand God's love a passion to give life to the dying. You think about that? That's, that, that, that's your ministry. What facts motivate action? God's message. Good news. No bad news. Good stuff. Happy stuff. Good reports. Not problems. Not... What facts motivate action? God's redemption. The fact that it's for the whole world. We must tell them. Now Carlton over here has got it wrong. Yeah. He quoted me. 
You know, that's why I can quote him. <laughs> he used my name, I can use his. See? Oral called me and said, T.L., is this true? I said, no. He just quoted part of it. Oral said, that's what I thought. You know. He says it's Jesus died for the whole world. Of course, no one would deny that. But if they don't know about it, they'll be lost. That, therefore, is our mission to tell them. That's why I'm going to Thailand. If the Thai people hear me, they'll believe on Jesus. I know. I was the first one to go to Thailand. 1954, there were less than 12 spirit-filled people in the whole nation. 18,000 Buddhist temples. Are you hearing me? And I stood out there and preached Jesus. Today, I was called back there a few years ago. They said, you have to come. This is our 50th anniversary of the Holy Spirit coming to our nation and you were the one that brought it. You've got to come back and celebrate. So I went back. Dr. Yonggi Cho, he went, he went and preached Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I preached Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and there was that. We had a big auditorium seated over 5,000 jammed with beautiful Thai Christians. What did it? Every morning of that crusade at 5.30 in the morning, after preaching the night before till, and, and meeting until midnight, at 5.30, we gathered the few that wanted. There were 15 or 20 young people that were bright and enthusiastic, like some of you, and their eyes were bright, and they were smiling, and they wanted that, and they come and listen to me every morning at, at 5.30. That was the little slim nucleus that changed Thailand. And today, Thailand, thousands of Christians, now we're going back to give them another dose, and then we're going up to Konkan, up on the border of Laos and Cambodia, where they're almost all Buddhists. No Christians up there. And you know what? The ground we've chosen, you know what it is? <laughs> oh, I love this. I wish I could, I wish I could uh, make it show. Maybe we can show it on photograph. But we're going to be the ground is surrounded by seven Buddhist temples. Big Buddhists. And we're in the middle of them. Isn't that wonderful? That's where the gospel needs to be. Not on the altar the golden, with the golden candlesticks, but out amidst the needy people. That's where we win them. Pray for me there. I'll walk up there just as, just as sincere and just as... <laughs> just as calm as I am right now because I know what I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to tell them why he came. I'm going to tell them what he died for and how he rose again and he came back, sent his followers, and I'm one of them. So I've come special from God to tell them this good news and if they'll believe it, he'll do anything for them that he did in the Bible. That's it. Do you want something different than that? You want to flower things up so you look more important? Let him be the star. Yeah. Hallelujah. Lonnie Rex sitting over there has been on that platform many, many times, right, Lonnie? It works, hasn't it? Corey Nickerson, my son-in-law, sitting there, he's witnessed it. 
in Bulgaria. It was tough in Bulgaria. Yeah, but it worked. Hallelujah. And I don't know where I'll ask Corey. I'm not thinking very good right now. I'm trying to remember where I was. Oh, I love these notes. I go. So, some of you preachers need to write notes. Bring you back home. Redemption is for the world. Everybody can have it if they know about it. If they don't know about it, they won't have it. That's my ministry. What's yours? Wow. How do you see yourself, your life? Do you have value to God in what he is trying to do in our world? First, I should ask, do you know what he's trying to do in our world? Well, if you've been in all the classes, you know that. <laughs> You're aware of that. You know that anyway. He's trying to get everybody to hear the gospel and believe on Jesus. Do you have value to God in that? Think about it. Be serious about that. Weigh that up. Do I have value to God to, in doing that? All the early believers did have. If you'd ask them that, they had to say, yes, he's chosen me. What about you? See, we, we can get as dull as the Catholics and reduce ourselves to a Pentecostal formula that goes nowhere unless we believe the gospel. Hallelujah. Do you have value to God? Or does it matter what God is doing in China to you? Does it matter? <laughs> Think about it. Is that out of reach? Or, or are you like Calvin in Switzerland, the early theologian that said God will do it all by himself? He's predestinated everything, <laughs> so he'll take care of it. Hey, predestination is beautiful, isn't it? Kind of like sending angels. <laughs> yeah, watch it. Watch it. The predestination that God's interested in is you. He <laughs> Read the eighth, eighth chapter of Romans. Find out where you stand. Christianity, what is it? It's love. It's God's love in action. Not power. We Pentecostals are hung up on power. The only, the only power God has is love power. He is love. The Bible don't say he is power. I know he has power. I like power, all that, but not near as much as, I, as I'm impressed by love. Love is the power that can't be resisted. John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Isn't that nice? Verse 15, henceforth, I don't call you servants. The servant doesn't know what his Lord does. He just takes orders. But I've called you friends because all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Now listen to me, people at VBI. I've said so many times, and, and I say it, and it's a ho-hummer. 
people let it pass over. Everything Jesus said about his father, we can say about our father. Everything that Jesus said about his father, we can say about our father. All things that I've heard of my father, I've made known unto you. That's what I do. I, I travel the world making known to acres of people what I've heard from my father. They love it. They haven't heard a messenger like that. They love it. Verse 16, the very next verse. You've not, you see, you've not chosen me. Did you get that where that's located? You believe that? You're thinking, aren't you? I've made known to you what the Father has shown me. You've not chosen me. I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. You know, it's like, you know, we, we Pentecostal, we focus on getting our prayers answered on the power that we've got. <laughs> we focus on that. And we forget if we preach. I've said, I'm jumping. Excuse me, hang on. I'll get, try to get one sentence out, pour some more, crowds it out. <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, are you with me? When, when we, I've said so many times, if you preach the gospel, you won't even have to cast out devils. We Pentecostals, we go everywhere hunting for devils. We want to cast out devils. We want to show our power. Forget it. Nonsense. Quit playing, church. Grow up. Be the stature of Jesus in your generation. And announce the good news that Christ paid for our sins, paid for our diseases, lifted the curse from us, and comes to us to give us his life. That's healing. When the, when the gospel comes to people and they catch on to what gospel means, if they've got any devils in them, those devils will leave. I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. I've seen it work. I, I don't worry about cast out devils. Oh, we always include that when we get to the end of our prayer, you know. Any, any devils that haven't gone already while we're preaching, we'll tell them to go and they have to go. So they're smart. They'd rather go before they're forced to go. Believe that. Believe that. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to everybody that embraces it. And just as a reminder, I'll run it through your minds again. Remember, a gospel is four things. God's creation, Satan's deception, Christ's substitution, and our restoration. That's what gospel is. God's creation. Satan's deception. Christ's substitution. Our restoration. God made us beautiful and perfect. The devil messed it up through deceit. Jesus assumed all of our faults and redeemed us 
And now he comes back with a new life to, 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 to restore us completely like we were before sin entered. You believe that? That's the gospel. That's what the world doesn't know. And that's what you can preach 10,000 different ways. But make that the essence of what you communicate to people. Whatever you ask my name, he'll give it to you. I told you, didn't I? I think in Mombasa, not long ago, that, that little, poor little woman in the city, was it here? Did I tell you that? I preached to many places. I forget where I tell some of these things. She was naked. I mean, she, she refused clothes. She was crazy. Known in the city, long time, running the streets, naked. Nobody could clothe her. We came for the great crusade there at the municipal stadium grounds. And, uh, and some of the believers, they attended. We always meet with the Christians first to tell the Christians how to work with us in, uh, in, 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 in among the unreached. Many Christians don't understand that we develop a... a can I call it a tribal lingo in our church? Uh, a cultural lingo. Or, or we can say, maybe I... We talk in codes. We understand it, but the sinner don't know what we're talking about. We're holy, we talk holy talk. And... Sometimes we act holy, and many Christians, when they go out to a field, they, they want to turn it into a Christian celebration. All them people, they see all that crowd, wow, let's shout like we do in church. No, 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 you don't do that. You don't scare the fish away. See, and, and, and Christians need to know there's a difference in the way you talk to Christians and in the vocabulary, vocabulary you use to non-Christians. That's why in America sometimes uh, uh, extra nice holy people take offense at me because I don't talk holy enough. Well, how could I? I've been almost 60 years out there talking that other language, so I have to use the words that I'm used to using. You understand? Learn some of that other talk <laughs> where, where you can talk to the unreached. This woman... Some of these Christians had been in our pre-crusade event and had caught on to some things. And so they, three or four of them, got together and said, we're going to catch her. But they got some cloth, some cloth from the market first. And so when they caught her, they would wrap her up in some clothes so to cover her nakedness. And, and they did. And they brought her to the meeting. And I tell you, that woman, them poor devils in her, you know, she was, she was demon-possessed. But they were smart. I told them when you bring someone like that, don't bring them into the middle. Don't bring them right to the platform where their voices and their screams will come over the mic. No, no, keep them at the edge. Be good to them and help them. Well, they did. But I tell you, that woman just screamed like uh, it was pitiful. It was really annoying. And I always uh, keep on preaching. I always tell them, no, pay no attention to that. That's just the, that's just the devil. Uh, uh, worried, you know. And, and, and keep listening to me. 
keep, keep listening to me. Yeah, it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. And by the way, you've heard, you've heard me say, poor devil. You know, I'm kind of known for that statement. That was born with that woman. That's when it happened. I'd never said that before. Rather audacious to say that, you know. Poor devil, you know. But now it's become vocabulary to me, and uh, it's okay. But uh, first, but, but she just kept screaming, and so I kept preaching. And pretty soon, I looked over, and I said, poor devil, and I kept preaching. And, and, and like an echo, you know, when you work with interpreters, it's surprising how much you get in rhythm with them. And, uh, and this two or three sentences down, I heard the echo of him saying, poor devil, in Kiswahili. And I know Kiswahili pretty well because I preach so much with interpreters with Kiswahili. And that was different. And I stopped. I, it alerted me. I, that was spontaneous. Poor devil, you know. And, and it, I figured, and I stopped, and I turned around. I said, preachers, pastors. The platform was full of pastors. I said, pastors, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be... I didn't mean to quip something irreverent. Excuse me uh, for being that way. Uh, I, I hope I didn't offend you. I wanted to calm them preachers down. That's holy, you know. You don't talk bad about the devil or we get in trouble, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I asked, I asked them to pardon me and kept on preaching. Most of the message was finished and that screaming had quit. I didn't know why. I was glad. That often happens. That often happens. And what the devil wants you to do is shut down your message, come down, and make a big show of him. See, no. Don't ever do that. And the devil hangs around. Don't ever do that. No. no. Keep the focus on this. And, and uh, the people were coming from everywhere after we prayed for the people, healed. And here, several of the people came up yelling, this is her, this is her, yelling, this is her. I said, who is her? I don't know who her is, you know. I was looking at the field. No, this is the one, this is her. I said, which her? He said, the one making noise, the one that was naked, this is her. Oh, okay, bring her. She gave the most beautiful testimony. Now, I never cast the devils out. Don't blame me for that. I didn't do that. God did that because he confirms his word. Believe that. Believe that. Believe that. Say, I believe it. He gave commandment. That mandate demands response. That was lesson three. Lesson four. To the ones he gave commandment, to the ones he had chosen, the ones that he trusts, that trust demands action. Remember Acts 1 and 8? Just a few verses on down from that. You shall receive virtue or power to produce proof of your resurrection message. See, tomorrow, I, I don't mean tomorrow, I mean the next session, or the next session, we'll deal with the legality of our faith. Don't miss that. It concerns the resurrection. If Christ is not risen, we're in trouble. You know that. 
He gave them power to produce proof of their message. Their message was the resurrection. Because if Christ had not raised from the dead, then what the priests had told would be accepted as true. They said they stole their body away. They stole him. But they didn't steal him. God raised him from the dead. That is the essence of the Christian message. The, the Muslims, the Muslims, they don't have that message. Their prophet is dead. They know where he's at. They go to his grave. Our prophet is alive. That's why when Muslim, Muslim, I'm trying to get away from saying Muslim. I know they address M-U-S, Muslim, Muslims. I don't know which. I've got to learn that. Muslim, because I'm used to saying Muslim, you know. Muslim, the, the Muslims, their prophet's dead. In Kinshasa, 20 Muslims came on the platform one night and confessed Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Muslims are no different, no different than anyone else. I get to tell them these stories. In Indonesia, 95% Muslim. Muslim. I got to learn how to say that. Muslim? 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 I think I'll finish this on Muslim. I'm Muslim. Muslim. Oh, Muslim. Yeah. The music of a language is everything. Quand vous parlez français, vous allez apprendre les difficultés en prononçant les mots avec le ton exact afin que le peuple puisse comprendre ce qu'on dit. Yeah, I tell, you, and I tell you the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. But, but those, those 20 Muslims came one night. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. And when we went to Indonesia, 95% Muslim. And oh, the Muslim, they believed. They cried out to Jesus. And today, it's one of the greatest, strongest Pentecostal churches in the world. Millions of Holy Spirit-filled members of the Pentecostal churches across Indonesia. Think of that. It all began on that big field of Muslims. But this gospel convinced them. And they traded off their dead prophet for our living prophet. That's a good deal anywhere. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. <laughs> We must remember that without the miraculous, Christianity is just a religion, just a philosophy. He chose me. What for? To do his work through me. Now, I count in his plan, I am vital to him. Get that off the tape or write it down. He chose me. Why? To do his work through me. Now, I count in his plan. I am vital to him. John 17, 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. No difference. What I came to do, I'm sending them to do. They are the continuators of what I began. 
Do you see yourself that way? Do you call yourself a Christian? That's what a Christian is. An interpreter of Christ. What does he look like in you? Where does he go in your shoes? What does he say with your voice? Who does he embrace with your arms? What good news does he report through you? He's never changed. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. Daisy asked me, how can he be the same? And then she answered, because we let him be. See, do you let him be the same? He's the same. Think about it. John 20, 21. Jesus said to them again. He'd already said it once. said it again. This is after his resurrection. Peace be to you. As my Father sent me, I send you. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? I love that. Go ye into all the world. All people. God so loved the world. All people. Hey, America. Hey, preachers. Listen. Grow up. Don't think Western world. We're popular. We're free. All these terrorists trying to come over here and tear us up, but we'll survive. You preachers keep preaching. You'll help us survive. I told the parliamentarians in Ukraine, it's not our army and our navy that makes our country great. It's the churches. It's the preachers. They were trying to deport a big preacher over there. I said, no, don't do that. You need him. He's the best thing you've got. They didn't deport him. Saved him. Today he's got 20,000 members in, in Ukraine. Speak up. Be what you are. Don't think the Western world. Is that your mission field? Oh, lot. Don't think world, don't think world, third world. Oh, we're all holy about the third world. Oh, boy, we got it better than that. We think the 1040 window. Did you ever look at how much of the unreached of the world is not in the 1040 window? But they've hatched that cute little thing up and put a little box on all the maps and everybody prays for the 1040. Come on, grow up. The world is what we're interested in. Russia's not even in that 1040 window. Russia, Russia, hey, 36,000 villages of Russia have no gospel witness. Hey, 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 hang on a minute. I'm looking for something. I carry a note around. Oh, we're, uh, well, I can't find it. <laughs> Yakutia. Say Yakutia. How many has got a call to Yakutia? All these saints in here, nobody got a call to Yakutia. Half the size of the United States, no preachers there. Free, open, the wall is down. Communists is not in charge. Laying over there, half of the United States, and you praying for some little corner that hasn't got a church, you're wanting to start your church there. Move to Yakutia. Become a citizen of Yakutia like Goforth did in China. That's Christianity. Love in action throughout the world. That's Christianity. 
Hallelujah. Don't think third world. I don't think they even talk about Russia as being the third world. Russia's educated like us. I don't know what they call it, but, but anyhow, they're, they're, they're up-to-date people. Scientists, great people are going to conquer the world. Poor things. Turned out they can't even run a post office. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. Our people are poor, needy, but that, that's our opportunity. Don't think 1040 window. That's beautiful to talk about. The illiterate world, I'm called to the illiterate. Come on, grow up. You're called to the illiterate and to the literate. Everybody is your calling. You believe that? Hey, I'll throw you Pentecostals a hard one. <laughs> Watch it. That's why God lets you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost so you can talk any language. I won't explain that. I'll leave that to you to figure out. Yeah. Okay. Grow beyond nationality. Grow beyond caste. In India, I preach this same way. They've got to have a special call to the untouchables or to the Brahmins or different castes. No. People are people. They all have sinned. They all have come short of the glory of God. They all need to hear the gospel. They can all believe the gospel. <laughs> Grow beyond class. If you're a Britisher, you got some classes over there. Yeah, Russia's got some classes. Europe's got some classes. Grow beyond class. Grow beyond region. Grow beyond language. Grow beyond color. Our ministry, your ministry, has world proportions. Our action is vital to our hurting world. Action. Hallelujah. On the back of your paper, the first point, I'm not going to get to them. I always write down too many notes and then don't get to it. But then you can say, you get all inspired and you can figure it out, the rest of it. You're smart. You know your Bibles. See, that don't get to all of them. We was in Cuba. The action, action. Christianity is love in action. Action. Doing something. Daisy always said, don't, don't, don't think you're going to be holy when you get to China. No, 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 no. Cross your backyard fence and love your way to China. Yeah? Yeah, that'll do it. When we were in Cuba, in Camagüey, that big meeting there, a little 14-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy was so ravished by what they were seeing. I wonder where they are today. Wouldn't I love to find them? But they made a pact. They said, we got to tell this. This is wonderful. They, they just looked at it simple. This is gospel. We're really convinced, and we got to tell people about this. So they took notes, and they remembered the verse that I preached on. And then when the testimonies came, they wrote them all down. Then they went to their village that was about 14 kilometers away, and they found, they found a school bell, one of those old bells with a handle on it, you know. 
And every day at noon, they would go out in the middle of the little, little town square, ring that bell, and the people come see what these kids were going to do. And then they would tell them about the meeting in town, about the big crowd at the stadium. And they would read to them, they had their testimony, and they would read what I had read. And then they would tell, take turns and tell about the miracles. We were there four weeks. Before the end of the fourth week, a wonderful pastor was going with them, and now a wonderful church stands in that village. They did something. They did what they could do. Don't worry about being like the preachers under the limelights on television. You be you. I'm me. Nobody knows about me, but I'm good stuff. And I give myself to the world. Hallelujah. That's what I'm interested in. I was out there, by the, I got to tell you, I was out there by the grave of Daisy and stand there looking at and the devil jumped on me. You know, he comes around at your weak spots and tries to get on you, and he come around and made fun of me. And I was, now, we put on the, the epitaph on, on the stone. You know, we've preached, we've preached, uh, we've preached, uh, I don't know what it says now, I've been so long, it's, I've forgotten. We've, anyhow, we've preached Christ to the, to the nations. We've declared righteousness to the nation. We've declared your name among the nation. Something like that. That's what we've done. And I was looking at it. I thought that's the nicest thing I put there for her. That's what we've given our lives for. That's our epitaph. See? See? That's what it boils down to. We went and told people the gospel. That's the most worthy purpose that a life can have. And the devil jumped on me and said, yeah. You sure did. And the world is worse off than it was when you started. Besides, she's dead. <laughs> That's the devil. That's really making you look at a wonderful thing in a terrible, terribly negative way. And first, it, 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 it knocked me. I thought, yeah. And I was crying a little bit, you know. And then I thought, wait a minute. I said, hey devil. Right out loud. I said, don't run off. I got some things for you to listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whip, whip that devil. <laughs> whip that devil. And I told him, I said, you know what? We had just come back from Congo where all those hordes of people had been saved. Three crazy men from three villages brought in chains were all healed the same night and the chains taken off. None of them knew about the other one. Nobody knew they were coming. I didn't do it. Don't blame me. God did it. I preached the gospel. God confirmed it. I didn't touch them. I wasn't anointed. To, uh, all that, you know. No, no, no. No, I preached the gospel. I said, devil, don't run off. I got something to tell you. I said, what's worrying you is all them thousands of people out there that know about Jesus because we passed their way. And I, I told him a few things, reminded him of a few things that happened in different countries. I said, that's what's worrying you. You're trying to make me think that we're a failure. No, sir, no, sir. Go to the world, Mr. Devil, and you know it. I said, Devil, hey, 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 what'd you run off for? He wouldn't listen anymore. <laughs> he won't listen. He won't listen. He's a liar. He's a liar. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. Well, here's something that I want to share with you. Our best 
is God's best. Write that down. Our best is God's best. You believe that? Think about that. Think about it. When you are your best, you're letting God come through you as much as you will let him be. And he's pleased. He says, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. We're doing a good job. We're reaching him. We're telling him. Hallelujah. Our best is God's best. Nobody in the world is better than you when you do your best. Never forget that. Our mandate for action, John 8, 31, if you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed. Listen to all these verbs. Action. Verb is an action word, isn't it? We all, we all know that. Matthew 28, go. That's an action word, isn't it? Therefore, teach, that's an action word, isn't it? Teach them to observe, that's an action word, isn't it? Mark 3, he ordained 12, an action word, that they should be with him and that he might send, an action word. Send them forth to preach, that's an action word. And to have power to heal, that's an action word. And to cast out devils, that's an action word. Action. A for action. Miracle. M, I, M for him as our model. I for him as our inspiration. M-I-R for our response to his mandate. A for our action as his delegates. Matthew 10, he gave them power. Verse 7 and 8, as you go, action word. Preach, action, heal, action, cleanse, action, raise, action, cast out, action. Be an action person. The gospel is action, not theory, not creed, not dogmas. No, it's action. Hallelujah. Luke 9, he gave them power and authority, and he sent an action word, sent them to preach, action, heal, action. Luke 10, into whatsoever city you enter, action, enter. Action, enter, heal, action, the sick that are therein. Luke 10, behold, I give you power to tread, action, tread on serpents and scorpions, hallelujah. hallelujah. Action, our mandate, mandate for our action. Mandate means an order, a commission, a command, a requirement. Legal, authorization, a mandate. Do you have it? Do you have one? Did it reach you? Did you accept it? Were you there when he gave out the command? Somebody said the other day, Brother McNulty said in the Florida meeting, said, how would you feel if you were there after Jesus came back from the dead and you were following him and listening to everything he said like the early believers were and you went out and while he was speaking to you, the last words that he was saying, he began to raised from the earth, and a cloud received him out of their sight. How would you feel? Is it any different for us? Were we there? Are we represented? Were his words for us? Were they just for them at that time? If that's true, 
then his words for the healing of the sick and the salvation of sinners was only for people of that day. Do we believe that? No, we believe it's for us today. We preach it. Most of you are going out and preach somewhere. What, what, are you going, what part are you going to preach that's, that's for you? How much of it's for you? I tell women, I say, you need to always carry a yellow-leaded pencil. And every scripture that doesn't apply to you, put yellow on it. Be honest with yourself. You'll be surprised how much yellow some of you ladies will put. Maybe not you. You go to VBI. You know better. Maybe you won't have any yellow. Hallelujah for VBI. Glory to God. <laughs> Is that right? You put your hand up like you thought, I won't put no yellow on nothing. Right? Yeah. How many women don't need any yellow? Good for you women. Good for you women. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 I got to skip so much of this. Revelation for action. Revelation for I talked about the mandate for action. What's the revelation for action? Well, Paul's revelation, uh, I could go through. I've got a lot of notes here about, and it's important to know how he got converted, you know. And straightway he preached Christ, the Son of God. The church believers were scared of him. He confounded the, confounded the Jews, proving that Jesus is the Christ. New convert. He tried to join the Christians at headquarters in Jerusalem. They were all afraid of him. Are you hearing me? Barnabas defended him and said, no, no, don't be afraid of him. This is a good guy. Then the Grecians closed in on him and tried to kill him. And they said, we better get Paul out of here. We sent him to Tarsus. And Paul said, this is not good enough. I'm going to Arabia where there's none of this bunch there. I want to listen to God. Don't you hope our Pentecostal message is not like that today? Let's not so program people with our ideas that they miss God's signal. The world is out there and needs to keep it simple. Saints, Paul went to Arabia. He discovered all the scriptures in the Old Testament. I'm running through this real fast, but you young students, get this, digest this. He discovered all the prophets talked about the Gentiles. But none of them would do anything about it. And all the disciples quoted, are you hearing me, young students? All the disciples of Jesus quoted the prophets. That was their Bible, quote, unquote. That was their Bible. The prophets all talking about the Gentiles, but they didn't do anything about it. Jesus did. They said, well, that's an exception. Where do you stand? We're talking about revelation for action. If it isn't revealed to you that the gospel is for everybody, start over. It's for everybody. Paul discovered all the prophets, talked about the Gentiles, and nobody did anything about it. He said, I've heard Jesus did. But they didn't catch on. 
Paul was at Stephen's death. No, I can't get into that. <laughs> hey, hey, three things Paul discovered. Write these down. I'll skip all the rest. Write these down. Paul's discovery, what did I call that? Paul's revelation for action. If we're going to have, if we're going to carry on the miracle ministry of Jesus that he began and that we are to follow, we're going to have to have action. Are you with me? And to, to, to motivate this action, about this gospel, this gospel, I sometimes feel, uh, sometimes among Pentecostal ranks, the gospel don't turn them on. Pentecost turns them on. There could be no Pentecost without the cross. Do you understand that? Pentecost was impossible and could not come to pass until Jesus went to the cross and took our sins away and cleansed us. Are you aware of that? That's the meaning of the gospel. And once our sins were taken away, then God could come home where he wanted to be. When he made Adam out of the dust and breathed into him his own breath and he became a living soul. That's what God wanted. But then they rebelled against him and believed the devil and that was sin and that separated God from them because God will not cohabit with sin. All the generations the same. Bulls and goats they sacrificed but didn't work. Bible says it's impossible the blood of bulls and goats take away sin. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? And all the way down through. Think about that. And the gospel came. Jesus came preaching the gospel, but they didn't catch on to it. He lived, practiced the gospel. They didn't catch on to it. He demonstrated the gospel and healed and saved, forgave all kinds of people, they didn't catch on to it. Jesus died for the world, they didn't catch on to it. He came back and said, I'm going to give you power. Oh, the, he said, are you, going to, are you going to restore the government and take it away from Rome and let us be the rulers of the government? Big deal. That's all they caught on to. Pretty dumb, huh? Don't, don't put a halo on their head and condemn yourself. You're pretty smart. You know more than some of them did. Is that sacrilegious? No, that's fact. Think about it. Paul. None of these guys could catch on to it. Read it. They run around to the Jews. They got that cripple saved, the third chapter of Acts. They took him into the holy temple where they offer sacrifices, where the priests are. That's all they knew to do. That's the only religion they had. They hadn't caught on yet. And here comes Paul, a sacrilegious rascal that was mad at the Christians and hated their doctrine because he just was mad at them. And Jesus appeared to him. That's what happened to me. I wasn't a mean Christian. I was already a missionary. I loved Jesus. But he appeared. That'll change you. Hattie Hammond said, if you ever see Jesus, you'll never be the same. And friends, you'll see him best in his word. That's the best picture you'll ever get of him. 
And Paul comes along, gets converted, tries to join the church. <laughs> They're all filled with the Holy Ghost, but they couldn't recognize a convert when they got it. I mean, am I making fun of the Bible? No, no, no. But understand, people are people. We are somebody. We're not a bunch of dummies and they a bunch of saints. No, we're people like they were. We make mistakes, they made mistakes. But God loves us all and works with all of us. Dumb as we are, right? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Paul came. And Paul said, this won't work. I won't get any. I won't, I won't understand this. He couldn't figure it out. I won't understand it hanging around this bunch. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> now, I don't know if you quote me. People may think I don't even believe the Bible. I'm trying to get you to wake up and grow up. Get ready. We're coming in to a new generation, new centuries. We must understand some things. Huh? We're not a little clan, a little cult of tongue-talking people that placate our own ego by blessing each other and anointing it. Oh, come on, grow up. The world is out there. They need us. See, see. That's why I'm here. If I can add a little bit of this stuff, I know I'm right because I've been all over the world. It's never failed. But we got to get past our little cult. Bigger than our little cult. And there's three things I want you to write down so you'll never forget them. I won't be able to deal with all of them. But three things that Paul, in his revelation, down in Arabia, and he says in Galatians, read Galatians sometime, the first chapter. Read that and say, he'll say, I didn't get it from any of that bunch up there that identifies with him. <laughs> you know about that? Did you ever hear of that? Okay, I better not get sidetracked. You know where it's at. First chapter of Galatians. He said, I got it by revelation. Jesus came to me and showed it to me. Three things that distinguish what was revealed to Paul and that motivated him to action until they killed him at Rome. But he never quit because he was so motivated by these three ideas that nobody had ever told him. And here's what they are. Number one, that the gospel is a gospel of redemption. Number two, that the gospel of redemption is committed to our trust. Number three, that the gospel of redemption is for all tribes, all people, all nations. Write those down and build your, build your ministry on those three facts. That's what Paul did. It was the gospel of redemption. Romans 1, we can have real peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. He's brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and can actually become all that God has in mind for us to be. When we were utterly helpless, with no way of escape, Christ came, died for us sinners who had no use for him, 
God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. Oh, how Paul kept saying while we were sinners. I said so many times, we didn't seek him, he sought us. We didn't love him, he loved us. We didn't come to him, he came to us. While we were sinners, God fixed us up. But we had to know about it. Carlton's wrong on that. We, they have to know about it to believe the gospel. If we don't believe the gospel, we'll be lost. Now, hallelujah for verse 9. This I'm reading in the Living Bible. I love it. In verse 9, he has now declared us not guilty. I stand before God without any sense of fear or guilt or inferiority. That's not because I'm proud. That's because he believes in me as his child. He made me part of his royal family, and I represent him. I'm his ambassador. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. Gospel of redemption. Redemption. I wish all of our people. Sometimes I think the Baptists and Methodists understand this better than Pentecostals do. You know. Uh, you know redeemed, put back like we were, restored like we were before sin ever came, justified. Study that word, justified. The beautiful thing you can do with that word in English, you can't do it in any other language, just as if I'd never done it. Just as if I'd never done it. There's no record of what I did. It is gone. Therefore, I stand before God without blemish, without spot, without stain. Hallelujah. I stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He gave his righteousness to me. The life that he has, he has shared with me. I preach that. Did you know the world don't know that? Preach that to a bunch of Hindus, it'll scare the fire out of them. <laughs> Go to India. Grow up in the gospel. Paul went to Arabia. Go on further to India. Catch on to what this book is about. We have a tremendous charge. I said the revelation for redemption, for, for, for action. First, the mandate for action. Second, the revelation. Revelation for action. Get the revelation that the gospel is a message that performs redemption. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to salvation, salvation, redemption, remission, to salvation, to everyone that hears it and believes it. The gospel is the power. That's why I said, poor devil. I knew he was in trouble. I knew what I was preaching. I knew it was true. I knew he was having his last fit. Poor devil. And he came out. I didn't cast him out, didn't need to. I preached the gospel. If you lay before a field of people that we are from God, God's creation. That Satan is the troublemaker. 
Not demons, not gods. God didn't send the storm. God didn't send the plague of polio on our village. No, but no, Satan brought it. Teach that to the people. And that Jesus lifted all of that burden of that curse and took it upon himself and died. It killed him. It would have killed us. He died. His life was laid down. Wow. Three days later, God put new life in him. His kind of life. And raised Jesus from the dead. Pulled him up to heaven and sent that life back to every one of us. And now we are restored. That's fact. Sickness has been paid for. Sin has been paid, paid for. Now that Christ accomplished that, we are healed, the Bible says, and we are saved. We are redeemed. Tell the people that. They don't know that. Tell that and you'll have a crowd. Tell some of these other little doctrines that you get all spin, spinning off on. You won't have a crowd and you'll come home mad. You'll say the other preachers had a crowd and I didn't. Did I say that too fast? Did you get that? Yeah. Now you'll be mad at all the other preachers that have a crowd. No one will come. I wouldn't listen to you. If you're a bore. No. I wouldn't come and hear you. People come and hear me because I've got good news. They like me. They love me. I give them good news from God. Hook them up with God. No other priest does it. No other sadhu does it. No other, no other holy man does it. T.L. Osborne does. And you can. You can do anything T.L. Osborne. You don't have to get my anointing. You got your own. The same kind I got. From the same place I got it. Hallelujah. Wow, wow, wow. I'm all worked up about this. I love you. I want to help you. Hallelujah. It's a gospel of redemption. And the second thing, it's a gospel that's committed to us, Paul said in three times. It's committed to us. If we don't give the gospel out, you can pray your head off. God's not going to send angels for you to do what he told you to do. <coughs> Say, I believe that. I said, you waste your time praying for God to do what he told you to do. He told us to preach the gospel. He told us to make the good news. That was part of Paul's revelation. Nobody, that didn't come from Peter. That didn't come from John. Holy as John is, I love John. Paul, that rascal. He went off into Arabia, and of course, he had been a rabbi, so his brain was jammed full of the Old Testament, uh, Torah, the five books of Moses, all the prophets and the Psalms. Every rabbi, it was incumbent upon every rabbi to know all the Psalms, all the prophets, and the five books of Moses. They could recite them. From a little boy, they're trained and drilled and drilled and trained and trained. So Paul had all this in him, but he had, he had missed the star of the whole deal. He had missed the Messiah. He had missed Christ. But he got down the, 
when Jesus appeared to him and said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, the one you're trying to kill. I'm Jesus. And that brought him to attention. He tried to work it out with the other Christians, but they didn't know what they were talking about. We're kind of like that. Sometimes, you know, we don't represent him poor. Say, no, that's the guy that's been killing everybody. We're scared of him. See, and he had, had to get away from them. He just spooked them, scared them, so he had to get away. Went to Arabia, and there, on his knees, with his brain like a computer. He didn't have a, a, a Toshiba. <laughs> See? But his brain was full. And he there realized from the prophets, from the Torah, from the psalm, he realized that this gospel is committed to us. If we don't do it, his message will never be known to our world. That's who we are. We're the people of God. We're his messengers. Hallelujah. Oh, that turns me on. You get as old as I am, keep going. You'll keep going because you've got it clear. Hallelujah. And the third thing about his revelation was that it was for all people, not just the Jews. And they trailed dear brother Paul every place he went to, caught him, persecuted him, stoned him. Jews, Christians, many of them. Mostly, most, I shouldn't say many of them, some of them. Some of them, they were trying to make that bridge. You know? They were trying to follow Christ one way and hang on to Moses, you know, at the same time. It was a job. It was a new epoch, a new epoch. But Paul, even Peter, he had to struggle with that. And God gave him, I can't get into that, gave him a vision about it. But find, out, find that in the 10th chapter of Acts. <laughs> Peter had a big problem to finally said, well, okay, I've discovered that whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. But it took a vision. It took all sorts, two visions. Well, anyhow, but uh, even Peter didn't make it clear. But Paul, bless God, when little old ugly Paul, they say he was little and ugly. The stories, I don't know whether it was or not. When little old ugly Paul came walking into town, that little guy had caught on to what the gospel is. It's redemption. Hallelujah. It's redemption. It's, it, it's committed to us. It's for everybody. Aren't you glad? And that's how you got in on the deal. <laughs> Preachers that believed what he said kept telling it, and you got it, and here you are today all smiling and happy and redeemed. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul's revelation of redemption prompted the most revolutionary concept ever enunciated. The Jews stalked him everywhere and finally killed him at Rome. But he never quit preaching it. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said there's no difference between Jews and Greeks. Same Lord over all is rich to all that call on him. Whoever shall call. <laughs> Fighting words. Isn't that beautiful? When you look at it in that context. Folks, when we go out and announce that, read it with vigor. Don't just hum, hum, drum it off as though it's some dogma. You got the candles burning and the gongs going and you're talking. No, you're alive. You're a messenger of good news. The world wants what you have. 
They'll believe on it. And devils will run from you if you really believe it. Yeah. Poor devil. He's scared of this gospel. Yes. Okay. We've talked about Christ's mandate, talked about the revelation. Now let's talk about the urgency. I can't talk about it. I got I to quit, but, but leave this with you. The urgency for action. It's on the back of your note. The urgency for action. Number one, the harvest is ripe. Oh, here's a couple of good ones I hate to pass over, but I've got to. Urgency. Urgency for action. Number two, God's word is provable. Write that down. I'm not giving you any support for it, but you can get it off the tape. Urgency for action. The word is provable. Number three, urgency for action. God's love is irresistible. You got that? Wow, 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 wow. What good is it if you say, if you have faith and you don't do something about it? Love. Love. Christianity is love in action. He chose us and sent us. That calls for action. His ordination calls for our obedience. Four. Four. Urgency for action. What's the focus for action? Three things. Number one, fulfill the will of God. Number two, make Christianity practical. I wrote down here, take that authority and go with it. Take that name and use it. Take that power and heal and bless people. Take that anointing and deliver people. Take that message and announce it. Take that love and share it. Preach on every one of them things. His ordination calls for our obedience. It's urgent. Action is urgent. Focus for your action. Fulfill God's will. Hey. I have a brother. He passed on to heaven, the Lord in heaven. He's a wonderful preacher. He led me to Jesus. But he always, had, he always had kind of problem about the will of God. He talked to me many times. I think maybe he spent half of his ministry wondering if he was following the will of God, if he was really in the will of God. And those kind always spend the other half of their time wondering if they did the will of God. When you, when you don't know what God's will is, You'll never know whether you did it or not. Grow up. Let me settle that with you forever. What is God's will for your life? Three things. Number one, is, it, is the idea good for God? I hate to wait while you write, but I don't want you to miss it. Is the idea good for God? Number two, is the idea good for people? Number three, is the idea good for you? If so, it is God's will. Now that'll settle that. Hallelujah. Knowing that when you pray, when you pray, are you ready for this? I'm skipping most of these good things, but I've got to get a few of them into you. When, 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 
when, when you pray, God will always answer yes. Now, that'll stump you, but I'm not through. God will always answer yes. And then he will add, now, what are you going to do about it? See, because what we pray is for God to do it. If you want what God wants, if you want what people, what's good for people, what's good for God and what's good for you, God will say, go for it. It's beautiful. Go for it. Now, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to come down here and do that for you. You do it. That's my will. You do it. He said in Hebrews, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And then again he quote, in the volume of the book that's written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. That's what you're here for. What is his will? What's good for people? What's good for you? What's good for God? Go for it. The world is yours. God's with you. The Holy Spirit's in you. It's all for you. Go to Yakutia, half the United States. Nobody there but you. You'll be the smartest preacher in half of the United States. Wouldn't that be great? You have the best church in half of the United States. How can we miss that opportunity? And the third, I would talk about focus. Fulfill the will of God. Second, make Christianity practical. And third, be a vital part of God's plan. Hallelujah. His plan depends on us. You believe that? Get your piece of paper. I got to quit. Get your piece of paper. I gave you a piece of paper when you came in. And let's fold up now and stand with that in your hand and let's read it out loud together. And let's read it and make the poor devil that tackled me out there at the graveyard, make him tremble. <laughs> Hallelujah. Poor devil. I'm still at it. I'm heading for Thailand. Glory to God. And I'm happy. That's what worries the devil. Yeah. And, and he's worried about you. VBI. Say VBI. Poor devil. Poor devil. VBI, VBI for the world. For the world. Hallelujah. Ron, I'm turned on. I'm, I'm over. Okay, let's read this thing together. Are you ready? Are you ready? Draw a deep breath. Make it loud so every demon in hell can hear us and the angels will rejoice with us. And the Father and Jesus, who knows, he might stand at attention. Said, if you've got that figured out, I'm going to be with you to make it good. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He stood when Stephen died. Well, <clears throat> hallelujah. You ready? First words, thank you. Let's go. Thank you, Lord, that you believe in me and have chosen me as your delegate. Your power is invested in me. Your plan depends on me. By action, I transform my knowledge into power. My possibilities become realities. My action proves what I believe. Dear Lord, when I act with you at work in me, then all things are possible. Lord, 
when I act on your word, your power materializes your best in my life and in the lives of those around me. Doing your will gives my life purpose. Dear Lord Jesus, I am saved so that you can continue your ministry through me. I am one of your chosen delegates. You have committed your work to my hands. I am motivated to action. You trust me to share your love with people. Christianity is love in action. Your plan unfolds through me. You trust me to interpret you in our world. And a big amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.